Podcast about World of Warcraft and the people who play it. And now, here are your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Starting Zone D Podcast about World of Warcraft and people who play it. Today is September 14, 2021, and my name is Spencer Downey. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host Jason Lucas. Jason, how are you doing this fine Tuesday? Uh, Spencer, hello. Uh, another afternoon record for us. Um, I'm doing well. It's uh, it's now officially, uh, unofficially, no longer summer, right? It's past uh, <laughs> Labor Day holiday and all that. Uh, well, it's still, it isn't quite there yet, but, um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, autumn-themed stuff coming up in WoW starting this week, which is always a fun time to be playing. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean... We got we got some awesome news about PTR this week. We have a lot of stuff to look forward to, um, which is kind of balanced out by the fact that I think 9.1 is starting to get a little long in the tooth. After about two and a half months, I'm sort of I'm sort of just uh, done with what I had to do, you know. But uh, <laughs> we got a lot of stuff on the horizon, which is nice. That's why I love the top fives. Yeah, I've started focusing primarily on um, gathering up anima for when we can swap covenants and move anima around. Uh, since we know that's coming and we know that the cap is now 200,000, so you can just keep throwing anima into that globe. It was really weird. I, I got to say, it was really weird when they put that change live. To have my globe from, go from being basically just full all the time to suddenly being, like, incredibly low. Yeah, you can barely even see how much is in there. The visual graphic change was pretty substantial. So I, I think that's, I mean, and I like the fact that I can bank it up a lot more for when I move around and buy up all the stuff I want to buy. We're also now five weeks away from Renown CAC. We're almost done with the Renown system as far as we know uh, going forward. We don't know if they're going to add more Renown levels in the future, but uh, we're getting really close to finishing that up. You'll be Renown 70 this week, and at the rate of two a week, you go from 70 to 80 in five weeks, so we know that we're five weeks away from finishing that system. And we also know that a lot of the stuff for uh, 9.1.5 is going to basically be based off of your Renown and how far your Renown has progressed. So there's a little bit of, like, reading in the tea leaves of, like, how many weeks after uh, we sort of finish the Renown stuff that this stuff comes out. Um, I would be hopeful that uh, I'm, I'm my, my, my original sort of guess slash hope of towards the end of October-ish might be really nice if they manage to push something out. It would be then. great if the cycle was that short. I'm I not going to be that optimistic, but I hope you're right. I, I mean, the sooner we can get these changes, the better. Um, that would be a short PTR cycle, but this also this is more kind of refinements to existing stuff versus new stuff, so they may be able to accelerate it a bit. Yeah, without having like a raid tier attached to this, without having a huge amount of lore attached to this, I'm uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll uh, we'll see something like that a little bit sooner, a bit of a shorter cycle. So that could be great if that's something they end up doing. Uh, but outside of just sort of working on the the anima cap, uh, I'm also still doing my M plus and. Managed to, to tag along for one raid with you guys last week, which was fun. I always enjoyed doing that. Um, I'm still, I'm, I'm starting to lean back towards going back to my, my roots, if you will, of Resto Druid uh, and uh, and starting to, to get back into healing more. So I'm, I might, I might, that might be the thing I need to sort of freshen things up a bit more is move away from playing Boomy as much, move back into playing Resto where I sort of, you know, 
uh, cut my teeth on Mythic Raiding and, uh, and see if that turns things around for me as far as gameplay goes right now, just making it a bit more fun and interesting to participate in the game. I think it'd be great. Um, and then the last thing is just uh, achievements. That's the, the other thing I've been working on. So this past week was the first week you could earn the, I'm not going to try and say his name, the Kirker Kirker or whatever it is, achievement with the, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> with the uh, Night Fae uh, Covenant Assault inside of the Maw. And so I made sure I got out there and did that and, uh, and got that achievement for helping out all the five different dudes, um, which that achievement also goes towards two different mounts. So kind of neat to sort of work on that and sort of have a look around at what else there is to, uh, to sort of check off the list as we're in this lull at the moment of the game. So, yeah, that's part of that. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention, because this is kind of a neat thing, uh, is I cracked open my vault today, and, you know, to my dismay, uh, there was nothing in it that was particularly uh, an upgrade for me. I'm still switching around different specs now when I, whenever I open that vault to sort of get rewards for off specs since my, my boomy set's pretty much solid. Um, and uh, so I took the tokens of merit, which is the, the three tokens at the bottom that you can choose, and I went over to be like, what can I even use these things on? And I was actually a little bit surprised and, and pleasantly surprised. I've, I've probably said this on the show before, but I've forgotten, because there's just so much stuff that happens in this game, that you can actually get 500 research with each token. So you can get 1,500 research just from turning in your tokens, which is kind of a nice little, like, bonus. So if you're somebody who's like, hey, I'm trying to get that socket or I'm trying to get that conduit upgrade... You can take the tokens of merit if there isn't really an upgrade there for you and go over and get up 1,500 research, which puts you well on your way towards one of those two things, depending on which one you're trying to get. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I forgot that that was one of the things you could use to turn those in for. And, yeah, that's a nice little bump. I mean, it's half of a conduit. It's a nice chunk of a socket. So, I mean, yeah, we're getting into that part of the season now. We've been at it long enough where it's like, the, you know, the odds are kind of against you if you've been keeping up with your weekly vaults that you're going to pull an upgrade. You're pretty much just fishing for a couple key items at this point, probably, because, you know, if you're if you're rating and doing M+, you probably have Domination Socket and 252 coverage, you know, in all of those spots. So you might be fishing for a particular piece of jewelry or a trinket or something, and if that doesn't show up, then, you know, <laughs> your options might be uh, Transmog or Currency. So, uh, yeah. yeah, the last couple weeks I've just been taking stuff to get, 252s in a spot, but it's not necessarily something I'm going to use. Right. Because um, it's like, well, I, I, I'd like a, a scale, the trinket from the other side in my box, or, um, you know, one of the particularly hasty rings at max item level. And other than that, you know, I my, my domination stuff is pretty much locked in, and it's too valuable to use anything else in those slots. And, um, you know, I've I got a fair bit of coverage on other stuff. So, yeah, I mean... I'm glad that they upped the usefulness of the currency option this season because, you know, you, I, I feel like your your options from from the vault are a bit more limited because you want to focus on those domination socket pieces as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but outside of what I did last week, Jason, did you get up to anything super interesting this past week in WoW? Um, it was a pretty a pretty standard week of WoW stuff. Um, I, I played a little bit less WoW than uh, normal, I guess, because I was kind of took a staycation week and I kind of didn't want to be stuck in my typical routine. So um, I didn't play as much as usual. But I mean, we you know we had three raid nights. Um, 
I, the big focus was uh, Sylvanas Prague, which we didn't get her, but uh, our best attempt, I think we got her to around 60% showing, so that's about 10% of her bar away. Um, yeah, that was that was really most of the week. We didn't do any mythic stuff. We didn't do, like, the normal skip um, because I thought we would benefit from putting the time in. Um, we're only, like, 37 wipes in, so I guess it's not too bad, but it feels like this should be dead by now. Um, mm. I am not enjoying this process. I don't think mm-hmm. this fight is particularly fun to prog on. Mm-hmm. We've spent hours on it, and we have 37 wipes because it's a 15-minute long fight, and you don't really wipe in Phase 1. And, you know, Phase 2, you're only really going to wipe towards the end of it. Uh, and then, you know, Phase 3 has a lot of stuff you have to learn on the fly, and you have to have survived for, like, 11 minutes or whatever, 9 yep. minutes, 8 minutes at least to get to the point where you start learning the stuff that's going to kill you, and it's just frustrating. Um, it's also much more difficult with a larger group because of the limited space. You know, Phase 2 and Phase 3, the arena doesn't get bigger because you have 25, 28 people in your group. Yeah. Um, someday we had, like, 16, 18 people, and it felt much better than with the bigger group, and yeah. it sucks when fights work out like that. So, I don't know. I'm just I'm ready to, to just knock this thing over and... You know, hopefully re-clears will be easier as people get more familiar with Phase 3 mechanics. I mean, the good news is, like, we've cleaned up Phase 1 significantly. You know, we can routinely do it without any deaths at all, uh, which is, that sounds maybe not as impressive as it could be, but there are a lot of one-shot mechanics or a lot of stuff that if you don't pay attention to, you're just going to die. Yeah. And we're consistently getting through Phase 2 pretty cleanly. I mean, we have people dying because they're falling off the bridge and stuff, and it's like, that's going to happen because people are using movement abilities or they're, you know, they're trying to shortcut something and it doesn't work out. But, um, you know, I think that's another thing we need to clean up in order to consistently get into phase three in a position to win. Um, so, you know, it's definitely progress, even though it doesn't really feel like it. And I guess the other good thing is we, I think we only had one wipe to a Banshee scream going off without enough of the Bane stacks being uh, dispelled off. So oh, good. You know, that's, like, one of the very important key factors of Phase 3, one of the big learning curve things. So, you know, it's getting closer. It's just uh, I, I'm i ready to move on with my life, I guess. Like, I just I don't I don't want to keep spending, uh, you know, entire raid nights on this fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to have to. You know, I, I think this week I'm going to push it a little bit less hard. I think we're going to start with, like, Mythic Karagru, just go get an easy win and get some 252 loot out then probably come back out, reset, and do the normal skip and see if we can get some, you know, 233 KT and Sylvanas stuff that might help people out. I mean, we still don't have any heroic Sylvanas kills, so her loot is still desirable at 233. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just get, get rack up those easy wins, just spend some time doing that and killing stuff, and then start the heroic re-clear. And if that means that, you know, we don't start looking at Sylvanas until Sunday, fine. You know, I'm in, I'm in no rush. We're going to be in this tier for a very long time, regardless of when 9.1.5 comes out. So uh, I think it's important to just keep everybody, you know, um, moving forward, you know, getting kills, picking stuff up. You know, maybe we get, like, a trinket or a weapon or something that somebody's gunning for, even if it's not at the ideal item level. I feel like it's better for morale and for keeping the group loose and fun than just slamming wipes on a fight that, like, we can kill, but we have other options, you know? Yeah, the, so. the beef I have with, with Sylvanas is, I, the word I use is, it's just a slog. Like, it's just like, 
no one enjoys progressing that fight. After the first couple times you see it, you're like, okay, I get it. That's kind of cool if you could kill it in five or six pulls. But as soon as it goes beyond 20, yep. you start going, okay, I, this boss should be dead by now. And yeah, the reason why phase it should be dead. Like way too long and phase two shouldn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the problem, right? So it's that case of um, they, they any fight, in my opinion, that goes longer than 12 minutes is too long of a fight. It just is. You need to cut four minutes out of it somewhere, and they need to do yeah. that with this fight. For sure. It's, not, it's, not, it's just not fun. It's hard for people to maintain their attention span that long like and to just routinely it's, execute mechanics properly. And Well, even, even, yeah. just, even just how soul-crushing it is to wipe at 14 minutes into a fight or 13 minutes into a fight, right? Like, that's the morale hit that yep. teams yep. take. Uh, it, it, to me, it just isn't worth it when it comes down to uh, to designing fights like that. You want to make a fight epic, that's great. I appreciate that that's what you want to do. But, but yeah. the, the the longer the fight takes, like the longer the fight duration is, the less epic it becomes to me. Because what happens yeah. is now everyone just hates the fight. And they're like, well, that's, pro- that's a problem. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's you, you spent all this time designing this amazing encounter with all these cool mechanics. But the issue is you threw so much into this one fight that people now dislike that fight because it just takes so long to do. So... Yeah, I think there's some really cool design choices in the Sylvanas fight, really, but, like, yeah, the way it plays out together, you know, and the length of the fight, it's just, it's punishing to try to learn, and it's just, it's just not fun to have to start that elongated phase one over and over again, and then you go to phase two, and, well, it looked like there wasn't a gap in that bridge, but there was, and now three people are dead, and so we might as well just start it over because we can't really realistically recover from here, yeah. and we don't really need to practice on phase two. So, you know, you start yeah. doing that kind of negotiation with yourself, and um, I don't know. I'll be I'll be glad to put it down, and hopefully re-clears will be smooth. Um, and, you know, I... Honestly, I'm I'm hoping that we'll see some changes sooner than later. We haven't seen any big tuning changes to Sanctum in weeks now, and I think we need them. And I, I think they could definitely shave that boss down a little bit. Any kind of prestige with kills is gone. I mean, the raid's been out for almost um, well, the raid's been out for over two months now, so it's not like it's not like there's much prestige left. You're probably not server firsting anything, <laughs> you know, at this point yeah. on any difficulty. So. Shave it down a little bit, I think. Uh, you know, they were, I think they kind of aggressively nerfed Nathria for most of its lifespan, and that was good. Um, I think it's time for them to take some more passes at Sanctum. You know, they obviously a couple bosses got hit super hard, super fast, like Painsmith, for example, and that was necessary because it was such an outlier, but I think it's time to just open the rate up and make it more exciting. It's just, you know, once once the prestige is gone, once, once the ranks are, are kind of set in stone, and now there's also the Hall of Fame issue, but the Hall of Fame's not going to probably fill Alliance side this year. Well, it is. Um, it is. So uh, that's one of the things I want to mention. Hall of Fame, we're now at 96 Alliance teams as of this week, as of today, which means it probably closes this week. Most likely tonight we will see yeah. that remainder chunk of teams who still need to do it, hopefully get their kills. And we'll see an announcement some from, changes coming in. Yeah, we'll see the announcement from Blizzard basically saying, "Hey, Alliance Hall of Fame is going to close uh, next Tuesday, so be sure you get your kills in this week." And so I, I, I wanted to give people the heads up on that because it's sort of been this progress of like two weeks ago we were at like I think I want I think two weeks ago we were at like 50 or 60 teams that had done it, 
and there's been mm-hmm. 350 or 400 horde teams that have done it at that point. Uh, and then now we're getting to that point where, yeah, sometime this week or at, mo- at the latest next week, we'll see Alliance Hall of Fame close, and uh, we'll get that Crossrail Mythic stuff starting to open up for people who are interested in it. So Maybe that'll be an impetus for some tuning changes at that point, you know? There's no there's nothing official in the game left to shoot for, and, and sure. stuff the community pays attention to is long gone at this point already. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's time. I'm I'm ready, and I want to, you know, I, I think it's good to open up the raid difficulty to a wider uh, array of players. You know, once you kind of hit that, which should be halfway point, you know, as we come up on about three months here. So, yeah, because I, you know, I, I want to be able to just move through this raid, reclear it, maybe check out some mythic bosses if I can keep people engaged, and that does get hard when you have these, you know. 13 and a half minute long life. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll get it this week. I'm, I'm really not, I'm not losing sleep over it and I'm not, uh, I'm not in a hurry, but, um, that's, you know, that's where that kind of ended up. And then Mythic Plus stuff, like, I think I got, uh, eight or nine points this week. I think I got eight points from doing dungeons and one point because they changed the timer on theater thing. <laughs> right. So, I'll take it. Uh, um, managed to uh, give a guildie a hand with getting some prog towards KSM. He was missing a couple of dungeons on um, Fort Week, so that was cool. Um, it was a, a pretty decent week. I mean, I, I really think this affix rotation has been strong. It's really fun to do. So, um, looking forward to, to pushing up there a little bit higher. I mean, I'm, I'm knocking on the door 2200, and um, I don't know if we'll be able to get 20s in time uh, this season, but. You know, I, I'd like to start trying. You know, we've been kind of hovering around 17s, um, you know, a handful of 18s or something. But, um, you know, I I want to I want to at least give it a shot. Last season I got stuck really at sort of 15, 16, 17s because I was helping so many people do Keystone Master. Right. That we were rotating around people so much that it wasn't really realistic to try to push higher because it was more important to get people KSM. Um, a, a lot more people have done it on their own a lot earlier or in their own groups this season, so that's less of a factor. So um, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, other cool. than that, like, outside of Raiden Dungeon, like, there's just not there's not a lot of stuff that I feel like I need to do on my main uh, on, a, on a daily, weekly basis. I mean, I, I'm trying to keep my weekly stuff up to date. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I guess if I get some if I get some upgrades, then I'm going to need some more sockets. But uh, I got two forty sixes in most of the key slots, at least, if not higher. And um, it's you know it's that thing that I, what I did to myself in season one was I banked all this currency because once I got the upgrades, then I was going to slap the sockets in them, and yeah, then I just never got the upgrades. Yeah, I spent all that time farming up stuff yeah. that became worthless. So I'm I'm just not doing that to myself this time, sure. and it, it would be a good time to play alt, but it just feels like it's going to be so much better in 9.5 oh, yeah. that I might as well just wait. You know, yeah. that's what that's what kind of where I'm at. Like once 9.15 comes in, it'll feel really good to play those characters, and I'm not I'm I'm just not I'm it's not as desperate for me to do it right now. It doesn't feel like I need to do it now. Um, I'd rather just wait. So it's it's slowing down a bit for sure. Yeah. But let's talk about what's going on this week in World of Warcraft so we can cover all that stuff that you guys might want to dive into this week. All right, 
this week is the World Quest bonus event, meaning that the sign of the emissary is up, where reputation gains from World Quests are increased by 50%. And of course, there's a quest to complete 20 World Quests, which rewards 500 rep to the faction of your choice, as well as 750 anima. Now, by faction, I really mean covenant, because that's really the only ones they sort of go towards. Uh, so just keep that in mind. You can't, like, go and get your research up, which would be really nice. That isn't something they offer. Uh, we also have the weekly okay. world boss, Mortanis, the bone construct in Maldraxxus, uh, who drops your 207 eye-level plate wrist, male chest and hands, leather feet, cloth waist, male, uh, sorry, a mastery haste ring, uh, as well as your 200 eye-level covenant ability conduits. Um, those, uh, those obviously, if you, if you haven't gotten them yet, are... 100% drop right now, I believe, so you should be able to get those pretty easily, as well as these things, these memories, Jason, which memories is uh, the bone cost drop dropping, Mortani. So, yeah, uh, you know, I always try to peek behind the curtain here and figure out, like, how they decided which ones were going where, and so Maldraxxus is the military, right, so it's the fighters. So you got some fighting classes here. You got Guile Charm for rogues, you got Vegeta for warriors, and Kiefer for monks. So if you like to stand in melee range and punch stuff or hit it with a weapon, then you might be missing a memory from uh, Mortanus this week. So, uh, you know, make sure you go get that because you can't have those blank spots in your powers UI. you got to fill that out. Yeah. It feels really weird to log into a character that's like an alt and it doesn't have it filled out. It does feel very strange, I have to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you can't have that. you got to go get them, yeah. get the things that let you gamble for one, whatever, just you know, no no unlit up UI elements. That's what we are go shooting for here. It's actually it's my 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 syndrome of needing UI elements lit up is so bad that when I go to my uh, my covenant um, soulbind tree thing and you open it up inside of your covenant hall and there's all the ones for your other specs that aren't lit up because they aren't lit up to tell you that they aren't ones you're supposed to use. It bothers mm -hmm. me that they're not lit <laughs> up inside that frame. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're you're not supposed to use these because it's not for the spec that you're in. But yeah, but they're not lit up. The other thing that's too is the ones that are socketed, like it grays them out because they're yeah. active, yeah. and like I don't like that either. <laughs> I wish there was like a little, maybe some kind of marker next to them that indicated they were socketed. But yeah, <laughs> I like things lit up. I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right, more death. The tormented is also up. Be sure you're killing him for your uh, adaptive armor fragment or condensed atmosphere conduits if you haven't gotten those yet as well as your Shard of Rev, uh, which is the only other way to get that Leech Blood Shard is off of uh, Sylvanas, so you either want to kill more Geth or Sylvanas to get that one. And from 233 eye-level gear, your Cloth, Wrists and Legs, Leather Hands and Waist, Male Hands and Feet, Plate, Waist and Legs, and a Mastery Trinket with a Main Stat, stat Proc. Uh, your Dungeons for this week are Plague Fall and Sanguine Depths. Uh, those are the ones you want to pick up in Oribos. You go down into the basement of the, uh, the inn. If you just go to the very back of the inn, there's a staircase that leads down, pick up these quests. They'll get you some anima as well as reputation towards the uh, um, covenant of your choice. And then the PvP quests this week are rated BGs and epic BGs. So if you're into doing some battlegrounds, pick up your PvP quests inside Oribos. And then in Torghast, we got more Regar and Upper Reaches going on. Uh, so if you need to be doing your Torghast this week, feel free to hop into that. Man, Jason, last week was a slog in Torghast for me. I got really bad torments. It was yeah, no fun at all. Last week, oh, yeah. I I did not have a good time doing doing that. I, I definitely had multiple runs where like I would die on floor one or two, and I'd just be like, "All right, starting over." Thing. Like, yeah, you know. sometimes that's your best bet. Yeah, yeah. especially if you're shooting for um, the flawless. Yeah. Um, yeah. Torghast, you know, it giveth and it taketh away. It some does. of the yeah. some of the torments in the new pool are really 
just kind of, I don't know, useless. You don't even notice that they're there. And some of them really can completely tank a run. Yeah. And same with the blessings. Like, some of the blessings are kind of just garbage. It's like, okay, this is not really impacting me in any way. And some of them are just god tier. Where Like, the the lightning spark one where you move super fast out of combat when you're in combat. Right. The orbs rotate around you and do extra damage. Like, yeah. that was amazing. That'll get you higher time bonuses. It just adds extra passive damage you don't have to think about. And some of them are like, here's some consumables. Like, this one gives you more haste. It's like, okay. I you know it's not it's just low impact so yeah yeah there's definitely that randomness with the blessings and the torments um, I think upper reaches might be the last wing I need to flawless for the meta achievement mm. I took like a week or two off of doing tour guys so I know it's been around in the rotation but I just didn't do it the last time it was up right. Um, I'm finding that I can pretty much flawless Torghast at will if I'm really paying attention. <laughs> that's, that's the key. Can I pay attention to Layer 12 Torghast for a consistent, like, half hour, 40 minutes in order to know what I'm doing, get enough of the bonuses, like, that I know are out there, like, like think about my build and, and tailor it to getting that, and also, like, avoiding traps and not dying to something stupid and not, like, forgetting to clear out an entire hallway before I go up the stairs. <laughs> Those are the things that, that tend to ruin my runs because I'm almost maxed out on Book of Many Things. I'm not quite there, or Box of Many Things, I, I should say. I, I have, like, a couple relatively low-impact upgrades I still need to buy to max it out, but, like, you get a ton of extra powers from having that, you know, all that researched. You get way more um, damage out of your empowered state. You get your empowered more frequently because stuff is worth more. Yeah. So once you start stacking all that up, you start to notice that your time bonuses and your empowered bonuses start uh, accounting for a lot more of your score at the end of your run. Yeah. And that means you don't have to – you have to work as hard with your build in order to hit that 200-point threshold. You know, you can you – can, stack up multiple powers and stuff because you can probably get to 30 because you're getting so many extra powers, which that's another bonus in and of itself. So I don't know. I, I really like the way the system came together, and it makes me want to do Torghast more than even really benefits me, which is definitely not I, – I have always liked Torghast since playing it in Alpha, but, you know, I stopped doing it after I made all the legendaries I wanted to in Season 1. Um, in Season 2 – it, it's hard to say. I think once I get the meta achievement done, which will I think will be this week, then it's like, well, should I run some for cinders because you can buy sockets with cinders as well? That's another good option. Like, if you don't have any other legendaries you want to make this season, yeah, you can, you know, it's a, it's a, a nice chunk towards another socket. So, um, yeah, it's 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 been pretty fun. So hopefully, <laughs> you know, I guess if you really end up with a bad uh, set of torments. Just walk away and try it tomorrow because the torment should roll over every every reset day. Yeah, I guess for me it's it's patience is my thing that I I, I very much want to just start brute forcing Torghast and you mm-hmm. can't you just can't do that if you want to actually flawless or do well. Um, you can brute force Torghast. Yeah. You don't care how many times you die, but if you're like trying to have a good run and and do a good run, you need to not necessarily be slow, but you need to just be really cognizant of the decisions you're making and be willing to, to pull a little bit fewer, you know, fewer mobs when you're not as powerful. So the early floors matter a lot more yeah. in how, how much you're using the aggro. 
Yeah. If you deliver it, you know, you have yeah. to definitely, if you, you have to read your torments, read your blessings and just take stock of like what is going on around you. And then, you know, yeah. If, if you just try to pull the entire floor, um, you might not notice that, oh, th these things have some really bad torments when I pull, when I'm in combat with this many mobs, yeah. you know? So that's kind of the thing that happens. Yeah, what happens to me last week was Soul Forges. You just get too many of those casters. You get two or three of those casters, and suddenly you're just like taking an insane amount of fire damage mm -hmm. early on. And if you the dudes that can like full heal themselves, if you don't have an interrupt, exactly. right? Well, they heal everything like, around yeah. them. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. so that's uh, that is the that is the issue for me with Soul Forges. I just need to be way more deliberate or patient with uh, with what I'm pulling. Uh, all right, Mythic Plus A fixes for the week. We got Tyrannical, bolstering explosive, meaning the boss enemies have more health and they inflict 15% increased damage. And bolstering, where any non-boss enemies, uh, basically when they die, they empower their allies with uh, a 15% increased health and 20% increased damage stacking bonus. Their death cries empower their allies. Uh, and then while in combat, enemies periodically summon explosive orbs that detonate if not destroyed. So this week... Trash is interesting, right? You want to kill everything at about the same time, which is great because everyone loves AoEing stuff down because of bolstering. So you want to just kill everything at the same time, so you're not bolstering. You do not want to chain pull. You don't want to pull while you still have aggro with mobs into more mobs because then you're going to just bolster that pack with the, the previous one dying. Uh, so just be aware of, be very deliberate of between one pack and the next. You're creating separation time of out of combat so that it doesn't bolster and, and carry through. Um, and then explosive just means that your DPS and your, your tanks and healers and whatnot need to be swapping off to kill explosive wars whenever they can. Um, overall, I, I think it's a great week. Uh, I, again, I like the Apex combinations. Tyrannical isn't super punishing with explosive because we don't have any of those uh, bosses that really get a ton of explosive orbs going and get way out of control. Um, so Tyrannical is punishing at very high keys, but at the same time, it should be pretty easy for you to get keys done for the week uh, with explosive not syncing up with Tyrannical very much. Uh, bolstering is sort of the only tricky one this week that's going to trip you up is people, you know, accidentally pulling more mobs into a group that's about to die or people focusing all their damage into one target or two targets um, or just AOEing and blanket killing really low health mobs while very high health mobs are in, are in groups. Those are the things you just have to watch out for. But in general, uh, I like this combo. This works out really well. You will be doing larger pulls, though, which means that explosive is going to be a factor in those larger pulls. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there is one there is one boss where explosives can get really hairy, especially on the Tyrannical Week, and that is second boss of Mists of Tyrannicides. Um, all the the boss itself, the four images she splits into, and the fox that she summons in to chase you around can all spawn explosives. <laughs> so uh, that that could get out of hand really quick. And um, I have had this experience where I didn't really think about it several times in a mist of tear in the until I pulled the boss and then explosives started popping up everywhere. Mm. So that's one you got to be careful about. You, you just got to have basically somebody designated to just killing explosives in that phase, which slows it down so much. But, um, yeah, other than that, I mean, I think this is a great combo for a tyrannical week. If you need some tyrannical points, like, there's, you know, the, the bosses are going to be pretty friendly as long as you don't do something weird to them. <laughs> like, pull in a, a whole pack of mobs on top of them and bolster them up. Um and let them get explosives off as they're dying. So now you have eight explosives plus the bolstered boss. That would be bad. Yeah, the, but, the bolstering pull I'd warn you about is the first the, the ooze pulls inside Plaguefall right before the first boss. Yeah. 
that that there's a there's a very common thing everyone loves to do, which is just round them all up and AOE them all down. If you don't kill them all at the same time, you're going to end up with a news that has like 40 stacks of bolster and is the size of a house and just one shots everything in its path. So just you know, a little, a little careful with some of those. Yeah, that room is really bad with certain on death effects, and bolster would be one of them. So. Um, yeah, overall, though, I mean, looking forward to to getting in there this week and, and checking some dungeons out. I, I think it's going to be a good Tyrannical week. I mean, there's always that caveat, you know, Tyrannical bosses can be really difficult, but I do feel like with the tuning changes that we saw when 9.1 came in, that they have really smoothed out the super spiky, super difficult bosses, like... Um, Broker boss in the other side, for example, like they just made some changes to the way the damage works and, and how things kind of uh, happen in sequence on some of these bosses that have made them just more fair. So, yes, they have 30% more health. Yes, you have to do the mechanics correctly 30% longer. Um, yes, they're hitting you harder, but it it doesn't feel as unfair as it did in season one in a lot of these cases. So, um, a few tyrannical points, you know, get out there this week. Just be careful with mists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as PvP Raw goes, it's Temple of Cop Magoo this week uh, with modified rules, so Temple of Cop Magoo, where basically uh, the, the twist is that players will be able to throw the Orbs of Power to other friendly players in a game of Hot Potato, uh, but the debuffs actually travel with the Orbs, so you could, you know, throw a, 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 a Orb where you've earned five or six stacks of the debuff on, to one of your friends, and then that friend suddenly just gets one shot as they uh, as they catch the hot potato and explode. So keep that in mind. Um, it, uh, it has the something different quest if you win. So when you queue into the brawl, you get the something different quest, and that gets you some conquest honor and marks of honor. Uh, but overall, I just probably my favorite brawl of all the brawls right now uh, is Temple of Hot Magoo. I just enjoy this one a lot. It's super fun, yeah. Like if if Cot Magoo isn't uh, fast paced enough for you, then <laughs> maybe Cot Magoo. Like I think Cot Magoo is already pretty fast paced and, and a pretty fun one. It's it's so combat oriented, right? The objective it just invokes combat, right? Like that you're not going to a place, um, and this just cranks that up. You know, it's just it's just higher intensity, higher stakes. The five second res is super fun, so. Yeah, this is a cool one. I'm, I'm just super glad that we have weekly brawls. I, it was a long time coming. I'm, I'm glad that we got there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Harvest Festival is coming up. It's basically the yearly Harvest Festival that happens. It goes on between September 17th and September 24th. And you can visit feast tables outside of Ogremar or Ironforge. And uh, you can also go up and, and do a quest that uh, pays tribute to Grom Hellscream in Ashenvale or Uther the Lightbringer in Western Plaguelands. Um, the coolest one thing about this was when they redid the the um, the temple that Uther's stuff takes place in for this quest. It looked mm -hmm. gorgeous. Yeah, Uther's tomb. Yeah, Uther's tomb. Yeah, so definitely head up and and check that out if you haven't. Uh, there'll be a lot of um, special flowers and lights and and whatnot going on up there during uh, during the celebration of Harvest Fest. Yeah, pretty low impact holiday for one that lasts a week, but. Mm -hmm. um, it's good if you need to skill up cooking, I think. There's there's some recipes and stuff you can pick up and, and get some cooking skill. Although I guess it doesn't really apply in the way that cooking's been redone. But yeah. if you're trying to max out that, you know, that UI element, man, if you if your old school cooking isn't leveled up, then uh you know, that's that's a good thing. And I think um there's there's an I there's a there's a reward you can get from this that, that creates food, right? On a daily cooldown or whatever. So um you know, it's, it's not like the, 
the coolest or most super interactive holiday, but it's it's interesting and it's it always runs like right before uh, Brewfest starts starts up, so it's sort of like the prelude to the autumn uh, holiday season. Wow. Yeah, it's it's weird. It, it's as I think you put it as lowest impact. I think it really is one of the lowest impact ones that we have. Uh, but what's bizarre to me is every time I see it, I'm just like, oh yeah, it's Harvest Fest, which isn't as good as Brewfest. It's just like mm-hmm. it's, it's because it's because Harvest Fest overlaps with Brewfest that I just like it. it to me, I just dismiss it, right? Because we have Brewfest coming up. That's the twentieth. Of, uh, of September until the 6th of October, and Brewfest is, like, a heck of a good time. Like, so much fun, so many things to do, tons of toys, yeah, lots of trans yeah. You know, you got, like, the barrel racing that I love. Like, all that stuff is just a really good time. Um, they added the so, eating contest a couple of years yeah, ago. That's super fun. That's like, super yeah, fun, it, yeah. It, it was already great, and they added a whole bunch. Of, it's just one of the best holidays. It is. So I, I feel like Harvest Fest gets sort of overshadowed by just how good Brewfest is, and that's probably why I feel the way about Harvest Fest. It used to be, like you said, it used to be, like, the best way to level up cooking. You could take a a, uh, a character out there, and for, like, eight gold, you could max out your cooking skill. And it was like, this is amazing. But uh, they, they, you know, changed up how cooking works. It's not as easy to do that anymore, so that's kind of out of the way. I did like when they redid Uther's Tomb, um, because that actually added some spice to it to go back up and check that out. But in general, uh, yeah, I, I think Harvest Fest is, uh, is just not as interesting as Brewfest, and so yeah, because they overlap. Yeah, a little bit. I think, yeah, I think in a world where they, they kind of, you know, they broke out the cooking into per expansion and everything, I don't know. It, yeah. it needs a little something. It needs some something. reason to, to, you know, participate in it. The, the glow up for Uther's Tomb was pretty sweet, but, yeah. you know, you can go look at that at any time. It, it, the building looks the same no matter when you go look at it, um, but, you know, it, obviously the, it, it gets it gets decorated a bit for this event, but... There's a lot of stuff to do for Brewfest and Hallow's End and Wintervale, and there's more stuff to do for uh, uh, Pilgrim's Bounty even than for Harvest Fest. So, you know, I, I don't know if we need, like, <laughs> a holiday boss and, and the whole thing. I don't, you know, I don't really – I don't necessarily think they need to put in the daily holiday grinds or something for this, but, you know, some reason to – to participate in it a little bit, just to, to remember that it exists and that it's happening would be cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, Pirates Day is also thrown in the middle of that. That is Saturday, the 19th of September. Uh, we're going to be celebrating in Booty Bay with Dread Captain Demeza. Uh, this is uh, the Dread Corsair buff is also going to be up and gives you a, a 12-hour pirate costume if that's something you want to pick up. You can defeat Ol, Ol er, oh, my good, Ol Erie. Ugh, that's what I want to say. Uh, which is a big fish out in the uh, out in the water, and you can get the slightly chewed insult book toy out of doing that. I remember the first year O'Leary was up, uh, there was like he was just dying instantly over and over and over again as people were trying to oh, get yeah. this, and you're trying to form groups to try and get tag because there wasn't raid tag, it was group tag, and like oh, it was a pain in the butt to get. So if you haven't picked that up yet, it's probably much easier this year to go out and kill yeah, O'Leary. Yeah, it won't be like that this year. Yep. And uh, also, if you've completed the Avasti Admirable. Uh, Admiral, sorry, I'm not admirable. Uh, quest you can uh, you can purchase the Jolly Roger toy is the other thing you can do during Pirates Day. So if you spent your time grinding away on that reputation <laughs> to to get this done, you can actually finally go and purchase your Jolly Roger toy. So that's don't miss it Saturday, September 19th. If you're one of those few people who really put in the work for it, uh, yeah, Pirates Day is fun. It's not as 
big of a day as it was when pirates were like super popular. I remember when like we had the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies coming out and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It was like that was like big pirates time and pirates day was was a huge thing and. Uh, yeah, and plus, in, in an earlier version of the internet, you know, ninjas versus pirates was, that was a very a thing. important yeah. debate yeah. To, to people. Um, but no, Pirates Day is super fun still, though, I think. I mean, an excuse to go to Booty Bay exactly. and party is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like, it just adds so much flavor to to the game. And it is only one day because, it, you know, it, it corresponds with international talk like a pirate day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, it's the kind of thing where if you don't participate in it, are you missing anything huge? No. But if you're into it, then it's it's awesome. And if you don't have the Jolly Roger, you really should consider doing the work to get it because it's sweet. It's, you know, the ba- a banner, a flag type thing that sticks to your back, but it's Jolly Roger instead of being, like, you know, related to a WoW faction or something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, the black flag and the, the skull and crossbones. It's great. Um, Avashi Admiral is a pain, and it is very mind-numbingly grindy. And you should definitely, if you don't have it, if you have time, if you're hearing this on, like, Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday this week and it's not Saturday yet, then you should consider putting some time in to fill in that bar up so that you can go get it on Saturday. And you definitely shouldn't do what I did, like, three years ago where I just did it all on Pirate's Day and managed to get the Jolly Roger before it was all said and done. That wasn't a great idea. Try to spit. I, I told myself the whole year leading up to it, like, I'm going to work on a Vashi Admiral before then so that I could just go buy it, and I never did. And then it came around, I'm like, I'm not waiting another year. What you have to do is, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, there's a quest line, a quest chain in Booty Bay where you have to, like, infiltrate the, the, the blood sale pirates, and you work for them until you ultimately, like, betray them. But there's a scenario where you um, you are friendly with the blood sale still because you're on this quest chain, and so the NPCs that are you're, you're actually working for in the story in Booty Bay are attackable. So you could sit there in, in the scenario and farm them for Bloodsail Admiral rep all the way up, and it takes forever. But one, I think you only have to get to friendly or something. You don't have to get to like exalted. You, you just have to turn the bar green, I think. Um, but that still takes a long time because you're only getting you know a handful of rep per uh, per pirate that you kill. Good guy pirate. Um, and then that tune is also not going to be welcome in Booty Bay anymore. So you have to do it kind of deliberately, right? Like you have to you have to take a character that hasn't done these quests and that you don't care if they can go to Booty Bay or not, and then you have to grind these mobs until you go blind from staring at your computer screen. And then once you have it, then on this one particular day you can buy this toy. Man, when I put it this way, it's like, why did I even bother with this? But it's Jolly <laughs> Roger, man. You have to have yeah. Jolly Roger. It's so cool. So uh, yeah, that's Pirates Day. It's all, you should you should check it out, but probably don't do what I did. It's uh, it, it is you know getting that reputation to max is also part of the insane grind. That, that's all the way to Exalted. Um, man oh man, it's it is right. Yeah, it you is don't have to do that for the Charlie Roger, but no. if you want to work on the insane, then you're gonna have to do it at some point. So you might as sure. well get a cool toy on your way up. Exactly. Uh, all right. As far as PTR goes, we had some updates come out. They're still buffing up classes uh, damage in certain abilities and, and changing some uh, some nerfs here and there. So if you're someone who's really curious about the ongoing changes to your class, feel free to check out the PTR notes. We'll throw them in the show notes below so you can check those out for your particular class. Uh, as far as covenants go, this is one of those moments where I just love when Blizzard finally put the change in that I really agree with. <laughs> 
Um, redeem souls for your sanctums, basically your, your covenants, where you have to get the quest Return Lost Souls. When you rescue souls within Torghast, now count towards that quest. So if you do your Torghast run, you can now get souls that you save that help you in your Torghast run to finish the quest that gives you anima right now, but will eventually give you souls to upgrade your Covenant Sanctums for the other Covenants you're swapping around to and whatnot. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for finally doing this, because it makes perfect sense why it should work this way, and it makes me very happy that I can knock out that quest while just doing my Torghast run. It's a super cool change. I remember playing Torghast for the first time and, like, collecting these souls. And, like, I noticed it giving me a buff, but I'm like, oh, do you, and you need souls for your sanctum, right? But this isn't implemented in, in the alpha yet. So, like, is this, what, is this what that is or whatever? And then, like, obviously it turned out that that wasn't the case. And it always seemed a little bit weird. It's like I'm rescuing these souls from Torghast, like, the worst place they could possibly be. Wouldn't my covenant be interested in having these? So... Um, also, like, we know we're getting, uh, repeatable, the Redeem Souls quests, yep. right? Like, you'll be able to do it once time one five comes in, you can do Redeem Souls to collect 20 souls as many times as you want. So, um, if all you need to do is get the souls, then it's probably faster to just go to the mod and do that. But if you're working on other stuff and you want to just kind of multitask, you can also do this while you're in Torghast collecting crafting mats or whatever else you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super pumped for it, so that is exciting. Uh, as far as item rewards go, they increase the drop rate of Shards of Domination, which is nice, because that means people will be able to upgrade their Domination gems faster, so or Shards, Domination Shards faster, I guess. Uh, so that's super exciting. I'm glad they did that. Um, they significantly increase the amount of Soul Cinders awarded for layers 8 through 12 uh, in Torghast, as well as Ma Salts, Torment, uh, Tormentors of Torghast, and the Command Mission Table. Um, so this is their catch-up, right? This is them going, okay, 9.1.5 is where we want people to actually start to be able to max out all the gems for all their sets. We want people to be able to craft up the legendaries they want to craft. We don't want people feeling like this is a grind as much anymore. We want to start removing some of that. Um, they're also making it so that players who reach uh, 80 renown can purchase a, broke of mar sorry, a broker mark of distinction for 500 gold in Oribos that can be used on an alternate character to instantly grant that character up to renown 40, it cannot be used above level 40, so this is above Renown 40. So this is the catch-up mechanic for your alts. Basically, you just, you know, if you've reached Renown 80, which you'll have done in five weeks from now, you'll be able to go and buy one of these, mail it to an alt. The alt can then just use it and hit Renown 40 instantly, uh, which is super exciting to me because if this works the way I think it does, then basically when you, when you get to the point where you're going to start earning Renown from anything, you just do this first. And then as you level up your character, yeah. you are earning renown above renown 40, which is just great to get you all the way up there. So I'm I'm pumped about it. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm reading it. It doesn't it doesn't really mention what restrictions are on the character using the item to no. get up to renown 40. So if you do this like we also know that when you're leveling, you're going to be able to get renown from doing bonus objectives and stuff. Yep. So if you just like make you have your level 50 character before you even start doing anything in Shadowlands, you just send them one of these, and now you're renowned 40. If, if that's how it works, that's amazing. It, I mean, it might be if you have to be max level first or something, but that would be unfortunate I mean, because you, you can get renowned on the way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would, just, it would yeah. you'd waste renowned rank. So hopefully it does work that way because, that I mean, you're basically just 
shortcutting the entire, you know, season one uh, renown rank. Yeah, which is great. Uh, they made the Duchess Minx in Corthia now sells versions of Corthian armament uh, that create a piece of gear for a specific slot. So in other words, this is what we saw way back in Legion with their vendors. Uh, they basically are throwing one inside Shadowlands where you can just walk up and buy Corthian armaments that you can then mail to your alts uh, to craft that gear. So this way you're not relying on drops. I personally have like 30 of these that are being bounced around uh, inside the mailbox because I don't want to throw them in my bank anywhere. Uh, to characters who I want to eventually <laughs> max level out and whatnot, who will use them. But it is nice that this is available for people who are actually looking to gear up alts quickly. So that's great. Um, acquire that's awesome. Yeah. Right now, it's like you're just going to get 17 helms. You know, I mean, that could happen. And you only need one helm at a time. Yeah. So, you know, being able to pick, like, okay, I need this slot on this tune. And, you know, the token, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that the slot-specific uh, armament tokens are also going to be DOA. So, you know, your main that's sitting on the pile of currency can pick out what your alt needs to fill in. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe there's a particular slot you want to be able to upgrade. I mean, this is this is great. I wish that – I mean, so many changes and stuff that I wish had just been in 9.1. Yeah. No, I, I agree entirely. Acquire Targosh in the Hall of Curiosities now sells a gateway control shard that lets you activate the nearest demonic gateway. So this is Blizzard's reaction to, to one thing in very particular, which is, I've talked about this before on the show, uh, Mythic Raiders use a macro to focus target a gateway. Because in so many situations when you're Mythic Raiding, um, you are sort of required to take a gateway at a very particular specific time and very quickly. And trying to mouse over a gateway when there's 20 people standing on top of it, all trying to use it at the same time, and click a cog to sort of take the gateway can be really hard. And there can sometimes be, like, delay, and, like, when you're clicking, sometimes it doesn't register. Um, it can be really hard to, to make that happen. So what Mythic Raiders were doing is there's a uh, an in-game keybind that lets you uh, interact with uh, mouse over. So basically, whatever your mouse cursor is on top of, you interact with it. And they would use a macro to focus a gateway, and then you would move your mouse over top of your focus target, which is the gateway, and you'd interact with mouse over, which would make you take the gateway instantly. So that's how they could always consistently have everyone take a gateway at the same time. Now, that was really complicated to explain. I'm sure what a few people are saying is they're like, I don't really know what you're talking about. So Blizzard's like, you know what? For the average player who wants to be able to do something similar and for Mythic Raiders who want to be able to get their focus frame back and use it for something else, here's the solution they're coming up with. They're going to allow you to get this item, which you can just it's a, it's a you know, item that you put on a bar, basically, so you can have a key that's just down to it. And when you press this button, you will use the closest gateway to you. So the concept is everyone would stack up on top of the gateway. you got 20 people on top of it. No one has to worry about clicking it. They just hit the button that this item is on, and it uses the gateway for you because it's the nearest gateway to you. The only drawback to this is if there's two gateways that are really close together, you could accidentally take the wrong gateway. Uh, so just keep that in mind as well, um, that if it is the nearest gateway to you. So that could factor in new as well. I'm sure there will also be people out there who accidentally click their um, gateway control shard and take a gateway when they don't mean to, and that, you know, would be a, a, a crazy thing that happens. But in general, that was the goal of this item. So it's neat that they're coming up with creative solutions for this, uh, and that's why I appreciate that. That's nice. I, you know, I tend to rate with a big group. It's really Honestly, it's hard for me to click demonic gateways if I need to. Like, there's usually 20 
plus other people trying to do it at the same time, 25 other people, whatever. And, yeah, you're going to end up clicking on bodies or whatever. Um, so, yeah, this is nice. Uh, I ended up just not using it and using Leap instead, and then I don't have Leap if I need it for something else. So um, I like it. I What would be awesome would be if this worked on any demonic gateway, like not just one in your raid, like you're in Corsia, oh. and there's, there's like a warlock gate out there that somebody using it up a tree and you just use it too, like – yeah, I'm down for that. Super cool. It, I, it's not going to do that. Imagine like, the PvP implications. Imagine the PvP implications. <laughs> you're doing arena, and a warlock intentionally puts down a gateway for an escape, and gateways out, and then you just chase them through the gateway by using the control shard. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would work like that. Like, I think I, I could see that being restricted. <laughs> Although, in, you know, in the outdoor world, it would be anything goes, which yeah. would be really funny. Yeah, um, but, yeah I don't know. I. I don't think it's going to do that, but uh, it's still a really nice option. You know, if you have, I don't like to click stuff in in my, you know, in the gameplay field. I like to use keybinds. So, um, yeah, I, I I like this idea. I I'll buy one. Why not? Uh, if I it, depending on what it, how, how you acquire it, if I can buy one, I'll buy one, and then I'll use it if I need to take a gateway instead of trying to, you know, figure out where my pointer is and get it right on top of this thing when I'm close enough to it and nobody's in front of me. Yeah. 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 Uh, the uh, the other change that came in here, speaking of Tetra mechanics as well, is uh, in Tower of Torghast, they, they basically just went repeatedly completing wings, now awards the full amount of Soul Ash up from 20% after the first clear, and repeating, repeatedly completing wings now awards the full amount of Soul Cinders up from none after the first clear. So just run in Torghast over and over again. You can grind up that soul, those Soul Cinders. Um, and obviously the drop rate of soul cinders has been increased. There's going to be even more of them. So, yeah, the, the catch-up is real when it comes to legendaries and doing legendary stuff. Again, though, this is something that I kind of wish they'd push live sooner because it would be really nice yeah. to get this Yeah, like, couldn't Could this be hotfixable? Like, I, it seems like it could be. I mean, this is an incredible change. I, I almost couldn't believe what I was reading here. It's like... Soul Ash is already pretty generous in terms of yield. Now Soul Cinders, we're going to get more of them from layers 8 to 12. And now, every time you do Torghast in a given week, you're getting it, you're getting this stuff at a rate like it was the first time you did it on yeah. live. Yeah. Um, this is amazing. I, I didn't think that they would go this route. I think last week we were talking about the um, uh, the legendary recycling, and I was like, I'm glad you're doing it. I didn't think they'd do 100% refund. I guess I've, we, I've just been conditioned to expect to be punished by some of these decisions, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, like, a you know, a 50% refund would be more than I could even hope for on something like that. And this is like, yeah, they made it repeatable, but, like, they would never just make it be max reward every single time, right? Well, I guess not. I mean, the more we learn about what 9.1.5 entails – the more I feel like if you haven't played Shadowlands at all yet or you played it a little bit and you really didn't like where it went as 9.0 rolled on, that, like, 9.1.5 is the time to start putting time in and yeah. getting the most out of that time because they are they're opening these systems up in a way that I, I think over the last, you know, whatever it is now uh, – uh, 10 months or so that we've been playing this expansion, it's clear that this stuff needed to happen. You know, I, I don't, I, I, I think that it's, it's better to start with stuff more restrictive and open it up. I think that as we've gotten deeper into these systems, it's clear that we need these opened up. 
what is the point of craftable legendaries if you can only ever really realistically afford to make one? Yeah. You know? Why even have all of these legendaries if it's if it's not remotely worth experimenting with any of them? You just look up on Icy Veins which one you use, and you use it, and then, th you know, these entire systems are just pointless. Torghast is pointless because you, there's no reason to grind it once a week so that in another month and a half you can make this other item that you're never going to use. Like, I, I think that in a world where this stuff flows more freely, you might be more inclined to make a you know, a, a very situational legendary one to just goof around with and have fun with in a particular game mode or, or something. And that's that's what's cool about the system. If only one item was good to use, then you could just give us that item or or put it some way in to do it. Like, making it craftable and, and putting so many of them in, it, like, invites playing around with them. And we just haven't been able to do that so far. So that, I, I love to see these changes come in and... Man, you just think about what could have been, and if yeah. if this stuff was on the table, not necessarily at launch, but like much earlier on, yeah. like nine point oh dot five. Give everybody six weeks, eight weeks, whatever, to establish a baseline, right? Because you, you don't want the people who have infinite time to play to shoot that far ahead of everybody else in terms of their power because they just played all weekend and they got all of their legendaries. No, you don't want that, but. You know, once that baseline is established, then you can open it up. You know, and uh, man, it, I just I feel like like we obviously there's a lot of reasons why people are checked out from WoW and checked out from Shadowlands, and honestly, some of them have nothing to do with the experience of playing the game, and I get that. But yeah, I mean, the more stuff we see, it's just like, yeah, why didn't why didn't this just work this way in November? Yeah, well, I'm 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 happy to see it coming in. Uh, and uh, something else is coming in that I, I also uh, am happy to see is they're actually going to let you inside the accessibility menu uh, change the size of your cursor. Um, it's something that's actually been huge on my mind for a while now. I actually use a, uh, a separate piece of software called YOLO Mouse. Um, I did not name it. Uh, that is the name they chose to use. <laughs> you developed it and named it, I'm sure. No, um, it's, uh, it, it is a piece of software that a friend of mine introduced me to back in early BFA um, that lets you change your mouse cursor in whatever program you're in to something that's a little bit more visible, whether it's what I use is just a, an orange sort of triangle. Uh, it's sort of what I what I end up using for mine. It's like elongated triangle. Um, and uh, it's just very visible for me. Uh, I find that's really helpful because I find in fights where there's a lot happening and a lot going on, and I need to use my cursor for something, whether it's picking, you know, targeting a specific ad or whatever it is, um, you know, multi-dotting targets. Knowing where your cursor is is really nice, and uh, and I find that the wow cursor can get lost really easily on my screen. Some people use weak to create trails behind their cursors, things like that. Um, so having a way to make it larger, I think, was, is just a, a nice first step, and hopefully they allow color changing and a trail and a bunch of other stuff down the line when it comes to... Uh, Things you can you can set in the accessibility menu because that would be something I would use very much. I'd stop using this other software. I'd start just using the the Blizzard stuff because I hate losing my cursor when I need it and not knowing where it went. Yeah, and I think with the default cursor that happens or has happened to all of us, I use a default yeah. cursor and it's not ideal. But I also don't like managing a whole bunch of add-ons and configuring them and finding yeah. stuff that I like to use. So sometimes I just suffer in silence. <laughs> um, this also yeah. is why I don't like clicking on stuff like a Warlock Gate, you know, uh, that all kind of goes together. Yeah, the more of these options they can put in the game, it just makes the game better for everybody. From the beginning, 
you know, part of the design philosophy on World of Warcraft was having the customizable user interface. And, like, obviously they opened that up to add-ons and, you know, community-developed modifications to the UI. But also I think the more options they can bake in and make easy to use and streamline for people to mess around with and customize their liking, it makes the game so much better to play. There's no downside. So if they can make it work at a relatively low cost of development and QA and whatever else you need to do, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's just it's a big win for sure. Even if even if most people don't use it, the people that benefit from it, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving on to actual live hotfixes. Stuff happening in the game right now, hotfix-wise. Yes, let's, uh, let's draw a distinction here. The stuff we've been yeah. talking about, you can't go do this today or tomorrow. You can do it on PTR. Yeah, you do it on PTR. You can't do it in a live game. So yeah. let's now we'll talk about stuff you can do in a live game. Yeah, so so we I, we, we just finished talking about how the Torghast, Soul Ash, and Soul Cinders thing, we wish that was live. And a few weeks back, we were like, you know what, Conduit Energy, they're fixing Conduit Energy in 9.1.5. They're basically just removing it entirely. Why can't they just do that on live? Well, they found something they could do on live, and I'm, you know, we're happy to take credit for this change if that's something that happened. But basically, Conduit Energy now just refills at a rate of 10 per day. So, you know, every day your Conduit Energy fully refills at reset. So if you're someone who uh, has been restricted in what you've been, you know, multi-specs or different roles or doing PvP and doing PvE, and you're changing your conduit energy stuff around a lot, you can now change your conduits 10 times per day uh, so that you can actually um, just have, have more freedom with the system. Uh, like I said, in 9.1 to 5, they're just removing it entirely, but this is something they can do right now that apparently was fairly easy to change that at least gets us a step towards easing that problem. So I appreciate this change fully. Yeah, this is great to see. This is, you know, yeah, this, like you said, this is the exact kind of thing that we talked about. It, it's not quite as good as just removing it via hotfix entirely, even sure. if that means that client side looks funny because it still shows up even though it's pointless. But, you know, every reset day, you get 10 conduit energy, so you have plenty of opportunity to swap stuff around if you need to, to switch between play styles. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's not quite as good, but it'll fill the gap in the meantime yeah. while we wait for 9.1.5. Um, I love to see stuff like this. You know, this is, this, is, this is the kind of stuff they should be doing with regularity. If they, if they can improve the game right now, in a, in a relatively low-impact way to their process, then let's do it. The hot fix it in and, and make it happen, even if it makes the client look weird for a few weeks until a patch goes out or, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm all for it. Also, we've seen hot fixes slow down immensely over the last couple of weeks as PTR yeah. ramps up, so you can kind of see where, where the focus is right now, um, which is good. It's encouraging. I want 9.1.5 to be awesome, and I want it as soon as I can, but... You know, we're still playing the game on a daily, weekly basis, and, and we need stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. As far as raids go, Sylvanas, they finally figured out what's wrong with the beginning of Phase 1 and Phase 2 as far as uh, performance drops. So apparently they've optimized the encounters so that those those beginning of those first two phases no longer hiccups the way it used to and struggles the way it used to. I haven't done this fight since this change went in, so... I don't. I can't speak to that from a first-hand experience. I just that's what their note says, so I'm going to trust the note that they put out there. Uh, as far as uh, Mistweaver monks, they also fixed uh, in phase three where they can be preferentially targeted by wailing arrow. Um, that's weird. I don't know why one particular class and spec 
would be targeted by one particular ability preferentially, but I'm glad they fixed that for all the mystery monks out there who are like, why is it always me? Um, yeah, yeah, and it's go. weirdly not even the only melee healer. Like, if it was, you know, yeah. Mistweaver monks and holy paladins, you know, are no longer preferentially targeted. Okay, like, that sort of makes sense in a weird way because it's like that whole category, but, you know, software is uh, yeah. <laughs> it tends to do whatever it wants. Yeah, they also fixed an issue where both tank specialization, special, sorry, both tank specialized players could be targeted with the same Black Arrow cast. So, in other words, Black Arrow would cast out, it casts on three people, and it gets cast on both tanks, which means at some point both tanks have to go away from the raid to not blow up the raid. So they're uh, they're resolving that as well, which is good. Um, and they fixed an issue where Dark Sentinels could cast Rage on targets struck by, the, by a very recent Black Arrow. Uh, yeah, also just you don't want overlaps like that. So they're, they're resolving that overlap as well, which is good. Um, and then Jason, you mentioned top of the uh, top of the show that the Theater of Pain got an extra minute added onto its timer. They buffed that up by one minute, and so if you saw your score shift around a little bit, that could be why. Maybe one of the Theater of Pains that you didn't time uh, is now timed. That could be a fairly large shift, or maybe you uh, you did a, a thirty you know six minute, and that's just corrected by the two points or whatever it is that you gained by uh, by them increasing that uh, that top end by a little bit for what you can gain. Yeah, yeah. Cool to see they're still tweaking this stuff. I feel like Theater of Pain's timer was decently generous, but it also is the only five boss dungeon, right? So, and especially on tyrannical weeks, that can mean a lot more time that you're spending in that dungeon. And there's also a lot of RP. And like, yes, obviously the RP is taken into account for the completion timer, of course, but that doesn't make it feel any better when that time is taken down and you're not fighting anything because you're waiting for the RP to finish and for the last boss to come out and uh, do we have enough time to time this? And sometimes that answer is no, but now you got an extra minute, which is doesn't sound like a lot, but, I mean, how many dungeons have you, you know, since Mythic Plus came in, think about how many dungeons you've missed by a minute or so, right. you know, where that extra minute would have made all the difference in getting a timed. Like, it's, um, yeah, it's good to see it. Yeah. All right, Jason, we had the MDI, the Mythic Dungeon International uh, 2021 tournament this past weekend for Group B. How'd it go? How'd we do inside that? Uh, well, you're not going to believe this, but um, complexity. The, the team, that, the team that has, is funded, right? They have lots of money. Yeah, they got the org. They get, And, you know, they got, they got the talent. You mm -hmm. know, and the, and the talent has the environment to thrive. Complexity is your, your Group B uh, winner. No, no um, shade of complexity. They're great, great guys. I no, yeah. a lot of them. I, I mean, yeah. honestly, like, with the team though. that they have, <laughs> even without an award, yeah, they probably yeah. would have, you know, they'd be a strong contender regardless. Yeah. Um, they beat Obey Alliance in the finals. Um, and uh, Ambition is the other the other team finishing in the top three. So um, I, I watched a little bit of this on Friday the first day because I was – around doing stuff so I, I did i did check it out a little bit um you know we're still seeing mostly vengeance demon hunter and holy pally uh but a lot of prop warrior over over the course of this group and um plenty of disc priest a little bit of resto shaman and resto druid checking in so that's cool i think D, the dps meta was a bit more streamlined than we saw the first groups though um it was a lot of wind walker sub rogue and then 
pick your your poison between fire or frost mage or marks hunter. That was m- many many group comps. Um, saw some shadow priest and uh, affliction lock and unholy decay sneaking in a couple times, but um, not much beyond that. You know, it was mostly that. I mean, there were some there were there were some maps that had like fire and frost mages on the same team. It's kind of interesting to see stuff like that come in in this season. We, we never have seen stuff like that before, but um, I feel like it's getting a, a bit more dialed as this tournament goes on and these groups continue and people are, you know, kind of seeing where stuff stands. It's like Windwalker sub and then um, a mage of some type or a Mark Hunter is, is really what people are leaning towards. So I'm um, last weekend, only two of the 14 series went to two maps or three maps, I should say. They all go to two maps. Um, this past weekend, it was three, so it's one extra series. But, you know, I, I feel like the way the MDI is kind of structured and set up, like the top teams are way above, and you're mostly seeing these, you know, two-map series for best of threes. You're not seeing, you know, teams kind of in these dogfights that, that go the distance. So that's kind of disappointing. I, I think it's more interesting to watch when the the matches are a bit closer and we have those like game threes you know that's where that's where the drama kind of really comes in just watching teams stomp each other 2-0 you know it's there's not a lot of um anticipation there right like you kind of know like okay uh i mean complexity did drop a map to obey alliance um in the semis but uh you know other than that you can you you, you kind of no, like, okay, the better teams are, are going through easy, and, you know, the the rest of the teams are kind of just cannon fodder. They're just, you know, in, in the road to be trampled. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's tricky when it comes to these sorts of competitions because, you know, as we've mentioned before, uh, there, there is just a prominent uh, difference between teams that are well-funded and have the time to really practice and teams that aren't in so in both PV, PvP and PvE uh, when it comes to these tournaments. It's always nice when you can see real competition come from a team that's not part of those groups, but uh, it's just rare that we see that. So, yes, I'm, I'm not surprised that Complexity came out on top. Uh, I just uh, I, I just wish that there would be a little bit more um, competition early on for these teams when there's so much effort that goes into these uh, this competition, not, not just from an organization, but just from a planning point of view for players. Right, all these teams that want to compete in this put in a ton of effort to learning routes and you know different combinations of affixes and optimizing characters and optimizing group comps and et cetera, et cetera. That when it feels like one team is just very dominant, it's like wow, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I worry a bit about uh, the future of MDI stuff. Yeah, I I mean it's yeah it's sort of a it's a symptom or a it's it's a result of sort of the format right because. Anybody can qualify, and there's a lot of really good dungeon runners that aren't, like, pro WoW players or, you know, affiliated with an org or something. Yeah. And they can go on the realm, and they can post these times and qualify. And it's, it's awesome that it's open like that, but, you know, it, it's sort of this pro-am structure where it's like, okay, well, the, the teams that are practicing, you know, and putting the time in and have the organizational support, like – they just have an undeniable advantage. They have they also have a wider pool of people to play with and, you know, roster spots to swap in and out than, like, some qualifiers do. So, um, it's yeah, it's weird. It's like I, I like the fact that people can, you know, just sign up and throw a team together and participate and, and possibly make it to a group stage. But, 
you know, that's probably where you're topping out in a lot of cases, and that's kind of unfortunate. It would be cool to see, like, if there was more structure in the scene, you could have, like, maybe, like, a full amateur bracket and just have people play their way in and play all the way through and not run into a complexity roster, for example. Like, that would be kind of interesting to run alongside the orgs, you know, competing with each other. Right. But, I, you know, I don't think NDI is ever going to quite get there. It it was an interesting thing when they brought it in in Legion. It was, it was kind of a curiosity, like, oh, competitive PvE, and wow, that's awesome. But, you know, I, I feel like it hasn't really established a huge viewership, and yeah. it's not something that the company is probably really um, desperate to funnel a ton of money into. The prize pools are not very big for the amount of for the fact that it's five player teams and the amount of time you have to spend just to qualify, let alone to compete. So, you know, it's more of a curiosity than anything else, I think, still to this day, for four years in or whatever it's been since the first time we saw an MDI. Um it's just kinda kinda the way it is and, and it, you know, that it's that's not that different from, you know, uh world first race type of stuff or, or very high level uh PvP like Anybody can go do that and put a team together and throw their hat in the ring, but there's a few orgs at the top that have the resources, and they're the ones that are going to dominate these competitions. They should, at least, yeah. That's why it's always a shocker when they're not. Yeah, if, they, yeah, if somebody yeah. just has a terrible weekend or something, it's like, yeah. wow, what happened there? Because exactly. they're, you know, they're loaded for bear. They should be, you know, it should be top three all the way down or whatever, but, yeah. you know, it doesn't always work out that way, but uh, I feel like, you know, the the deck is really stacked against qualifiers. Yeah. The uh, the next MDI is going to be Group C. That's happening next weekend. It's on uh, Friday, this, September 17th is when it all starts up, and that's 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you're someone who wants to catch that over at YouTube.com slash Warcraft, because all that stuff still happens over at YouTube. Uh, I have a, a personal gripe as far as these things go. Uh, they always overlap MDI schedule with Hearthstone Grandmasters and Masters stuff which bothers the crap out of me, because I really enjoy watching the Hearthstone stuff, but I know the MBI's on, too, and I'm like, I have to pick between them when I watch them, because the likelihood of me going back and watching live yeah. just doesn't have the same level of excitement as watching live, so it's uh, it's frustrating that that stuff overlaps all the time. Yeah, I, there's really, there. I'm not really invested in any eSport enough right now to go watch VODs of it, you know, that's right. any of the games that I like or I follow, so, yeah, I mean, even though, you know, obviously these events are being held online. They're not in person or anything. The fact that they're happening at the moment definitely adds something to it. So, yeah, the schedule can be rough, but it's like, what are they going to do? They got to get these, they got to get these things played. And, yep. You know, the weekends are when it happens. So it's, it is, it's an unfortunate side effect of, you know, specifically Blizzard having a, a bunch of cool games with interesting competitive modes to play against each other. And then, sponsoring tournaments it's like yeah they're gonna overlap yeah yeah all right folks with that we're gonna play a sign up for our patrons and we'll be right back hi everyone i'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons they contribute a ton to our show and help us to improve on the content we create today i'm going to give a special shout out to a cookie aragian bubdews bob celian claiborne deacon jeff caleb kapowi matt Nibble the Mighty, Shorrel, Trestle, Trey, and Zerkson. Thank you. This sounder is for you. That's right. We have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash the starting zone. Uh, thank you so much to all of our patrons for their support. And our newest patrons, Robert F., Vanderlyle, Stirk, Cameron M., and Barrett. 
Wow. Thank you so much, all these new patrons showing up. We really appreciate the support. It's amazing that you uh, are still coming out to support us during the lulls that happen in WoW, and we still get really nice letters written into us every now and then and really nice reviews from people uh, thanking us for, for doing the show and the content we create, and you guys make that possible. So thank you to all of our patrons who help support us and make this show happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of humbling to see a bunch of people uh, sign up for the the Patreon all at once in the span of, like, since last time we recorded. I, I, you know, obviously our Patreon subscribership fluctuates a lot, and that's fine. And we don't do this show because we want to make money off of it, but we do need money in order to make the show and keep the show hosted and keep the show produced at a high level. Um that's just the way things are. So, the, so you know, having people pitch in, is, it is humbling, and it really helps us a lot. And there are a lot of good reasons not to contribute to a World of Warcraft creator in September of 2021. And I recognize that. And um, I think that, you know, we never had a discussion about, like, not doing the show um, in – in the wake of the lawsuit and, and the ugliness surrounding it and the information that we learned about, you know, what had been going on at the company for a long time, um, we felt like it was important to highlight that stuff and elevate the voices of the employees and, and to use our platform such as it is in a productive way and in a way that can hopefully include people and, and try to, I don't know, try, try to be some kind of, of, uh, of place where people can, enjoy this thing that they they enjoy, you know, broadly in some way, um, where it in other places maybe it feels like they can't. And, I mean, <laughs> I've had my own moments of, like, I don't really feel like playing WoW right now or today or, you know, this weekend or whatever. Um, and, yeah, so I, I can totally understand why anybody would not want to, you know, put their money in these in these types of, directions and projects so it's it's super humbling that that people continue to support us and help us make the show better um so so thank you all for for doing that welcome new patrons thank you patrons past and present um for all the support that has gone into the show over the years and um yeah i mean we're gonna we're gonna keep it going i mean it it's kind of shocking. I, I mentioned it before, but it just keeps happening like we we have lost so many wow centric shows in the last really year, year and a half um, that, you know, <laughs> most of our friends that we've guested on or had guests on the show or whatever, like are all gone from the wild podcasting scene. And it's, it's a strange position to be in, but you know, I, I, I think for us, there's really no end in sight in terms of the mission. And as long as the game is being updated and, and feels vital in some way to us, that I, I don't think any of that changes. So, um, you know, that, and that's sort of a commitment to the patrons as well. Like you pay for a specific thing if you decide to, to give us some money. And, um, you know, we, I, I, at least speaking for myself, like I do feel a responsibility to deliver that to you on a consistent basis because that's, that's what TSV is and, and that's the way we want to keep it. Yeah. The consistent basis has been something we've really, really, really pushed for, uh, for a long time. Just being able to consistently every week on the same day put out a show uh, where we talk in positive ways about our experiences in the game, but not without pointing out things that we wish were different or wish could have been handled differently or et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's it's great that, uh, that people also enjoy that and jump on with this. And 
If you're someone who enjoyed uh, this episode or any episode of Starting Zone, I would encourage you to leave us a review if something like Patreon isn't something you're capable of supporting or doing at the moment. Um, reviews also really help us out. You can head on over to your iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star. Uh, we really appreciate them. They boost their signal. They let more people find us. They move us up those Apple charts. Those also important Apple charts. Um, and uh, we got one here from Camory entitled Great Show. Uh, I wanted to start by saying that I love the podcast and really enjoy and appreciate the work y'all put into everything for the show. Secondly, I'm fairly new to the game, joined in 8.3, and I do a lot of M+, with some buddies, but I'd like to get into rating how would one go about finding a guild and so on. Uh, thanks in advance. Um, well, okay, so finding a guild when it comes to finding a rating team the best place to start, honestly, is deciding which difficulty you sort of want to jump into. If you're somebody who does Mythic Plus, depending on what level of Mythic Plus you do with your buddies, uh, that might be a normal heroic team, that might be a heroic team dabbles in Mythic, that might be just a normal team. It really depends on what you're, you're thinking of diving into. But if you do LFR, you sort of know at least what the bosses are um, and know what the mechanics are, and that's a decent spot to sort of start. Uh, I would go personally to wow, a site called Wow Progress, so just Wow Progress, all one word. You can just type it in Google, uh, and on that site, you can search by teams that are recruiting, and you can search by teams that are recruiting uh, by certain days of the week. So let's say they raid two or three days a week, or one day a week that you're looking for, and you can um, sort of scroll through those. You can do them by region. So if you're in EU or if you're in US, if you're in US based off your review that you put posted here. Uh, you can sort by U.S., make sure you're not looking at EU teams or China teams or things like that. And you can also sort by faction if that's something you want to do. And so once you sort of have decided, like, you know what, I want to try and dedicate every Friday, Saturday night to doing some raiding, and I want to do it uh, with a alliance team because I'm an alliance player, you can filter that and sort of start looking through the teams that are available and are looking for people. Um, and I would, the biggest thing I would highlight is it never hurts to apply to a team. Even if a team specifies, like, we're only looking for a warlock at the moment, it never hurts to apply because often teams are more than happy to bring in newer players and start getting them uh, acquainted with uh, the game itself. They might say that we want someone with a little bit more history in X or Y or that role's fairly full at the moment and we don't want to just recruit someone who's just going to sit on the bench all of the time because we don't have room for them. But uh, it, it never hurts to apply and at least get your name out there. It means that down the line, when they're looking for someone, they might go back and look at your uh, application again. Or they might, if you reach out a second time, maybe during a new raid tier or a few months later, suddenly they are looking for someone and they remember that you applied before. So that never hurts at all. Um, but that's where I would start is just going to WoW Progress and finding a team that meets the raid schedule that you're looking for because that's the – the first goal, and then finding a team that meets your raid goals that you're looking for. Having the right goals and knowing what your goals are is really important. Yeah, I mean, I would echo all that. Like, that's the thing about, like, I want to join a raid team is not, it's not a fully formed thought that's going to result in you joining a raid team, or at least not with any success, right? If you want one that you're going to be able to consistently participate in and you're going to get what you want out of the time and money you spend on World of Warcraft, you need to you need to dial it in a little bit tighter than that. You know, you need to know, yeah, difficulty, schedule, culture, all of these things are important. Um, and, yeah, the schedule is, like, probably the, the biggest 
like uh, deal breaker because most teams have a set schedule that they've been running for a long time and it doesn't change. So if you can't make a team schedule, then it's not going to work for you and it's not going to work for them. So yeah, I, that's probably the, the place to start kind of, you know, drilling down from is like, okay, which schedules work for me? And among those, then what seems like the best culture fit and, you know, um, ask about trialing and, you know, stuff like that. Just hit up somebody who's, uh, in Guild that's online and, and see what they say. Um, these are good first steps. I mean, I, the thing I would say is that it's a process. You yeah. know, it's it's not pushing a button to get into a queue and then the queue pops and then you do the thing. Um, finding a Guild requires effort. It requires um, a lot of energy and patience. It requires... M- Willing to willingness to be rejected, it requires putting yourself in potentially uncomfortable or uh, unacceptable social situations and having to tolerate them or you know excuse yourself from them or whatever. These are all the reality. You know, you're you're just you're hopping in with a bunch of strangers and you know everything that goes along with that. So um, the more you can do to kind of gather information first, I, I think results in in less of that stuff because if some place is a good culture fit you'll probably know from what they say about their guild and their descriptions if they're any good at recruiting in the first place and yeah these are all things to keep in mind you know it's it's not necessarily just like okay I'm on this server this is the best guild on my server I'm applying to them and if they don't accept me then I guess I'm never going to be in a guild like that's not really that's not going to get you where you want to go it's not a really healthy way to approach it so yeah, I would say just keep all those things in mind. Yeah, the the culture fit is the you know after schedule, after um, what their goals are. That is the next top 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 thing for me. And not all teams do interviews when with people who are going to be joining them. Obviously, with a lot of normal and heroic teams, it's just sure we'll bring you in, we'll see how it goes, and you know then great, we're we're just good with that. Don't be a jerk. It's kind of like the one thing they'll throw at you, right? Um, but. With with the rating that I do at sort of the mythic level, there's often almost always an interview process that you go through, and I've taken that interview process for myself to be the opportunity to really quiz the officers about what the culture of their team is, like what is your what is the the goal of the culture of your team? What does a normal raid feel like to be in? What is language that's typically used? inside raid is it stuff i'm going to agree with or stuff i'm not going to agree with it's what's the mentality like is it a 14 to 17 year old sort of like prime age group team or is it a team that has people who are in their 30s right like that that really matters to me on finding the home for me so i culture is like the next thing but really uh, you know just sort of like shotgun scattershot application is fine applying is fine that's that's what i do a lot of time as i go all right, here's five or six teams that I think I might be interested in based off their schedule and their progress. Apply to all of them. Interview with all of them if I can. Pick the one that I really think suits me. If they choose to accept and, and go along with that, great. If they don't, what's the next one, right? And sort of work your way down the list of what you're trying to accomplish. So uh, that's, that's yeah, I guess that's the advice we give you on that. So thank you very much for the review. We appreciate the review. And uh, I hope you are enjoying your, your 9.1 experience. Hope, looking forward to 9.1.5. You joined during 8.3, which was the best experience you could join during. Um, so I, I know that Shadowlands is probably a bit of a shock for you, and I'm glad to hear that you're still enjoying doing some plus with your buddies because that's a lot of fun.
All right, that wraps up episode 476 of The Starting Zone. If you want to check out show notes for this episode or leave us a comment on the show, you can head on over to thestartingzone.com, the official website for The Starting Zone podcast. If you want to contact the show and leave us your feedback or ask a question, you can email us at thestartingzone at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter or in our Discord, which is thestartingzone.com slash Discord. Just click the big button on that page and join over to our Discord channel and have some conversations with us there. And if... uh, if you want to get your hands on some TSE gear, you can find that over at TeePublic. That's teepublic.com slash stores slash the starting zone. Got a whole bunch of designs out there from shirts to mugs to stickers and all sorts of fun stuff. And Jason, where can folks find you on the internet? The best place to find me is over on Twitter. You can find me over there at Shieldwall, always talking whatever is going on in and around WoW or whatever else I'm doing. So come say hi. And if you're trying to find me, you can find me on Twitter and at uh, Spencer underscore Downey. And if you want to find me on Twitch, you can find me at twitch.tv slash SpencerHD. One last little programming note. I know we've been recording this a little bit earlier in the day, so for those who love popping by the live stream, we've been sometimes doing it at 1 o'clock or 12 o'clock or whatever it is, um, and less consistently at 6 p.m. where we were normally doing it. This typically is due to one of several reasons. It's either we need the extra duration of the show, and we know that because Jason has a rate schedule that needs requirements for 7.30. Starting a show at 6 limits the options that we have for going over an hour and a half, uh, which is important. And the other one is, hey, what else is going on in real life? If there's going to be construction workers working in the house in the evening or whenever it is, or the whole bunch of people are coming over for a gathering, uh, it's not the opportune time to record and get a nice quiet space to record in to get it the best show that we can. So we sometimes shift things around a little bit schedule-wise, but we'll always get you your episode on Tuesdays if we can. Uh, and obviously, so that means for most people, their Wednesday morning, they can start off with a fresh TSD episode. Uh, so making sure that happens for you. So I, I apologize that we've shifted away from the 6 p.m. consistently every single time thing. It will still always be Tuesdays as long as we possibly can, as we have in the past. And, uh, and you'll always have your episode Wednesday mornings for your enjoying at that point. All right. Thanks very much, everyone. For Jason and myself, thanks for listening, and jobs done. about World of Warcraft and the people who play it. And now, here are your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Starting Zone, the podcast about World of Warcraft and people who play it. Today is September 21st, 2021, and my name is Spencer Downey. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Jason Lucas. Jason, how are you doing this fine Tuesday? Well, Spencer, hello. Uh, good afternoon to you. I'm doing well. It's been a very exciting week of WoW news and stuff. Uh, so a lot of stuff to talk about in terms of, you know, uh, things on the horizon. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start by just a quick check-in on the Activision Blizzard situation mm-hmm. and um, the a better ABK movement and what have you. 
Um, because, you know, it has kind of fallen out of uh, mainstream news uh, uh, until the last uh, week or so. Uh, and, you know, we really have not seen – we've seen a lot of solidarity by the employees. We've seen a lot of developer-led initiatives to, you know, uh, improve their internal culture, improve the, uh, you know, their products, uh, improve the experience for the users. But uh, we haven't seen anything from Activision Blizzard management whatsoever, and we continue not to. And um, people are getting a little frustrated with that, people including um, the a Better ABK Collective. Um, representatives of the employees have filed uh, an unfair labor practice suit uh, with the National Labor Relations Board. So uh, in addition to the state, and their lawsuit, the state of California, and their lawsuit against Activision Blizzard. Now the employees are also suing them via the National Labor Relations Board. And then we found out yesterday that the Securities Exchange Commission is investigating Activision Blizzard over workplace practices and disclosures. Uh, we know that Bobby Kotick, the CEO, has been subpoenaed. Um, this is a big deal. Uh, you, you know, there, there's some potential evidence, or, or you know, this will be, I guess, this will be part of what they're investigating. That Activision Blizzard uh, management misled investors, shareholders, with uh, you know the, the severity of the the investigation the state of California was doing. They misrepresented the stability and health of the company and the culture of the company. Uh, these are important you know pieces of information for investors, and it's actually not legal to lie about that. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, we've seen some pressure. You know, from various. Uh, people to, uh, you know, directed towards the board of directors of Activision Blizzard to potentially replace some of the C-suite leadership. Um, and now this, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think that Activision Blizzard can just brush this off. Like, at this point, you know, sending Brack out the door and going, see, where everything's fine now. Like, it's just not going to be good enough. And, I, you know, I, you're, seeing, you're seeing investors and people who lead it in investment groups and, Stuff saying like this is Activision Blizzard isn't a good investment. They have the wrong leadership. They have great products, but you know we can't trust Bobby Kotick and his senior leadership and stuff like this. And um, I don't know. In in a way, to me, it's it's inspiring to see that. I'm I'm glad that you know everybody's kind of turning on Activision Blizzard leadership because it's bad. It's wrong. It it hasn't done right by its employees and in turn by its customers. And um, I think you know we pretty much all want to see changes, right? We we want to we want the employees to have the best environment possible, where they can be themselves, they can express themselves and their creativity via their games, and that's going to result in the best products for us, the customers. So, um, you know, just once again, there's solidarity with the employees and, and contractors, any kind of labor at under the entire Activision Blizzard umbrella. Um, and I'm I'm glad to see that they're not. They're not done. It wasn't just about a Twitter account and, you know, a one-day walkout. The, you know, they're, they're continuing to take steps to put pressure on management. And, yeah, I mean, the Security Exchange Commission investigation is a big deal. I'm sure it's not the last we've heard of this stuff. So it's, it's good to see some momentum because I definitely want to see changes at the company. Well, it's important to hold these people to account. So I think it's certainly something that, uh, I'm, that I'm glad to see happening because these sorts of changes will only happen once you actually start digging your heels in against some of the stuff that's been going on. And the employees have done it, so it's nice to see the investors doing it too and using the means that they have as far as the law and uh, investigations to actually try and out some of this to get a little bit more, um, 
well, I guess change, but also just responsibility, people taking account for what has been going on there. So it's good to see. All right. As far as World of Warcraft goes, this past week, Jason, you guys hit another milestone. Oh, man, it was a really big week of WoW stuff, actually. Um, yeah, Sunday, uh, finally, we have achieved uh, Sylvanas ahead of the curve. Good job. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was that was great. I didn't really think it was going to be – I didn't think Sunday was going to be the day um, because we were doing pretty well, but we weren't getting to that point. And then we had a heartbreaker at, like, 52-ish percent on mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And um, – also, pretty much all my gear was broken at that point. <laughs> I definitely had to grab a weapon out of my bags in combat oh, on that no. on that attempt. Um, I didn't notice that that my the little yellow you know, figure gear, was up there next to you. Yeah, I, I didn't notice it was getting low. And then I saw like, okay, I have like a yellow weapon or whatever. I'm like, all right, that's not that big of a deal. But then I died three times in that pull because. Oh. As I was taking damage, my gear started breaking more, which meant I started dying more. Right. So by the by, you know, <laughs> by that. After that second battle res, it's like, okay, I'm basically not wearing any gear anymore. But um, I'm going to an auto hammer in combat so you can repair yeah, while you're fighting. Something. Um, but that ended up that ended up being the the final wipe before we got it. So that was great. I mean, it was 47 wipes, which really, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is not very many wipes for a final boss in Heroic at all. It just doesn't feel that way because... The, the 47 the wipes feel like 90. <laughs> yeah, right, at least. Because, yeah. yeah, they're all 11, 12-minute wipes, you yeah. know? I mean, you, I, yeah. I think phase one, you kind of learn pretty quickly. Phase two can be trickier, but even a, uh, even like a late phase two wipe is still seven minutes into the fight, eight minutes into the fight, potentially. Yeah. So the progression curve of this fight feels really strange. I think it'll feel better to re-clear than Denathrius did because you're punished less for killing stuff quickly. Um, so you can kind of just let it rip. And I think, you know, we'll continue to get better at learning to dance. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see a, a giant health nerf to her at some point in the near future because the fight is just too protracted. And it, 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 there's some interesting design choices, but overall, uh, the length of it and the way it's broken up, and you can't really learn the Phase 3 mechanics until you can consistently survive about eight, nine minutes into the fight, like, it's a it's a big ask. I mean, uh, for our part, we we really progressed well once we dedicated our time to learning the fight, and it wasn't that two steps forward, one step back kind of thing that sometimes you can run into with these complex bosses. It was very consistent. Like, okay, we're doing phase one better. Okay, we're doing phase one with no deaths. Okay, we're doing phase two very well up until the last platform. Okay, now we're we're kind of surviving the last platform. You know, up to, okay, we're now getting through Phase 2 with everybody alive, and then you can really start getting some good learning on Phase 3. So, um, yeah, proud of the team. I mean, this is a tough one, right? It's been This this expansion hasn't been good for the game. The climate surrounding the game is not good. Um, the 9.1 didn't really do it for a lot of people, although I, I've quite enjoyed 9.1 up to this point, but it hasn't been like the savior of Shadowlands that some people were demanding it would be. Uh, but, you know, we hung in there. I think I had about 22 people in the group that, that earned ahead of the curve. So, you know, still a pretty healthy raid group, and, and I think everybody's still having fun. So, you know, last week I talked about wiping on it and, and how frustrating it was and kind of needing a palate cleanser, and that's what we did this week. You know, we, this past week we started with Mythic Karagru, and then we did the normal skip just to get some easy kills and get some potentially interesting loot out and and then re-cleared normal. And so even spending, you know, half of Tuesday night doing stuff that wasn't, getting us a Sylvanas kill, we still managed to do it. So, you know, I think that was that's, that kind of stuff is important for, for morale and just everybody's mentality. Yeah. Um, 
Beyond that, uh, it, it was a great week of uh, Tyrannical Mythic Plus. I, I'm up to 2158. I, I'd like to crack 2200. I'm starting to sniff it. I, I need to start getting some 18s and stuff in. But um, uh, and also this week I got my season two scale from uh, the other side. The, Congratulations! Uh, awesome. Thank you. The blood spatter scale at 246. I was I was using one that was at like 210, and the difference on that item between 210 and 246 is staggering. It's like twice the damage. It's like uh, 175% of the the shield, so huge upgrade there, and uh, Mythic Plus continues to just feel great. Like, it's just super fun this season. And the other thing I did, which was one of the big things on my list for the rest of this patch, was I finished Flawless Master in Torghast, nice. which is getting, uh, you know, flawless five stars, whatever you want to call it, on uh, all eight wings of Torghast at layer 12. So, um yeah, that was something that, like, at the outset, the first couple weeks, it was like, oh, man, it's going to be tough to do this. But with some gear and then some knowledge of the system, and then as you unlock the stuff in the box of many things, it was really just, like, making good choices and, and paying attention to what was happening. And, it, it, you know, I, I had some runs where I scored, like, 240 points when you only need right. 200 to get yeah. flawless. So it's like, yeah, it's funny, because at the outset, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this this season. I, this seems really hard, but, you know, it's kind of amazing what, 20, 30 item levels and, uh, you know, domination socket bonus and the box of many things it can make. Like, it's really just about, I, I think, for anybody who's working on it, I think it really just comes down to investment in the system and keep coming back and getting your yeah. shower knowledge and unlocking the box and do a little bit of research, like look up what the bonuses are and stuff and, and just use that, you know, use that synergy to, to make it happen. Because it's a cool thing to do and you get a cool amount for it. Yeah, with the exception of not having a, a listing game or a vendor you talk to who tells you what all the bonuses are, so you actually have to go outside of the game to research which things you want to actually try and accomplish to get your points. I think it's a very well-designed system at the moment. I think it scales really well. I think participating in the system feels continuously rewarding because you're able to actually week-to-week -week perform better than you did the previous week, which is great. Um, I do feel like the changes coming in 9.1.5 of every time you run it, you get uh, rewarded um, equally as opposed to it being a scaled-down reward for future runs or no reward based off of, you know, if you're trying to go for Cinders versus Ash. But I'm, I'm thrilled that the system and the knowledge has sort of panned out the way it has. I think that's been great. So I, uh, I'm excited for I, I'm excited for 9.1 to 5 for everything. Like when when, right, I, yeah. when I dig into what I've been doing this week, <laughs> uh, I very much feel like I'm still in the situation where I just want 9.1 to 5 to hit for all the catch-up mechanics, so I can start taking advantage of them immediately. Because I'm still in that boat of doing anything right now in the game feels like a waste of time because if I just wait until 9.1.5 happens it'll be so much easier to accomplish and so much more rewarding to do. Um, and so, I, you know, this, this past week I had a, uh, a raid team reach out to me who was um, interested in bringing me in to do more Mythic Raiding, and I decided to give that a shot. So I joined that team yesterday, and I'll be raiding with them tonight to sort of see what that, if that is a good fit and if that works out. And it's funny because when you're making the decision to get back into the scene or, or to continue in the scene, since I haven't been out of it for very long, um, 
you ramp things back up in game. And one of the things that I want to do is, you know, I, I've played Night Fae Boomkin through the whole thing, and Venture Boomkin's something that during farm you could play around with a lot more, and that's kind of where this team's at. Uh, so I sort of feel like I want to go over to Venture and, and do Venture things, but I also know that 9.1.5, I get to skip the first 40 levels of Renown. So I'm like, do I really want to switch to Venture? Grind out all of the right. renown, which you have to do right now. Which like, I have to do right it's, now. It'd be kind of pointless to do it without being caught up on renown. Exactly. But without having a, a firm date of when 9.1.5 is coming, it could be two months, three months, whatever it is, before we actually get 9.1.5. Which means if that's the case, then I easily could have ground out all the renown, even on a casual way, grinding out the renown. I could have done that. So it's this, like, back-and-forth split that I'm kind of uh, in, in a situation for, and I, I just wish that they would push things like that renowned catch-up uh, live so that you could just jump in and, and do that as opposed to looking at the situation I'm in now and going, is it better for me to wait and save myself the anguish and, you know, time commitment to doing uh, for doing this farm, or is it better for me to actually just go and do it now anyways and just get it done. Like it's, I don't know. It's a back and forth for me. Yeah. So. I mean, it's sort of this unfortunate corner that they painted themselves in yeah. with some of the design decisions around Shadowlands. Is like, really, the answer is right now, and I hate to say this, but the answer is it's not worth doing right now. It just isn't because it's going to be so much better to do almost all of this stuff when this .5 patch hits. We just don't know when that is. And, like, that should never really be the right answer, right? Like, you should be able to get some kind of benefit from investing the time now because then you'll have stuff for later. But in this case, I just don't – I don't really see it paying off that way. So it's unfortunate because in a situation like yours, it's like, well, you might really need to do this on an immediate basis. And then, you know, yes, it would be nice if you could have done it after the patch, but it didn't work out that way. Um, whereas, you know, if somebody's kind of on the fence, then the answer is just – wait, just wait for the patch and then dive into this stuff. And I don't know. It's it's weird that so much stuff that came in in June, just the very end of June, is being overhauled so much, right? Like, I, I think that's kind of part of the problem with it, too. Uh, like, obviously, a lot of this stuff is going back to Shadowlands launch as well. But, like, you know, the, uh, the we'll talk about the, the Archivist Codex system today and stuff like that, like, the stuff has barely even been in the game yet, and it's getting massively overhauled. Like, maybe these are things they should, you know, consider consider just upping the quality of life before stuff goes out the door. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's one, one thing to open up features and stuff in an expansion as time goes on. It's natural. They should do that for sure. But, you know, I, I, I think we see this history going back the last few years of them just being too stingy out of the gate. Yeah, it's uh, it's these sorts of changes just need to come in faster. Is really what it comes down to for me. As soon as they come in faster, I'll just be a happier camper. And why I'm kind of hoping that we see this stuff end of October is that'll give me a few weeks where I'm at. Hopefully, we get some sort of like release, you know, version that happens on PTR. And I'm like, okay, it's sometime in the next two weeks or three weeks. We're good, and uh, and I'll be happy. But we're we're not there yet. So I'll be making those determinations and decisions and. We'll see what happens from there. But, yeah, otherwise, last week for me was, you know, my usual sort of, like, lower-scale farm route that I did. Make sure I got some Mythic Plus in so I could look at my rewards. However, at this point, all rewards for me are pretty much just healing rewards. 
because uh, I'm just sort of uh, gearing up my, my resto set a little bit more. So today I got a 252 weapon, which was different from my other 252 weapon, which is good because it means I now have one for DPS and one for healing, and I have to swap and chance around, and the stats kind of worked out a little bit better. So, yay, that was a nice thing to get uh, after taking um, the little tokens the past couple of times. Still, I want to, while I'm mentioning tokens, but I, I want to mention again the idea of please let us buy a reroll on the vault with tokens. I, w- I want to have a situation where when I get a vault and there's nothing good in it for me and I choose to take tokens instead, the next week if I get another vault that's not good for me, I can spend tokens to reroll my vault and get new options. Please. That, that would be cool. cool. I want it. Yeah, just kind of kick kick the can down the road. Like you might just end up doing it again. Sure, you might something. But you like, might, and, that's, and that could be it. Yeah, right, and you know? I think I'd be okay. Yeah, because when you get this far into the season, we're what twelve weeks in the season now, something like that. Like, yeah, I think twelve weeks. So, you, I mean, if you've been if you've been participating in the system, you start running out of stuff, and especially with as many slots that are locked in with domination sockets and. You know, trinkets, whatever, you have certain items that you're just going to use regardless of item level or that you're not going to be able to replace via the box. Um, yeah, I think it just makes sense, you know. Yeah, give people give people more options, even if even if you're getting less loot overall. Just, you know, you have that, like, targeted piece, that one last thing you need or whatever. The odds you're going to get it are super low, but if you get another roll, at least you could double it. Like and, yeah, that would be cool. Embrace what the vault actually is, all right? It's a slot machine. Put handles on the raid Mythic Plus and PvP side of the of the vault. You can put a coin into one of those slots. There's three coins that you get when you don't get it. Put a coin in one of the slots, pull the handle, it re-rolls that slot, like that section of, of rewards. So if it's, I'm really looking for this piece from Raid, you can re-roll that Raid one three times in, in one week to try and see if you get something you want. If you don't, that's too bad. If it's PvP stuff you're going for, re-roll the PvP stuff. Pull the handle, have it spin, make it all cool. See what rewards you get. Like I, I would be down for them. <laughs> I'm just embracing. You know what? The vault is kind of this gambling system in that sense. Let's just go for it. Uh, I, I would be absolutely on board. I know there's some areas where gam- gambling, quote unquote, is a is an issue, so they'd have to do it differently. But that's fine. We've had bonus roll system in place for a while, so the uh, the places that can't do that, they've already worked out. Primarily China, where people just get extra loot every week, and that's just the way it works. Um, there isn't like a chance; they just give it to you. So, yeah, I uh, I I, I want to reiterate that because I like that idea a lot. Okay, with that, let's jump into what's going on this week in World of Warcraft. This week is the Cataclysm Time Walking event, which means you can run End Time, Grim Batol, Lost City of Tolvir, the Stone Core, Vortex Pinnacle, and Throne of Tides uh, for a chance at some one, sorry, not 178, it's actually still 184 loot. Uh, so that's that's unfortunate. I wish they'd bump that up a little bit more, but 184 loot is what can drop out of there. Before you go and run them, head to Oribos, pick up your quest for Time Walking, which if you run five of these, you get a chance to, uh, well, you get a chance, you just get a piece of normal Sanctum Domination loot. So if you're someone who wants to help gear up a character, it's a great way to get some extra loot on that character. It also means the Sign of the Destroyer buff is up, where Cataclysm reputations from combat and quests are increased by 50%. Man, Cataclysm reputations, Jason. The uh, the Flaming Hippogriff is what I always remember when I remember Cataclysm reputations. That is one of the, the few rewards 
Right yeah, there. well, I mean, uh, oh, what was that called? The the whole Firelands rep, was, there was so much cool stuff there. Yeah. Um, and plus, you could still do tabards for uh, for rep. I don't, does, that, does that work with the rep bonus, though? I don't think it does. Because it says, well, uh, combat and quest. Oh, the so Avengers of Hygel, that's what it was. Yeah, Avengers of Hygel, yeah, that had some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, uh, I, I think you still have the tabards, right? So you could put on the tabard and do, like, a dungeon, and you'd get... You get rep for that faction. So, um, yeah, these are some. Of, I think these are some of the best time walking dungeons because they're all pretty straightforward and short. Uh, there's not too many. Like end time can be a problem if people don't know what they're doing, but it's not as bad as like Pit of Sauron or something. So, um, this is a good week to get in there. You know, if you're level 50 plus and you you want to bang out 50 to 60, it's a good way to do it. Especially if you could bring along a max level friend of your armor class. Get mm-hmm, you know, just mm-hmm. hit the ground running with some 184s and round out with some 178s. It's not good gear by these current standards, but it'll get you into Corthia and stuff, and you can start gearing up, so that's cool. And, yeah, Time Walking Firelands, I think, is the best Time Walking raid. So if you need to change your pace for your raid group this week, especially if you're kind of in that normal to heroic kind of band of, of what you typically do, then i give it a shot. I think the fights are super fun. It was a really cool design for the raid, and, um, you know, there could be some interesting pieces of 226 there, so... Uh, yeah, this is. I think this is one of the better time walking events overall because the dungeons are quick and been pretty fun, and the raid is really good. Yeah, and don't forget, there's also that uh, Drake of the North Winds or whatever mount out of the Vortex Pinnacle. That's one of the, one of the very cool looking drakes. So you can head to Vortex Pinnacle and try and get one of those too, if that's something you're looking to get. Uh, yeah, these dungeons to me, this was what this was. Uh, as, as much as Cataclysm was way too long of an expansion, it was a really cool expansion. I really enjoyed this expansion. It was one of the uh, the larger rep grinds I've ever done. I think getting the Avengers of Hydral and you had to go into that portal where there's all the fire spiders and uh, it was pretty cool. I, I really enjoyed that content when I when I think back and look back on it. And yes, like you said, I think uh, Firelands is one of the better time walking raids out there. Uh, it's definitely content people should experience. It's got some really fun bosses. It's where we learned Ragnaros had legs. So, you know, and, and I got to be the mage who did all the flying around through all the fire loops when we were doing... Uh, oh, yeah. Anybody who played mage in Firelands loves Firelands, yeah. for sure. Yeah. This is the Phoenix boss. Uh, yeah. uh, Resort. Yeah, yeah, you fly around and, yeah. That, that was always mage duty, and, and mages always speak wistfully of, of yeah. Firelands. <laughs> That and if you were ever the mage tank inside Burning Crusade, you also speak very fondly of Burning Crusade. Uh, all right, world, weekly world bosses for the week. We've got Uramanos, the ever-branching, who's the big Tyranin inside Ardenweald. He's dropping your 200 eye-level covenant ability conduits, as well as 207 eye-level plate waste, mail wrist, leather hands and legs, cloth feet, and a critverse ring. And Jason, which memories can people find off of Oromanos? Uh So... Oravanos. Now, I always try to kind of figure out the theming here in these bosses. I'm sure everybody's sick of hearing me do that. But so, it, uh, okay, you have uh, you have the Arden Wheel guy, right? So you, you know you're gonna have druids. So you got Verdant Infusion for druids. You got hunters. That kind of makes sense too. You get yeah. surging shots, and then you got mages with fevered incantation. I think Which, mages are kind of they're a little bit odd in this, this setting, but Arden Wheel is very magical, right? It's a very true. magical kind of true. enchanted forest. So I guess it fits. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Uh, Morgath the Tormented, of the uh, Tormentor of the Damned, up in Desmeteron as well. Head over to him and knock him out so you can get your 200 eye-level version of Adaptive Armor Fragment or Condensed Anosphere. You can also get those from World Quest inside Corthia if that's something you're looking to do. Uh, there's the Shard of Rev, that uh, that red 
blood shard that drops off of uh, off of him as well. The only other place you can get that is off of Sylvanas. So it might be worth killing this world boss just to try and knock that out as well. And of course, he drops some 233 eye-level gears. You got your cloth, wrists and legs, your leather hands and waist, your mail hands and feet, your plate waist and legs, and of course, your mastery trinket with a main stat proc. Uh, for this week, you want to head into Ouroboros and uh, pick up your Necrotic Wake and Sanguine Death's Dungeon Quest, as well as your PvP Arenas and Arena Skirmish Quests. And then as far as Torgas goes, we have Fractured Chamber and Skoldus Hall. Uh, so if you're someone who's looking to get those particular ones done for your flawless achievements, or you're just trying to brace yourself for something you don't want to run, like maybe you just really don't like school this halls, uh, then you got you got you get the heads up. You get the heads up now. Make sure you're you're prepped for it. Yeah, I mean these two wings are. I think these are the most innocuous of the wings. I mean, granted, we don't have torments tied to specific wings anymore, but you do tend to find certain types of enemies in in various wings and different types of layouts and stuff like. You know, even even without the same torments in like upper reaches or Mortrigar, like those places are still kind of obnoxious compared to these two, which are just laid out kind of mostly straightforwardly. A couple weird twisting staircases and in, in a couple of them, but uh, yeah, a good week if you need them for for flawless masters. We're pretty late in the season now, so you got plenty of tower knowledge available. Cool thing about tower knowledge too is if you're not caught up, you can get caught up. You can always get up to the to the cap you know there there's a hard cap on the system um and at this point even if you're starting from zero if you just grind torgas you can keep getting tower knowledge all the way up so that's pretty nice yeah now as far as dungeons go for mythic plus uh this week the apexes are fortified bursting and storming meaning that non-boss enemies have 20 percent more health and inflict 30 percent increased damage when slain, non-boss enemies explode, causing all players to suffer damage uh, over time for four seconds. This affects stacks and refreshes. And uh, while in combat, enemies periodically summon damaging whirlwinds. So, okay. We are, <laughs> we are facing a week of trash, is what this basically means. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are facing a week where not only do we have fortified, but we have bursting, which means that you are killing mobs. You want to kill them, I guess based off how many stacks of bursting debuff you have. So if you knock out three, you then want to wait for the four seconds for bursting to fall off before you knock out that fourth add. I would say don't go above four stacks. Four stacks is like your this is reasonable zone. When you go over four stacks, people need to start actually thinking about personals or using something. And if you refresh from four stacks to five after it's ticked a couple of times, you really need to make sure you're prepped for that because that is going to hurt a lot. So yeah, this, as far as this week goes, there's there's a bit of a of, of something that'll help you out with fortified, which is the really sort of weenie low health ads. At least have that 20% more health. So you're not going to just die instantly while you work on the big heavier set ones. Uh, but you kind of also want them to die a little bit faster, depending on how many of them there are, because you want to get bursting rolling. So just keep in mind with bursting, keep your eye on it. It's a DPS mechanic as much as you want to throw that weight on healers or on tanks whatever it is it's a dps mechanic you got to watch your stacks and make sure you're paying attention to them storming is just storming it just is what it is like while in combat you're going to get tornadoes they're all they're always going to spin the same direction so that's nice you know at least that's predictable now uh and they don't hit you as hard as they used to they're primarily just there to knock you up into the air and disrupt you which is also you know something they did a while back for uh uh, volcanic, which I so they sort of made storming similar to volcanic in that sense. Um, but you know, it, it just is what it is. Like no matter where that falls, it, it doesn't like sync up better with X or Y or anything like that, other than area denial. So it's just area denial. I think mm-hmm. it's an okay it's, week. It's, uh, 
it's melee volcanic is what storming is now. I, I guess mean, so, yeah. Like, yeah, everybody has to deal with it, which melee typically doesn't have to deal with volcanic because it's based on proximity from the targets, but um, it's a bit less disruptive at range because you don't need to be in a particular spot to shoot things typically. But also the tornadoes disappear if somebody hits them now. So they they really rain storming in. When storming came out, it was like, this is ridiculously unfun, and uh, there's no counterplay, and it just makes doing these dungeons feel bad. So now it's almost like not even a thing. It, it, they, they may have gone a bit too far, but I'm not going to complain about that. Um, I believe that we are now all the way through the rotation. We are back to week one of the rotation. We've seen all the combos for season one. We survived um, the first rotation. Yep. Congratulations, I gotta everyone. Say, yeah, i got to say, it, it seems like a really good one, right? I think season two is way better than season one on every level. Mm. I'm just having a great time with the system. Um, you know, part of it's the seasonal affix, part of it's the very targeted tuning changes, and part of it is the affix combos they come up with. You know, it's stuff you have to pay attention to and you have to play around, but it doesn't feel as punishing as we've seen in, in previous seasons, I feel like. Um, yeah, I think this week is, is really good for, for a fort week. If you need points on fort, it's a good week. Uh, bursting absolutely everything you said, I 100% endorse. Um, the nice thing about having fort bursting is you have a little bit more of a window. You know, the mobs have a little bit more health, so if you need to hold off, something doesn't accidentally explode. And if you're in a spot where, like, five stacks is likely, you're probably better off getting five stacks at the jump than having four stacks for five seconds and then getting a fifth stack. Yeah. Like, don't do that to yourself. Yeah. You know, just kill stuff fast at the same time if you can. Because um, your healer will be able to deal better with that than with just being in deep bursting all the time. So, yeah, as long as you pay attention to that, I, I think, you know, you'll be well on your way to some, some rating from Fortified this week. I'll say the best thing about this week is that it is not bolstering from last week. That is the best thing about this week. <laughs> because it means yeah, you bolstering's can, annoying. It, yeah, it means you can it, pull. It your pace. You can, you can chain pull, which I really like. This week you can actually go, hey, you know what? We are able to pull this pack, these last two mobs that are about to die, into this next pack and keep going. And you're not worried about, hey, we accidentally bolstered this group of five mobs because this person's pet or, you know, dot or tab target or whatever aggroed these things as these other things were dying. Bolstering very much feels like if you make a mistake, you really notice the mistake, whereas I feel like mm -hmm. some of the other affixes are a little bit more forgiving. So at least this week isn't bolstering. At least we're, we're good. That's out. We're weeks away, hopefully, from seeing bolstering again. So, yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, PvP Brawl this week. We have South Shore versus Terran Mill. Uh, this is the 40-on-40 death match that takes place in uh, South Shore and Terran Mill. And you get the something different quest just for queuing into it, which gives you some marks of honor, conquest of honor. So if you feel like just gaining a ton of honor and getting a whole bunch of honorable kills, queue up for some brawl this week. You got your so short hair mill going on. Yeah, bring bring your death knight friend and yep. go have fun. Yeah, I this one's awesome because you know, this is this is the brawl and this is the mode that really feels like old school pre battlegrounds wow PvP. If you know it, if you remember that, if you were there for that, rarely did you see it at the scale of 40 on 40 on most servers, I would assume, back in 2004 and early 2005. But, um, you know, I, re I remember those days, and that was, like, super fun when when everybody within, you know, a, a particular level range, it was, like, nearby a contested area would kind of swarm and fight over a bridge or whatever, and it was just totally unstructured, no clear objectives, no re real reason to even do it, just fighting each other. 
Uh, there was um, a lot of, like, in guild chat being like, it's going down right now, everyone get out here. And it's like, okay, yeah. and here comes a whole guild of people to fight, yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, that was a super fun element of, you know, this is back when WoW was way, way more sandboxy than it is today. Yeah. And it, it but it, this has that feel. This is what that felt like, really. And you don't, yeah, there's no objectives to pay attention to. There's no, like, weird metagame you need to know. You seem to be safe and kill more people than uh, allow, you know, of your people to be killed. So, well, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah, if you, if you need HKs or whatever, if you're working on something for an achievement or, or something like that, this is just an HK factory all week. Yeah, I was going to say, the other thing that's just really cool about this is you get to see South Shore before it was destroyed. If yep. you're someone who doesn't play Classic very much or who hasn't and who's only played the game you know, in the past couple of expansions, you haven't seen what Soshore used to be. I loved Soshore as a city. It was oh, awesome. Yeah. I loved fishing there. I liked all the NPCs. I liked the layout of it. The quests around it were cool. Like, I loved that quest zone. And they it got ragged, got destroyed. Like, the, you know, they just they just ruined it. So it was one of those cases where now you, you queue up for this. And you have Lannis. Exactly. So Lannis just, you know, absolutely came to town and, and destroyed everything. Uh, so, to me, it's, it's it's neat to go back and queue into this and see it the way it used to be, and everything's there, and you get to sort of experience it again, because it was like my, my chill getaway. If I was, like, going to go on a, on a vacation from, you know, Stormwind or whatever, you go up to South Shore, and it was just this pretty nice, you know, quaint space. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. really cool zone from, from Vanilla Out, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a super cool brawl. If you've never done it, you should check it out. Yeah. All right, Harvest Festival is on. It's going right now. It is live through the 24th of September. Uh, basically, you can head to feast tables outside of Ogremar and Ironforge, and you can eat at those tables and get buffs. Uh, and you can also level up your cooking if that's something you're looking to do, although I don't think it levels up current cooking. I think it only levels up original WoW cooking. And as far as quests go, you can pick up some quests to pay tribute to Grom Hellscream and Ashenvale and Uther the Lightbringer in Western Plagueland. So if you're looking to pay some tribute to them, check that out. Okay, Brewfest is going on as well. That is currently live through October 6th, although well, that feels really weird to say. It feels like I'm now very much farther into the year than I thought I was because Brewfest felt like it was really far away, even though we just talked about it last week, and now it's here and it's happening. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the Ember Court has the 300% friendship bonus going on as part of uh, as part of the Venthyr thing with Brewfest. So they seem to be the only one who consistently gets some sort of benefit to these holidays. But otherwise, you just head outside of Ogremar or Ironforge. The Ironforge one, let's be clear, the Ironforge Brewfest is like the real Brewfest. Uh, and you can yeah. sort of do quest chains there and, and enjoy stuff. There's the chow down, there's the timed events with, you know, the barrel racing and the elementals attacking. And, you know, you, you drink in ale as well and the, the hosen that show up. And there's all sorts of stuff that go on. So it's it's a grand old time they got lots of toys, including, like, the, uh, well, the Corgi goggles. The Corgi goggles are there. Um, they have the Garland of Grain, the Tabard of Brew. Um, they have the trophies that you can earn. It's just, it's fun. It's a really good time. If you have not done uh, Brewfest before, enjoy your first Brewfest. If you have done Brewfest before, go out there. And I know, you know, you're very Shadowlands-oriented at the moment, but if you go back to Azeroth and you go to Brewfest, I guarantee you'll be like, you know what, this is actually really fun. I enjoy doing this. I think I'll come back tomorrow because that's kind of what it feels like. Um, that's great, man. And if you haven't yeah. done it in the last couple of years, when did it get the big rework? Was it 18 or 19? It was 18. I forget. I forget. But, yeah, like once they added the eating contest and all that stuff and they kind of changed up the way the timed events worked, that's more variety there. 
Like, it's yeah, it's amazing. It's super fun, and um, there's so much stuff to collect from this. You know, the uh, toys and pets and appearances and achievements. Don't forget, you, oh, yeah. you can mog your your Brewfest appearances for the duration of the event as well. So if you want to run around in your in your Brewfest garb, you can you can do that for the next two weeks. Um, yeah, the mini games are fun. You know, you feel like you really develop some mastery over riding the ram or or you know winning an eating contest or whatever. So yeah, it's it's great. I think it's the best or, or easily one of the best holidays that the game has. And you should definitely check it out. Um, the buff is kind of nice if you can catch it, you know. Yeah, um, if, you're, if you're someone who's trying to level an alt, uh, one of the nice things you can do is park your tune at uh, Brewfest. And if you are logged in during the 6.15 a.m. or 6.15 p.m. periods, you'll get the Brewfest enthusiast buff uh, for two hours, and it's 10% more XP. So that is a nice buff to pick up. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, because of overlap time, yeah, we should get a overlap at the end of the month on the 3rd of, of uh, October between having the Darkmoon Fair buff and having this buff. I don't know if they stack, but that is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't think they do anymore. I, the last time I tried to do this, it didn't work to, to try to overlap them. I, you, you just get one or the other, which stinks. But you know what? I mean, the way leveling is, like, even 10%, it's like, that's a ton of bonus XP these days. Yeah. It's just, it's, the Brewfest one is weird because it's hard to catch it because it's only those, it's only 6.15, you know, Pacific AM or PM every day. And, like, if you're not there, then you can't get it for another 12 hours. So um, it's a little hard to take advantage of. It's not like Darkwing Fair or something where you just go have it. But, um, yeah, I love Brewfest time. I actually think I have everything from Brewfest, so I'm probably not going to do any of this this year. There's just nothing left for me to collect. So um, I'm probably not really going to do it, but it's uh, I love every time it comes around. I'll certainly head back out there and check all the vendors and make sure I have everything. That's certainly something I will do. Uh, and I will at least do some barrel racing. I just really enjoy the barrel racing in Ironforge. But the Horde side barrel racing to me just isn't quite as much fun. I think I think, okay, so here's part of it for me. The snow and that, like, cliff face mm-hmm. next to it, because it's, it's right next to that really neat road that leads up to the entrance to Ironforge, that, to me, is just awesome and very Brewfest-esque. When I think about do it, the Horde one, the Horde one feels like a like fair that got set up in the middle of a field kind of idea. As far as, it's not even a field, it's just a big dust bowl because it's Ogremar. But it doesn't feel like as, as cool to me. I don't know why. It just layout-wise didn't, doesn't land as well, as well for me, so... Yeah, I don't know. there's something about uh, Bruce. It's just, like, obviously, there's a lot of cultures that have a lot of fondness for alcohol in yeah. Warcraft, right? Like, yeah. the dwarves are not alone in this, but I feel like the dwarves have a special kind of connection to it. And yeah. just the whole outside area of Ironforge is super cool and super evocative, and it's one it's one of the most, like, epic-looking spaces in the original game, you know, for sure. So, yeah, yeah it definitely adds to the milieu when, when Brewfest starts up there. Yeah. All right, as far as 9.1.5, there's another slew of notes that we got, which is why we keep presently talking about it, because we get new exciting things, and then we get really excited, and then I have trouble debating what I want to do in live games, because uh, it's going to be easier and more fun once 9.105 comes out. Um, yeah, just weird, right. like, math you have to do with yourself. Oh, like, uh, and then you have to remember that these are not hotfixes, because we get so much blue text every week with these builds. It's like, oh, I want to do that, oh, but i gotta, I got to wait for the patch. Yeah, so we're kind of in that situation now where we have uh, class set bonus stuff happening. So we know that, not set bonus, class uh, buff stuff happening. We know that the amount of targets that you can actually hit, the target cap, 
got removed for a lot of abilities. I'm saying that now, not just in general, because the amount at which it scales, so above five targets it scales, is now being played with. In some cases, now they're like beyond eight targets, beyond five targets, beyond seven targets to try and figure out where that lands. So we just know that target capping is going away, and they're trying to figure out what that right balance is for everybody. Well, this is cool because, so I use Ravager, um, which is a prop warrior talent when I do dungeons, right? And Ravager, you throw an axe on the ground and it damages enemies in a radius. And every time it deals damage, it generates rage for you. So it's a great way to pick up threat and add some extra damage and also just have more throughput. Like, it's kind of a no-brainer when you're doing a lot of, you know, AOE type of tanking. Um, the current tooltip says that it deals damage to eight targets. And when they were talking about removing AOE target cap, they kept talking about five targets or whatever, you know, stuff that hit five or more targets or didn't hit five targets or whatever. And I'm like, well, is Ravager just going to be worse now because it's just going to do full damage to five targets and then hit more? Um, uh, so you know, I was waiting for clarification and, and more specific notes. And, I, you know, there are other abilities that hit eight, eight targets currently. So, yeah, they are still going to hit their eight targets, but then they're going to hit more too. I mean, personally, am I, am I frequently in situations where I'm hitting – nine plus targets with Ravager? No, but um, I do, uh, I'm, I'm glad that they're not like removing, you know, or, or, or dialing back what I'm already doing. They're just giving me a bonus. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see all this plays out balance-wise. I just, I feel like Blizzard right now is starting to turn the dials in large ways, and we're starting to see that, uh, mm -hmm. that effect hit PTR, which is good because yeah. it means that we're, we are making progress. I like seeing large notes. Because it means they are yeah. <laughs> moving forward quickly, which is good. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll see a lot more tuning as we get closer to this releasing. Tuning tends to be the last thing they do. They kind of go for feel first and sort of overall sort of design philosophy, and then they dial it in more. So this is more just like, hey, these abilities are off the leash in terms of how many targets they can hit. I'm sure we'll see tuning later as a result. Yeah. Okay, so as far as Covenants go, completing the Shadowlands campaign, unlocking your third Soulbind on any character, allows alternate characters joining that same Covenant to immediately unlock their second and third Soulbind. So this is now up in testing, and it means that, you know, exactly what they said, if, if you essentially have an alt who joins Night Fae and you've maxed out Night Fae, it's just additional bonuses you're now getting. You now just automatically get your second and third Soulbinds when you unlock the first, which means that you just have access to those soul binds to be able to uh, to do the content you want to do and optimize your character faster, which is great. Super cool. Yeah. Mega quality of life here, you know, especially, you know, we're, we're in a space, we're going to be in a space where you're not tied to a covenant for, you know, ever, or you don't have to jump through these hoops to switch back and forth. So, like, you may have a situation where you want to pursue the story of this one covenant because you didn't do it yet, but then when it's time to go do dungeons with your buddies, you have this alt character and you want to just hop over to the other uh, covenant so that you can have the build the way you want it, and then you have your soul binds accessible and all that. Like, super cool change. Yeah, as far as your anima conductor goes, it's another change I love. They basically went, players who have built and upgraded their, their covenant anima conductors will now receive grateful offerings. you got to remember whether or not that's something you remember what it is from all Covenant callings based on the highest level of Anima Conductor they've upgraded. So this means that if you're someone who has put the time and effort into upgrading your Anima Conductor, it's easier for you to buy all those cosmetics and gear that you want to buy from all the vendors with your Grateful Offerings, which is just fantastic because your Grateful Offerings were actually something that I was surprised, I was shocked when I ran out of way down the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they never really scaled up the yield on that up to this point, and... If you kind of got sick of doing the daily stuff that rewards them, then 
there really wasn't another source of them. So this is cool because if you want to catch up on on a uh, a Covenant's offerings uh, vendor, then you can you can get way more. It also just adds more value to the daily calling, which is already pretty good. You know, even if you don't really care about um, you know if you if you're all caught up with conduits and stuff, you're still getting currency. You're getting you're getting coin. You're getting valor. Uh, so that's nice. And I'll throw throw in grateful offerings too. I mean. I think the more the more items, currency, interesting things they can stuff into those callings bags, the better. Because um, you know, when we first saw that kind of idea come in in Legion with emissaries, like you got a box of just all kinds of stuff every day, and it was super cool. And then they dialed that way back. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see more stuff going into the calling system. Just you know, because you're out in the world, you might be you know mining, herbing, whatever, doing other stuff too. Do a couple world quests and get a whole bunch of stuff for your trouble, like. Yeah, I like it, and and especially in a world where you might want to buy stuff for three other covenants from Grateful Offerings, you're suddenly going to need way more of them. So here's another way to get some. Yeah. As far as dungeons and raids go, we have Mythic Plus Infixes, where uh, Bolster now has a 20 second duration, and whereas it was permanent before, so this is a, a big deal. Where actually Bolster will go away if you just kite things around long enough. Uh, obviously, when you drop combat, they drop bolstering. So another way to do it is everyone die and then run back and the pack will be back to normal or everyone go and zone out, which is the other option, and everything will go back to normal. Uh, but as far as uh, as, as this, what this reminds me of immediately is like the slimes at the beginning of Plaguefall, when you have those one or two slimes that are just ginormous mm-hmm. running around, you can't actually be like, oh, you know what, this is going to fall off if we just live for an extra 10 or 15 seconds, which is better than losing the 25 seconds for everyone dying, right? So I'm not having to reset. Right. If you don't die, you lose now. 25 seconds off the bat, plus you got to run back. Like, exactly. So. Yeah, this is a huge change to bolster yeah. and way less punishing to build a boss. I mean, it's still dangerous. You still don't want to do it, but it's it's not going to tank your run in the way that it currently has the potential to. Like, it's never going to be a thing that your only option is to die and reset and run back. Like, that's not going to happen if if this holds up and this goes live. Yeah. All right, as far as heirlooms go, there's now a vendor in Ouroboros that sells the following Bonnet account items. Uh, we have the Traveler's Anima Cash we have, that allows Anima to be taken uh, to New Covenants or sent to alternate characters. So this is their way of allowing us to move Anima around, which is something I've been waiting for for a while. And they also have the Valor's Equipment Chest for uh, Valor, which contains one piece of item uh, level 210 Mythic Zero gear that the chest can be purchased by a character with a 1500 or higher M plus rating. So they're like, hey, here you go. You can actually buy some 210 gear on this character now. And then last but not least, they have the Unchained Equipment Chest for Conquest that contains one piece of 220 unranked PvP gear that can be purchased by a character with 1600 or higher rating in any PvP record. So just more ways to actually just buy gear on characters as opposed to having to find sources of gear to actually gear that character. So just uh, sort of expanding the heirloom system of not just having heirlooms, but also having catch-up mechanics rolled into this character as well, this vendor as well. Yeah, and keep in mind, like, this stuff should be upgradable. So, I mean, this this is an amazing option for gearing up and all, you know, kind of hit the ground running, get some 210s, start doing, you know, callings and stuff, get some valor, and, you know, pump up that item level like th- this is a, a great addition um i mean, I mean we knew that the uh the anima thing was coming in because they kind of discussed it uh, and so it's just it wasn't in the build yet 
but now we kind of see how that's taking shape. And, um, you know, I thought I expected like a huge premium on the anima thing, but there's not. It's just you can move anima freely between, you know, characters or covenants. You could, you know, buy one. If you're switching covenants, you could like buy one for yourself essentially. And, um, <laughs> you know, then cash it in with another covenant. So that, I mean, just more, op- just way more options and way more ways to, you know, pay off your investment in, in the game. Like, uh, okay, I'm, I've reached a certain threshold with, my character in terms of Mythic Plus. I don't have any more gear I'm shooting for. I have nothing left to upgrade with Valor, but, you know, I have unlocked the upgrades or whatever. Now I can spend Valor to buy, uh, you know, a 210 to send to my alt that I want to start gearing up, and then I can use the fact that I've unlocked the upgrades to then power up that character more quickly. Like, these are super cool changes. Just, you know, again, this is the kind of stuff that, it justifies your investment in the game and in these systems. Like, the, the more time you have spent in them, the more you can benefit from them going forward. Yeah. All right, as far as Corthia and the Ma goes, we already know that they're going to be adding a way to sort of cash in your anima while you're at Corthia, which is always a nice thing they're doing. But they're also doing some changes to Archivist Codex reputation. Now, this is one of the things that we've been calling for for, well, basically since the reputation came out, because the grind is just way too extreme. So... Uh, they now have research reports, which are item upgrades, and treaties items, which are bonus drops in 9.0 content. Uh, and they're now available for purchase account-wide if a character on their account has reached the appropriate reputation tier. So basically, if one character has reached the appropriate re- reputation tier, you can go and buy these items, these research reports and, tre- and treaties items, just from the vendor, because one of your characters has unlocked that. Uh, players who are at tier 6 can now purchase the item, a research report, Relic examination techniques on a new as a new binon account item that they can send to an alt to increase reputation gains uh, granted by relics and relic fragments by 50%. So the question I have about this is the research report. It sounds like a actual permanent buff on that character that you will you will use, not a temporary thing where it's timed, but it could be. So what I what I want to know is a is this just like all the other items? I I don't know this yet. Where when you use one it just says, yeah, guess what? You now get 50% more relic fragments and, and relic uh, reputation. Um, or is it something where it's like for the next hour you get more relic fragments and relic reputation? Uh, if that's true, then great. I, I just want to know which one it is. But otherwise, I love that they're putting these things in. I hope it's permanent. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really specify. I mean, the first one, it sounds like it's just the items that you buy, like, as you're going through in main, right, and unlocking the system. I, I think... It seems like just the, those same upgrades that you buy to permanently increase your yield are just available to every character in your account at that point. Um, the, the second one, that's, I guess, the one that we're going to have to see in testing and, and figure out how it works, the relic examination techniques. Um, it doesn't mean anything about uh, granting extra currency, but, you know, if it grants extra rep up to Exalted or something, that would be that'd be pretty nice. Um, although, I guess, I don't know, I mean... They're making so much of the system account-wide, I'm wondering how much... I guess the rep kicks in different steps of questing and stuff, and it unlocks different features in the you know in the zone that may not be accessible otherwise. Here's my guess. Because it's called examination techniques, this is a permanent buff. You basically get it, you teach your character the proper techniques they, they need to examine relics better, you get a permanent 50% increased reputation from relics and relic fragments, it helps your character get their tier up that much faster, which is great. Uh, there's also a quest, the Relic Efficiency, which is being offered at Tier 4 that increases the number of relics that will show up as bonus drops from rares and treasures. 
as well as how many relics show up on a daily quest uh, or in weekly rewards chests. Uh, this is an additional. This is an addition to the current reward of 20% chance to receive double the normal relic fragments from rares and treasures. So this is a, a multiplicative increase, if you will, once you actually pick up this quest and complete this quest, which is also great. So more ways to speed this up. And then uh, last but not least, they added two new relic clues at tier three, which start the bonus. Uh, so which, sorry, which starts the bonus at an additional 10% chance to double relic fragments. And Relic Hunter, a Tier 5 uh, quest that will set the final chance for doubling the relics to f at 40%. So basically get an even more increased chance. And so both of these new quests will increase the average number of relics you will see on drops and daily quests and weekly rewards chests and all those things. So this is another one of those cases, Jason, where you've done this the past couple of weeks, and I'm going to do it now, of why wasn't this in at the start, right? Because I, I very much feel like this reputation has been a heck of a grind to do, and it was a little bit insane to do. It's way too hard, and they've clearly recognized that and gone, okay, we need to make this easier. We are in increasing the amount of reputation you get from relics by 50%. We are making sure that you have higher chances of doubling the amount of relics you find. We are also increasing the amount of relics that you can find. Like, they're just, like, massive changes to try and make this reputation easier. Um, I, I wish a lot of this was in sooner because it would have made for a much – more enjoyable time in Corfia for me. Yeah, I think some of the tuning and, you know, just it, it is, it's a bit of a slog. You have to be very meticulous to max this rep out on a weekly basis, daily basis, whatever. I think you just turn people off from the system and the content like super fast because it didn't feel rewarding. And that's a shame because I think the content is good. And I, I think like, the design elements of the system are cool. You get really cool stuff from participating in it and everything, and um, it's just, yeah, it takes way too long. And I, I mentioned when I was going through and wrapping up, like, I have tens of thousands of collected research that are unspendable. I'm, right. All I'm doing is just banking it until I get this rep threshold, and then I'm spending it all at once. Like, it just the curve there kind of didn't make any sense. Like, you should be spending stuff all the way up and getting, you know, getting little bits and pieces of rewards as you work your way through the system, and it just didn't play out like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird to see, like, such a big overhaul of the system so close to it being released, but I think it's necessary. I mean, obviously, they want people to participate in it, right? Like, they built it for a reason. They, they want it to be fun, um, and it just really hasn't been for a lot of people. Uh, the cool thing here is if you – already finished all this, but you want to do, like, a deep dive for, you know, to really max out on the possible stuff you can buy from the Archivist, or you have alts you want to play, you still benefit from this pretty significantly, and if you didn't finish it yet, or you don't want to finish it right now, then you also benefit from it. Like, it's just a win-win a for everybody. Um, I would like to, just like with the, uh, the Conduit Energy thing, I would like to see some hot fixes while we wait for this that maybe pump some of this up a little bit, you know? If there's some way to get, like, hot fix in uh, uh, relic yield or something so you get more research faster, anything they could do would be welcome because it's, it's still really, really pinned back. Yeah. yeah. As far as honor and conquest goes, they're reducing the cost of unrated gear to make it more accessible by 25%. So you can get access to that. And then my favorite change that actually got a lot of traction on Twitter when I, I put this up there, which is they have improved chat reporting, where basically if you slash ignore a character, 
it now ignores and blocks all characters on that person's account. So if you slash ignore someone, you are not just ignoring that one character, you're ignoring that person's account, which means on that account, they cannot whisper you from another character. This to me is just one of those amazing changes that needs to be in the game because the, it just takes care of a lot of harassment. Like, it lets people actually address some of this. So I'm, I'm thrilled that this came yeah. This is a great, it's a great change. I mean, I I will definitely say better late than never. I mean, it's 2021. Sure. Where has this yeah. change been for the last 15 years? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because, uh, I mean, I don't know, from the early days of the game, uh, I'm sure I've experienced it. I'm sure you have as well. Like, somebody doesn't like to cut your jib out in the world. You're fighting over quest mobs or you're fighting over, you know, mining or whatever. And you, you exchange some choice words or whatever. And then, you know, you you block them and then they make a new character and come find you and harass you some more, you know, like it's definitely ha- it doesn't happen to me as much anymore because I pretty much just ignore people that I'm not, yeah. you know, yeah. meaningfully interacting with. Um, but it is something that happens in this game and it's something that people have had the ability to do up until this patch comes in. So yeah, I'm really glad that just more stuff like this just makes the game better. I, I hope they keep moving in this direction. You know, WoW is still kind of behind the times in a lot of ways in terms of reporting and trying to, you know, clean up, um, you know, harassment, toxic behavior. And so these changes are welcome. This was this is a super great one. This, it should have been in sooner, but I'm not going to complain about it coming in with this patch. Yeah. Okay. Big news. Also mixed feelings about this. They are reopening the Mage Tower with Legion Time Walking 9015. So the Mage Tower is coming back. Okay. There's a lot of feelings about this. And so my, my first initial, well, let's, let's just recap what it is first. So what's coming back is the challenges for your class to be able to play through the Mage Tower in your different specs uh, for all the different classes. And there's going to be a renewal of rewards. So the rewards that you're going to get are going to be uh, transmog armor sets for all of the different classes and specs. They're currently... Uh, is sort of they're sort of broken up into like frost death knights, havoc demon hunters, survival hunters, subtly rogues, and arms warriors who do their challenge get this set of gear kind of thing. That's how they're kind of doing it, um, as opposed to like, hey, you get a different set of gear for all of the different specs that you might play. They're not doing that. They're doing a set of gear for each challenge that exists, uh, and we have a total of seven different challenges. So that's what you'll see as far as gear sets go. Now. Um, they are doing something different for Guardian Druids. Uh, Guardian Druids having a very particular uh, shapeshift, which is that uh, that large sort of werebear appearance. Uh, they are making a Legion-inspired version of that that is very fell. It has runes carved into it that sort of are leaking fell off of them. Uh, so that is another appearance that's coming back uh, that, that your people are going to be able to earn. We haven't seen anything about cat appearances and whether there's going to be a new cat appearance that they're going to do or any of the other um, different shapeshift forms. So right now, those are the rewards we currently know about. Uh, okay, Jason, so initial impressions of this from you. Um, uh, this, is a, this is a tricky one. I, mm-hmm. I, like you, probably have some mixed feelings about it. Um, I think it's a cool way to honor Legion to bring back a way to revisit the Mage Tower. Um, Legion... As I always say whenever it comes up on the show, was my favorite two years of World of Warcraft ever. I've played every era of the game to some degree or another, some uh, a lot more than others, honestly. But um, 
Yeah, Legion was my favorite. I think it, I think the game really hit its stride there, and um, I think they've been ever since they've been kind of flailing trying to recreate some of that magic. Unfortunately, um, and the Mage Tower was a big part of what made Legion unique, right? Um, now they told us repeatedly at the time that once Legion is over, the Mage Tower is closing permanently. These rewards, these artifact web appearances, are going away. They are exclusive to this thing, so you better do it now. And, you know, they, I, I feel like they've honored the spirit of that. I, I feel like that promise has been upheld. Um, what was cool about the Mage Tower was not the content itself. Like, I, I will be honest with you, by the time Legion was over and I had gotten what I considered to be the slate of Mage Tower appearances that I cared about, I was happy to never see that content again. <laughs> like, right. I don't really think the Mage Tower challenges themselves were particularly fun. They were hard, man. They were, like, when they came out, they were it was for only the best of the best could approach this. And then as time went on and we geared up and artifacts got more powerful, you know, the, the, that stuff was locked to 7.2 tuning. It didn't get harder as the expansion went on. So eventually, if you put the time in and you practiced and you were patient, you, you could get it. But I think it took me 16 hours to do the resto one the first week that it was out. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like it, yeah, yeah. That's just you know that that's the level that it was at when it first came out. But yeah. by by the end of like seven three five, you know you could you could pick up a spec that you weren't too familiar with, and if you kind of knew the challenge, you could knock it out in you know half an hour or something. Um, I suspect that this will be tuned pretty favorably. You know, I, I mean. Part of the thing about the Mage Tower challenges at the time was that they were tuned like, like just razor sharp, and you had to use every element of your kit. So, some classes, like you had to talent into weird choices because you just needed another stun or interrupt, or you know you needed to do something to the to the encounter that wasn't part of your bread and butter. So you had to really think outside the box in order to solve it and succeed, which was cool. But they're not going to be able to do that anymore. Like. We don't have the same abilities that we had when the Mage Tower was out. You know, we don't have our artifact ability. Talents and, and baseline spells and stuff work differently than they did. So it's not going to be like a total, like, rework. I, I, I'm expecting it to be a lot easier, I guess is what I'm saying, than the way Mage Tower challenges were in Legion. Yeah. Um, I think the reward, you know, doing, doing obviously you have to have some kind of reward for it, right? Because nobody's going to do it just because they love doing the shower scenarios that much. Or maybe maybe a few people will, but it doesn't justify the work to bring the mode back to life, right? You have to you have to have that carrot that's going to make people want to queue up for it. Um, I think the, the Fell Werebear is really cool. It, it's cool enough, like, I want to do it on my Guardian Druid to unlock yet another appearance for it. Like, it's just unique. It has a cool flavor. It honors Legion in a cool way. But if you see somebody wearing the the werebear appearance and it looks like that, then you know that that's where it's from, right? And the the other ones, the ones that look more like regular animals, you know where they came from. They they definitely have their own personality. So I think that's a cool inclusion, and it's a cool reason for people that have experience with it to revisit it. The tier twenty recolors, man, I'm not. I'm not thrilled with them. Like I could, I could really take or leave them. Some of them look cool. Some of them look way worse than appearances you could just go get right now. In my opinion, I mean this is subjective, so I'm not, I'm not the final word on what looks good or bad on armor. But to me, it's like a lot of these. I would rather just go get some marks of honor and go to the PVP vendor and buy the PVP recolor if I really need that set right now. You know, um, in a lot of cases, to me, they're just the least attractive of the of the recolors that already exist. So. 
I think, yeah, overall, I think it was worth doing. Um, it's cool that it's coming back in, in some fashion so people can check it out if they missed out. Um, I'm really glad they're preserving the integrity of the system and that people aren't going to be earning the flails and, you know, the shapeshift appearances that were in there and some of those other unique items. I, you know, I caught heat for it at the time because I liked the fact that that stuff was staying unique and that it was staying a thing you had to earn at the time. And I still feel that way. I, I think there's value in this game and having prestige rewards and having time limited stuff and, and, you know, having things that influence people to think outside the box a bit, play a bit differently and dedicate themselves to a goal and to, to earning a cool reward. And then to be able to carry that reward forward forever. I like that element of it. So like for me as, as a player, you know, time walking mage tower is not, it's not that big of a deal. Like I'll, I'll do, I'll check it out. I'll do it to try to get the, you know, the new bear, and other than that, like, I don't think it's going to be part of my, you know, part of my time walking week routine where it's like, oh, got to, got to get out to Mage Tower and do some challenges. They're adding the mount, I guess, if you, if you do all seven challenges, you get a spell tome mount, which is kind of cool, but also just not really aesthetically my, it's not in my wheelhouse. Like, I don't really think a, you know, warrior looks cool riding around on a book. <laughs> you know, it's just not that. So to me, that stuff is not motivated to be like, okay, let me go revisit the system that I was ready to move on from as a player. Right. Um, but, I, I mean, it adds a lot of value to the game. You know, it, it does. And it, it's something that people are excited about. Some people are mad that they can't get the, the artifact appearances, to which I say you shouldn't be able to. You just shouldn't be able to. Those artifact appearances were for when you had an artifact weapon and you were playing Legion, and if you didn't get them, then they're gone. And I I think that that's fair. It was communicated. You know, they buffed you so much with Concordance and Legion Fall and everything that it was doable. Um, what, What I say to those people is keep your eyes open for the next time something like this, which, by the way, is is going to happen, comes around and be sure you get in on it because if you feel like you missed out on that one, don't miss out on the next one because that's, right. it's, it's, it's been consistent. Like when challenge modes first entered into the game back in the day, I got all of my Pandaria, you know, transmog stuff that I wanted to get done for my character. And when it happened inside Warlords, I didn't get the weapons and I permanently regret, regret not putting the time and effort into unlocking those challenge mode weapons. Some of them are really cool and mm-hmm. they're never going to be accessible again. So, yeah, I was like, oh, shoot, I missed out on that. When Mage Tower came around, I wanted to be sure I wasn't feeling that again. So I pushed through on so many different classes to try and get the appearances I wanted to get. So I, I would just, you know, to, to people who feel like, oh, man, I, I really want to want to use that appearance, or I really like that appearance, why can't I get it anymore? Just don't miss out on the next one. Like, like certainly see it coming. You'll be listening to the show, yeah. hopefully, and we're going to let you know when those things are coming up. And like Jason said, they get easier and easier and easier to achieve as time goes on. So, you know, you at a certain point, Blizzard's just saying, hey, if you're willing to play the game for a few days, you'll get this, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, let, lest I be accused of being an elitist, which wouldn't be the first time, maybe isn't totally incorrect, I was, but, like, I got so many Mage Tower appearances for specs that I do not know how to play. Yeah, because, or, I, or I haven't played since. Yeah, yeah, because it was late in the expansion, I had high item level, it was easy to get high item level, it was easy to get legendaries, mm-hmm. so I would go get the items that I needed, or, you know, get get beyond whatever power threshold I needed. I'd look at an Icy Veins guide and, like, how a spec kind of worked and then, like, how to do the challenge with yep. the talents to take or whatever. And then i go do it. I don't play Red Paladin, but I got that appearance, you know? I don't play 
I don't play Death Knight at all, but I got all three Death Knight appearances because I went and just I I just looked it up and I I practiced and I was persistent and the game helped me out because it it buffed my characters to the moon with the concordance thing. So it's not like I'm some amazing World of Warcraft player and I deserve to have this cool stuff because I'm so good at the game. Like, that is not why I have all of these appearances, right? Like, I got the Prot Warrior one pretty early, but I think it was still, like, 725 or something. I think I needed two Mr. Garrett's gear before I could do that one. And all the other ones I got in 735, I got them all at the end because it was just like, okay, it's time to do this now. It's super easy. I just have to put the time in practice and not get frustrated. And, um... Yeah, I, I don't know. Blizzard was very clear in the messaging that these things weren't coming back. So I, I, I don't, I don't think the fact that the rewards are different should be controversial. Um, I do think there is. I this does fall into the category for me, like um, Legion Mythic Plus with time walking. That having this stuff only accessible once every like four months when a time walking event rolls around is just not enough. I think. If you want to keep the time-walking dungeon rotation, so, like, you can't just queue into the time-walking dungeons whenever you want, fine. Keep that on a schedule. Maybe make it weekly. We have enough dungeons in the pool, uh, enough expansions in the pool now that maybe it could just be a weekly thing, so we're, we always have one up. But make the Mythic Plus keystones and make Mage Tower just available. Just make them part of the game. Yeah. I, I think they enhance the game, and I, I don't think that having them always available detracts anything from the game. I I, I can understand having the, you know, dungeon queue for time-walking dungeons and even the um, the raids be on this, you know, sometimes treat kind of schedule because it makes it more special. There's more of a reason to do it. It also, when it comes to something like time-walking, it's like if time-walking is always available, why wouldn't you just do this instead of current content? It's easier. Everything scales. You know, you're getting all these other benefits and badges and stuff alongside of it. You know, there's no reason to – it sort of it sort of pushes Heroic queue off the table if it's if, – if, you know, it's always available. But, I you know, there's no – there's nothing comparable to Mage Tower. There's no other content in the game like it that you, you should be doing instead. And the key – having more keystones in the pool, I think, just enhances the experience for everybody. More variety just tends to be more fun. Yeah. So I, I want to go over my impression of this uh, announcement. Uh, before I dive into time-walking stuff, because I also want to talk about time-walking stuff. Um, as far as uh, Mage Tower goes, when I saw this, I was like, oh, Mage Tower. Oh, it's still not a new Mage Tower, because we all told everyone, told Blizzard back in Legion, we love this, do this again. And then they didn't do it in BFA when we were hoping they would, and then they're not doing it in Shadowlands where we're hoping that they would. Instead, we're getting a time-walking version of the one that already exists. Which I think is unfortunate because it's a very interesting chunk of, of uh, content that people really enjoy. And yes, there's a lot of art involved in it. There's a lot of storytelling involved in it. There's a lot of design uh, involved in, in creating a mage tower. But I would definitely take another mage tower over an expanded questing zone. Like that, that if that's what I'm looking at missing out on. When they were talking about doing the warlock quest chain. Uh, to get green fire, they were like that. Basically, went in instead of doing another questing zone. Um, that that was the the decision they made as far as creating the content went. I would be fine giving up another questing zone to get mage tower. Like that wouldn't bother me in the least if that's what it meant. Um, so I, I want them to dedicate the time into doing this type of challenge stuff. I want it to be every expansion that we get something similar to this, and I want it to be the way Jason talked about expansion lock prestige rewards. 
where, hey, you want to do the Mage Tower thing, if you want to get these appearances that are only available during this expansion, you have two years to get them, and if you don't get them in that window, then you have to get the next ones, which will be different ones inside the next expansion with a different challenge. I think that'd be great, uh, and I, I really wish that they would lean that way. So my initial impression when I saw this was, shoot, this isn't something new. This is the old challenges. My, my second impression was, man, those old challenges were really hard. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to going back and doing some of them again, which I will want to do, because uh, I want to get the achievements and I want to get the, you know, fill in all of the UI elements for transmogs and whatnot. Um, and I'll certainly get the werebear one, because I, I have all the, the werebears at the moment, so I want to continue that going. Uh, but I, I, I do appreciate that they put in new rewards. If they put in the old rewards, I would have been very upset at me losing the prestige that I, I, I really enjoyed earning. I put so much time and effort into earning those things that I, I'm glad they're not just coming back as a, anyone can just go and do it whenever they want. When I was time crunched to get it done and didn't actually get, I didn't get every appearance for every, you know, character in class. I got, I, I had to actually look at the rewards and go, which ones am I picking and choosing to dedicate time towards getting because I only have this finite window of time that I have in my life to spend doing this. And so I only got, I think I got like 21 or something appearances or 28 appearances or something like that um, overall for the different specs and classes. But, you know, as Jason said, I got the ones for every single rogue spec because I really wanted the rapiers. And then while I had a rogue who was geared, I might as well do the other challenges as well for the other specs. And uh, I've, I've never played a rogue since. I've never played a rogue before then. It was just a, hey, I'm going to level up a rogue. I'm going to put the effort into doing the quest chains and getting the legendaries. I'm going to put the effort into learning how to play these specs well enough to be able to do the challenges. And I'm going to get the challenges done to get the, the cosmetics in case someday, somewhere down the line, I do want to play a rogue. I want to have these things because they're, they're that cool to me. Um, so I, I'm glad that they did not bring back the old rewards. I'm a little fussed that they did a werebear because I kind of wish they did something new and different as opposed to going, hey, we're going to take the brown werebear that people earned and then just add fell symbols onto it. Uh, that was a little disappointing. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, that's what they're choosing to do. I just have to sort of get over that and, and move on from it. Um, the cell phone mount's cool. I, you know, more mounts is fun. More UI elements to fill, more collection, collectible items to get. I'm going to have a good time doing it. Works for me. I'll get the spell mount. That's that's fun. My, my mage characters, when I play them, and my priest characters, and maybe my paladin characters will enjoy riding around on a spell. That's, that's kind of cool. Spellbook. Time walking. Because you touched on this, and we touched on this a little while back. I want the ability to have time walking up all of the time and go and talk to Chromie and have Chromie set me in whatever time walking period I want to be in. So if I want to be able to queue for Legion time walking, I go and I talk to Chromie, I choose Legion time walking, and it makes my um, ability to random queue into dungeons set to Legion as the one that I can choose, as opposed to being able to choose from a giant list of them, which I think is not the cleanest way to do it, and being able to just walk into whatever rate I want on, under time walking difficulty, uh, which might be, quote-unquote, the easiest, simplest way to do it, I get that you need some sort of lore slash story to make that work. And I feel like Chromie is your ultimate solution. Uh, Chromie could be the person who you just go up to, talk to, set the time walking that you want to be in, and that just sets, you know, you into that time walking week. And you're able to then queue up with whoever you want to queue up with and get the achievements you want to get and get the cosmetics you want to get 
and do what you want to do. And if you want to switch to a different one, you go back to Chromium and talk to her and change it to a different one. And I think that would be absolutely fine. So I, that's what that's what I want because I'm I'm with you on I'm glad brawls are now every week. Let's get time walking every week. Let's have that every week and let's let you choose which one you want to be in. If you want to level characters through time walking, it would be pretty rad to be able to just pick which time walking you want to level the character in. I think that's pretty cool. So let's let's get that done any any way. And this is this is I guess the the biggest flaw in my opinion with World of Warcraft. The largest flaw with World of Warcraft that exists in this game is the fact that every time we move from expansion to expansion, the previous content phases out. It stops being relevant to your current characters. Any way that those dungeons, those raids, those zones, those quests can remain relevant for a player going forward, to me, is just massive net gain on content in the game. So if you are capable of making it so that the dungeons and raids for our previous expansions remain relevant on a weekly basis, please make that happen. Like, if I can go and talk to Chromie and make that, that content relevant for my character again, please let me let that happen. Because there's so much cool stuff and cool world that exists in this game, and it's, there's no current way to take advantage of it, or there just isn't, isn't a way uh, for it to, to remain relevant for your main character outside of these time-walking weeks that sometimes peek around, and the recent leveling changes that I think were incredibly good. The fact that you can actually level in whatever zone you want, in whatever expansion you want, to me is fantastic. That was a huge positive direction change. Keep those changes coming. Move more content in this direction because it's just really good for the game. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with that. I, I do think there is some wisdom into keeping things like an event Right, like time walking is different than the normal game. There's some differentiation between the loot, uh, stuff like that. Uh, because I think of a game like um, Destiny 2 that I've invested uh, quite a bit of time in over the years, and sometimes they just bring stuff back, and an old dungeon is now in the pool with, they call them strikes, it's in the pool with the current stuff, and it and it all drops the same kind of stuff, and, you know, it, the loot all works the same way. It's a little bit jarring, I think, to have it just all in one in one pool, so but WoW's not set up like that, and it's set up to be able to kind of differentiate stuff and break it up and make it feel unique, make it feel like its own kind of pocket, and um, yeah, I, I, I would love to see more of that. I mean, we're just going to keep having these issues, right? Like, BFA time walking's going to come in, in the next expansion, and the expansion after that, Shadowlands time walking's going to come in, right? Like, that's the, the long-term plan anyway, and so then it gets really strange, because now, you know, you're adding... We're already at a spot where, like, yeah, we have we have Cataclysm time walking this week, right? We just talked about yeah. it. We haven't seen it since, like, May, yeah. and it's mid-September, late September. So now you're going to add, you know, potentially two, three more events in there, and they're all going to be spaced out at least two weeks apart, and yeah. now it's, you know, you're going to see a time walking twice a year. Like, I I just, I don't think that that works anymore. It, I think it made sense when the weekly event thing came in, and there was only a couple expansions in the pool, and... You know, you want to space stuff out and have more variety uh, that way in terms of the events. But now it's like, okay, we we just, we have we have taken the we've blown up the events concept way too big to just have one thing every week. It's just, and I, I don't think there's really any benefit to the game. I, I think keeping the game exciting and vibrant is is the benefit from having these many options, you know, at your disposal. Yeah. All right, let's talk a bit about Modern WoW as far as changes that came into the game this week for people to be caught up. Uh, I was correct in my assumption last week that the you know Hall of Fame would fill. It did. 
So teams who defeated Sylvanas on Mythic Difficulty, congratulations to you on making it in the Hall of Fame. And then obviously that means that cross-realm groups are opening up for Mythic Difficulty. So if you're someone who wants to start cross-realm raiding, which is something I could do with Jason, for example, since we're not on the same realm, uh, that is something that is now available. So that's kind of cool. As far as the raid itself goes, uh, we saw some boss changes come in. It looks like Blizzard was waiting with bated breath for the Hall of Fame to close to implement some of these things. Uh, as far as Painsmith Rasmal goes, they reduced the distance between four spike gaps during Stage 2 on Mythic Difficulty. What this basically means is you won't have a far left, far right gap during that intermission. Uh, they're making it so that these gaps are much more friendly for moving between them, which makes this much easier to get from one location to the other without having a whole bunch of movement speeds necessary. So it's a little bit more consistent uh, that you'll be able to make it through that phase. They have also made the Shadow Steel Chains periodic damage uh, reduction reduced by 15% on Mythic to sort of make this a little bit easier to keep people alive while all of the mine damage is going off and they're taking tickets, taking damage from Shadow Steel Chains, which makes Rasnal an easier fight to do, which is good. When it comes to Fatescribe Rokalo, uh, they updated the rune locations to be more consistent with a clockwise rotation uh, with slightly less demand, uh, slightly less demanding with counterclockwise rotations on normal and heroic. This basically means more often than not, you will 100% of, well, you will be able to uh, go and stand on a rune and rotate it clockwise and not need a second person to rotate it counterclockwise. When the rune spawn, just it, as the ring starts spinning, just run to the middle of the room and get on a rune the moment they stop, because it means you'll have plenty of time to get all the way around. And to make sure that that happens, they also increase the uh, the time at which you have to move the runes into place by 10 seconds on Raid fi Finder, 10 seconds on Normal, and 5 seconds on Heroic. So you have that extra time to realign the fate as well. The amount of wipes that have happened with, you know, two seconds left or three seconds left on moving a rune into location, that will now help with all of those wipes, uh, which is going to be really good. Yeah, this is a great change. I've actually had wipes, you know, because I needed five more seconds on a rune. So uh, this helps a lot. I mean, this fight is, you know, like, it's very ambitious from a design standpoint. And, um, yeah, it, it we I've certainly been burned by it, you know, by stuff just not working right not feeling like it's responding the way it should be. I'm glad they're still taking a look at responsiveness on this fight. I'm hoping that maybe this is the one where it's going to be like, okay, 100% of the time the raid agrees that the runes and the rings are doing what they think they should be doing because we're not quite there yet. It's been better since the last uh, round of changes for sure. But, um, it's, it's you know, it's a hectic part of the fight. It's really nerve-wracking. And when you think you're doing the right thing and the game doesn't agree, it's super frustrating. So, yeah, you know, ho hoping that this feels like the way it should. Yeah. Uh, as far as Kel'Thuzad goes, we saw health nerf to Kel'Thuzad, to the remnant of Kel'Thuzad, to the Unstoppable Domination, to the Soul Reavers, to the uh, um, and the, the Ice Shards as well is, is something that we saw some changes happen to. So not only was there just health reductions across the board, the damage reduction of Frozen Destruction's initial damage was reduced by 40%, and the Frozen Destruction's damage over time effect uh, has been reduced by 10%, and the duration reduced to 8 seconds from 10 seconds. This is all on Mythic difficulty. Um, and they fixed an issue where Kalthazad would cast his abilities during Howling Blizzard on Mythic difficulty. And Howling Blizzard now inflicts stacking damage over the duration of the channel on Mythic difficulty. So they did a whole bunch of changes to Kalthazad. And what they basically were saying is, 
we, 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 they've heard our feedback, all right? They've heard the, the community say, this boss isn't fun because people are always basically holding DPS to let all their cooldowns come back up. So that the next phase when, you know, either people go downstairs to DPS the uh, remnant or when people are upstairs, they have all their cooldowns and then they hold DPS again and they burn the boss and they hold DPS and they wait for the cooldowns and they this just, you just, it makes the fight long and it makes the fight boring and it makes the fight just not fun. So they tried a whole bunch of things, including, and I love this, that they tried this. They explored ways of changing the encounter so that waiting for cooldowns to come back up wasn't a thing, including refreshing your cooldowns between phases, where, like, basically when you transitioned from one phase to another, all your three minutes just came off cooldown automatically. Um, yeah, apparently that made some classes substantially stronger than other ones, which meant that people would probably favor bringing those classes to this encounter all of the time. They just guaranteed they would destroy it as fast as possible or progress through it as fast as possible. So they didn't go with that one. But these other changes that I listed above, as far as the health changes and the damage changes, uh, their thinking will make this less necessary for people to hold cooldowns, which means that they're then able to, uh, to to push through the encounter faster. I'll say right off the bat that reducing the remnant's health by 20% on Mythic difficulty, I mean, you're sending five people down. So now you send one less person downstairs if you want to keep that timing anywhere near similar. And if you don't, if you feel like you just want to push through that quickly and get back upstairs, they've also reduced the health on the Unstoppable Abominations and the Soul Reavers by 20%, which means the ads upstairs will die faster. So that whole phase of going downstairs and coming back upstairs should just be 20% faster right off the bat. Um, and if you're, you know, thinking about what, that, what effect that's going to have on raid teams, yes, there is going to be a certain amount of relearning that happens because timing is important. If you're killing the remnant downstairs too fast and come back upstairs, it means you cannot interrupt the ads upstairs. So the ads just wreck people. Um, so you have to actually factor that in. But in general, I'm glad they're looking at Keltazad. I'm glad they made changes to it. And I'm hoping that these make the fight more enjoyable for people. So, you know, let's let's see what happens. Yeah, pretty big changes. I mean, this seems like Blizzard's saying, okay, go kill Kel'Thuzad now. That's what it seems like to me. Um, but, yeah, you know, any any situation where the correct answer is to hold DPS, it feels terrible, and yeah. it becomes, like, the degree of difficulty to execute properly is high because it's hard for people to actually hold off. You know, you're used to that rhythm of a fight, and... You know, oh, maybe if we push a little bit faster, then we don't have to hold on. And, and then that never, you know, not never works, but that blows up in your face sometimes. It, You know, it's nerve-wracking, and it's not fun. It's not, like, fun calculus to have to do of, like, okay, how are we going to, you know, line this stuff up so the fight actually works? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that was a thing I really didn't like about the Nathrius, and um, Nathria was just, you know, you you hit those spots where it's like, okay, you just have to stop pushing your buttons for 15 seconds. Nobody wants to do that. We want to fight. So, yeah, yeah. any changes, I think, that just speed up tempo or reward you for doing more damage is always good on these types of boss fights. Yeah. As far as Sylvanas goes, speaking of fights where you have to hold damage, uh, they reduced the domina Domination Arrow health by 15%, Dark Sentinel's health by 15%, and they made Crypt of Lethargy's base, dur base duration, uh, it was reduced by 4 seconds. So, sorry, it was reduced to 4 seconds, so it was 6 seconds. They took 2 seconds off that. Um, so right off the bat, phase one, substantially easier because all of the arrows should die a lot faster. This is on Mythic again. So all the arrows should die a lot faster. Uh, Dark Sentinels should die a lot faster, which just makes that phase easier for players. Curse of Lethargy being something that really needs to be dispelled quickly. 
Um, now is one of those cases where maybe if you don't have enough dispels or there's range issues or whatever it is, it's only four seconds, it's not six, so it's not quite as punishing to not catch it right away. Um, they also did decrepit orb detonation damage reduced by 10%. So that is the orbs in phase two that you need to DPS down. Uh, so they just made it so that missing one of these isn't as a one-shot, we okay, everyone wipe, just jump off the edge kind of situation. So that's good. If that is 10% is actually the difference maker there, then great. Veil of Darkness radius in Stage 2 is reduced by uh, was reduced to 12 yards from 15. So Veil of Darkness is now easier to dodge those dark circles that appear on the platform in Mythic. And the Banshee's Fury unavoidable damage has been reduced by 15%. So that just makes Banshee's Fury that much easier to survive. Ranger's Heartseeker, Banshee's Heartseeker, and Banshee's Blades reduced by 8%. So it makes your tank stay alive easier. Uh, on Mythic difficulty, and of course they resolved an issue which could cause Ruin to unintentionally fail to inflict damage. They could have left that one in. I'm playing, if, if they were really busy that week and they didn't want Ruin to uh, do damage to people, that's that's fine. I'm, I mean, they could just leave that leave that one not changed. But, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, uh, this is surprising to me for one reason, and that's that they only nerf Mythic. Uh, I think the fact that they were nerfing the Mythic mechanics. Um, is great because it means more teams will be able to knock over Sylvanas, but more importantly, the teams that are farming Sylvanas will find this way less of a slog to go through. Sylvanas drops amazing loot. People want to kill Sylvanas. You need to do it to get the good loot and get the mounts and get all the fun stuff out of there. So if that's something you want to do, then we want to make this easier, and I think that's great. I think it sucks that this only applies to, to Mythic and not Heroic. I think there's a lot of teams out there on Heroic, who want to have the exact same quality of life improvement that they just gave all the teams on Mythic. So let's let's see some heroic nerfs too, please. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who just pushed through this relatively unnerfed heroic fight, I'm ready for it to be nerfed. Yeah. <laughs> With one kill under my belt, it's just, you know, this boss has an absurd amount of health. Uh, you know, and also, the pace of the fight is so strange because she has so much health, and she transitions at strange times, and you know, the, the fight is designed to be, like, 12 minutes long or something. It's just, I, I think that stuff kind of undermines what's cool about the design of the fight because it's not fun to do fights that are this long. I don't think any fight should be longer than, like, eight minutes when you're progging on it, and even that's kind of a stretch. Mm. And I, I think, in general, most of the player base doesn't like these kind of fights. I haven't heard anybody go, oh, but it's so epic. Like, it needs to be this long because it's epic. Like, I have not yeah. heard that from anybody that I play with or anybody I talk uh, about WoW, too. So it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, this fight is definitely in line for nerfs on the other difficulties, too. I would like to see a big pass on on normal and heroic in general. Just bring everything down a good, you know, I don't know, 7 8% in terms of, like, health, you know, or just the time required to, to defeat. Because the raid is it's aging now. You know, it's been out for two and a half months. Hall of Fame is filled. There's no more real prestige to be had, uh, you know, in terms of what the game provides you. So let's just have fun with it. You know, that's the longer the raid's going to live a long time still. We're going to be in this raid till I don't know March, April, and that's conservative. We might be in it a lot longer than that. Um, let's encourage people to keep trying new bosses and, and keep plugging along. And if people are just re-clearing and hanging out, let's make that more fun and time efficient. You know, I, I, we're moving into that into that era of this raid's life cycle. And, um, yeah, it was a little disheartening, you know, to see, oh, because uh, I, I, like you, I expected Sanctum nerfs to come through last night. And I saw the post, and I'm like, well, 
hopefully the fate scribe quality of life is better. Yeah. But other than that, this doesn't affect my team. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready. I, I'm I'm ready to just you know breeze through this place. You know, I because that's what we're going to end up doing. You know, we're going to farming and reclearing this place for a long time. So, yeah, I, I'm ready. Yeah, as far as um, MDI goes, so I mean, actually here, let me. The last thing on Sylvanas I'll just say, because we talked about this a bit at the beginning of the show, is they really need Sylvanas' entire encounter to just be reduced by three minutes. And so, as you said, if health nerfs make that happen, great. If there's anything else they can do that can make that happen, great. Uh, I, I don't really know whether or not there's, like, a way to – you use a portal to skip the chains and go directly to Ouroboros from Phase 1 and just you no longer have a Phase 2 of the fight – whether there's like a hey after you've, oh, defeated, nice. after you've defeated Sylvanas three times, as opposed to Jaina opening a portal to the chains and then Jaina opening a portal from the chains to Oribos, she just opens a portal to Oribos and you just skip phase two. That would be fine. I'd have zero unlock a checkpoint, man. Yeah, yeah you know, you know? I, they've never done anything like that before, but they've never really had a fight quite like Sylvanas before. So I'm okay with them thinking outside the box to just make it more fun to reapproach, you know, on a weekly basis or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, phase two feels like filler and it's obnoxious, sometimes deadly filler. I didn't notice the gap in the bridge, so I'm dead now. You know, yeah. that's not fun. And, you know, the it can be quite punishing with some of the ad overlaps and stuff, And but it doesn't feel like you're actually doing anything. You're not fighting Sylvanas except for, you know, a brief window at the beginning and at the end. So yeah, I I would be I'd be all on board for whatever kind of wacky changes they want to make to this fight, you know, to keep it feeling vital and and if not fun, at least not obnoxious for the next yeah. like four months. Yeah. All right, MDI wise though, season two group B happened this past weekend, uh, so we ended up with Incarnation kicking Echo's butt in the group C finals. Not something I actually saw happening. I actually yeah, how did that happen? That Echo was taken this all the way, so. The fact that uh, basically Incarnation started in the lower bracket, worked their way up into the upper bracket, and then lost to Echo and then won to Echo, I think is pretty cool. <laughs> Good for them. Didn't see yeah, coming. awesome to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at this group, and it's, it's two teams per group advance, right? There's like a last chance tournament, but, you know, if, you, if you're in the top two in a group, then you, you advance to the finals. And you look at this and you're like, okay, well, you got Echo, so just pencil them in and then reload. You know, th these are the teams with the most resources, the most organizational support. Like, you know, chalk it up, move on to the next one. We talk on the show a lot, too, about how it's so stratified in MDI and the best teams are the best teams for a reason and yeah. that there are very rarely surprises. And it, this is a surprise to me, for sure. Yeah. So I'm glad that MDI is, is still – Cool competition, interesting competition to watch. I saw a lot of people who were involved in MDI tweeting this past weekend about how much they enjoy this format and are enjoying, you know, the current meta of the game. Uh, so I'm glad to see the people who are in that scene are enjoying it. Um, I still want this thing back on Twitch. I think their viewership would be massively increased if, if they could get away from all of this YouTube uh, contract stuff that they've been doing. Hopefully that contract is up soon and they don't renew and they go back to Twitch. But I think all of this viewership would be better. It's pretty bizarre to see. Yeah the numbers that are happening on these channels. Um, it's, just, it's, <laughs> yeah. very, it's, like, it's odd to see StarCraft on Twitch pulling in bigger numbers than MDI and Hearthstone. Like, that's just very weird to me. Um, yeah. Because it's not something we've seen for a long time. Yeah, the, I mean, the audience is for, for WoW uh, esports especially, and, you know, even Hearthstone to a degree, is, is kind of niche um, and has not really followed to YouTube. I assume, I mean, none of these details are public, of course, but I assume that you know, Blizzard has a deal with Google for 
their cloud backend and that the, you know, esports exclusivity to YouTube was part of that. So unless they're moving their infrastructure to Amazon, I, I don't see this changing anytime soon for their premier right. uh, esports uh, competitions, which, yeah, I mean, I think it does definitely impact the, um, the reach that this stuff has. But, uh, it, yeah, I think it would be niche either way. But one thing, I mean, uh, the one thing I noticed about these groups is, man, the the meta is, is really dialed in from where it was two groups ago. Um, the, the the amount of, like, holy pally dominance is just uh, shocking, shall we say. Uh, just, you know, the first week we saw at least some representation for some other specs. I mean, we saw a couple others popping in, but it was really just – like the amount with which Holy Pally was was on the map was just locked in. Uh, you know, similarly, there's a ton of Vengeance Demon Hunter and a ton of Subtlety Rogue. Um, one thing I think that was kind of interesting is we've really seen Marks kind of fall off. You know, Marksman Hunter has not been as prevalent as this tournament has moved on. Um, you know, we see a lot of Wind Walker, a lot of Shadow Priest, a lot of Frost Mage. Frost Mage has been kind of ascendant, I think, and maybe that's where, you know, th- that's what teams have been queuing instead of uh, marks. So, um, you know, at the outset, we saw just a lot more variety, I feel like, and it's been it's been dialed down a little bit, which makes sense. I mean, teams have more time to practice. They see what works for other teams and stuff like that. So it's kind of um, inevitable in this kind of format, right? It's going to start wider and a little bit more kind of Wild West in terms of comps and meta choices and then become dialed in as, as the participants have more information. So... Um, you know, kind of inevitable, but I still feel like it's it's better than what we've had in previous years. Part of it is that you can only queue one uh, one spec per map, right? Like you can't triple queue Outlaw Rogue, you know, like stuff like that that we used to see. And um, it's a huge improvement. You know, we, we saw some interesting uh, pocket picks, like Incarnation had this, like, balance druid pocket pick that they used to win the finals with, you know, and nobody else was really running balance that much. So it's just, you know, a comfort a comfort thing, and it really paid dividends for them. That's awesome to see, and I think that's something that in, you know, in previous MDI formats never would have really happened because you just, like, stack up whatever was meta and, and blast away, and you have a little bit more room in this format for players' styles to come out. Yeah, yeah, I'm- I am excited for what potentially could happen uh, with MDI going forward, especially if we're seeing teams like Incarnation start being Echo. The competition's there, so that's pretty cool. All right, with that, let's play Quick Sounder for our patrons, and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons. They contribute a ton to our show and help us to improve on the content we create. Today, I'm going to give a special shout-out to Akookies, Arajian, Bubdews, Bob, Celian, Claiborne, Deacon, Jeff, Caleb, Kapawi, Matt, Nibble the Mighty, Shorl, Trestle, Trey, and Xerxes. Thank you. This sounder is for you. We have to do another new one of those sounders because we have some new patrons this week. Our Patreon is loca- located over at patreon.com slash the starting zone. And thank you to our newest patrons, Viet T and Richard S. Yes, we are coming to the end of September, which means I'm going to be doing up a new patron sounder soon. And Jason, it means that we have our patron call-in episode slash Q&A episode coming up this week. It's going to be happening on Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting that in and hearing what's on our patrons' minds. Absolutely. Welcome, new patrons. Thank you, of course, for the incredible support. And, um, you know, 
new patrons are welcome to participate in our Patreon episodes, just like existing uh, patrons. So and you still have time to get in there if you want to if you want to submit a question or call in uh, this weekend and and you know whatever's on your mind, we can talk about it. Um, always looking forward to seeing. I, I feel like you know we've had so much exciting news uh, over the last few weeks since last one we did because. Last month, we knew that we were getting 915, and then we got, like, the initial kind of data dump right before we recorded, like, a couple days prior. But they've added so much other cool stuff in to the scope of 9.1.5, or at least, I mean, it was there, but we didn't know about it, right? We know about, we know so much more about it now. We've got these cool weekly updates about 915, so um, I'm sure that's tickling people's brains in some ways. And, I mean, also a lot of news about, you know, the ongoing, uh issues at Activision Blizzard that might be on people's minds as well. We got a lot of big news on that front the last week. So, you know, anything like that is fair game or even stuff that has nothing to do with any of this is fair game. So, um, yeah, just uh, patrons, if you want to participate, either be ready to, to get in Discord voice or get your questions in via the Discord or uh, the Patreon page itself or send them into us via email. Yeah. As far as the question this week goes that we want to be asking you guys, uh, I want to know whether or not the Mage Tower is something that you guys think you're going to dive into and participate in. If it's something that got you excited, if it's something you're interested in, if it's something you did back in Legion days and you want to return to it, just let us know about your opinions on this whole Mage Tower thing that's happening. So I think that would be really fun to hear from you all on. So we'll uh, we'll get that announcement out inside Discord and on Twitter. Be sure you're watching there. Uh, but, yeah, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday. Looking forward to hearing from a bunch of patrons. Okay, uh, if you have enjoyed this episode, consider heading on over to your iTunes or Apple podcast and leave us a five-star review. They really help out our show, and we love reading reviews from our listeners, like this one here from Razar1909, entitled, Awesome Show. It says, I recently got back into WoW with the launch of Shadowlands, and it has been a while, as I, just, as I left just before Cataclysm. Oh, wow. You guys have helped me so much with getting back into it, and I look forward to hearing about your weeks. I downed Sylvanas in Normal last week, and I'm looking to move into Heroics. I have a guild, but don't quite meet the time commitment to join their prog team. Do you have any advice to pugging Heroic raids? Thanks for the feedback, and keep up the great work on the show. Razor. Well, first of all, Razor, I thank you very much for the review. We really appreciate reviews. And secondly, I hope that you are 112 years old, because... Most people who put numbers after their names uh, are putting in the date of their birth. So I'm hoping that you're 112 and you just got the back world, to World of Warcraft. WoW player. I know. It'd be incredible. Yeah. I'd be all about this. So if, you, if this is the world's oldest WoW player listening to the show, I'm pumped. I'm excited. This is awesome. Uh, and, yeah, as far as uh, pugging into heroic raids, uh, there's a few different ways to do it. And, and um, it's tricky. You can't really get into uh, selling heroic raids without having cleared heroic raids. That's sort of one of the requirements of getting into a sale group, which is kind of the easiest way to get re-clears of Heroic is joining some of the groups that do sales. Uh, but as far as getting your first clear in Heroic and pugging into it, I, for me, it's Group Finder is a really big way to do that. Um, often, if there's a team on your server, uh, like a, a more experienced team, maybe a Mythic Raid team, sometimes contacting them and saying, hey, if you need an extra body for your Heroic clears this week, I'd love to come along. Uh, that's another way to do that. If you can sort of befriend a, a team that regularly clears Heroic or gets into Heroic. But if you're trying to, like, really progress into Heroic, it's tricky to uh, to find a consistent team that's a, that's a pug team. 
Um, there used to be a lot of websites dedicated to it. They've kind of dwindled off over time. Uh, I'm sure there's some discords out there that do it. Um, I know that uh, if you are part of the Alliance faction, um, Death Jesters and uh, um, uh, Zeros to Heroes are a great team to sort of look at. They often have much more freeform raids that get together once a week and sort of invite anyone from the community uh, to jump in on, and that would be something that you could look at where, like, hey, you know what, I can make Sunday mornings between 10 and 1, so I'm going to join their coffee run group that sort of just it brings anyone in. They do, like, a normal clear, um, or they do, like, some heroic stuff or things like that. Finding one of those larger communities might be your easiest way to sort of pug those raids. Uh, and joining some of those communities. Now, you are currently with a, a guild, it sounds like, but you don't quite meet their, their time uh, commitment for the prog team. So I would, I'm not recommending you leave your current guild, but you can at least reach out to those communities if you're looking for some sort of action like that happening. It's a bit trickier to, to, to sort of pug heroic prog all the way through without having some accolades, if you will, of clearing it previously. Uh, so best of luck with that. But yeah, my, I guess my best recommendation is finding a larger community or just doing it through the group finder. Uh, that's kind of the, the easiest ways to find those those options. Yeah, I would definitely say you might be able to leverage the people in your guild. You know, I mean, there might be people that are interested in raiding outside of the guild schedule, and they have maybe other characters they want to bring or something like that. They want to play alts. They want to kind of reprog on an alt. Um, you might be able to get some interest, and that's a, a way to, you know, kind of build some camaraderie with your guild and stuff, that could be a great avenue if you haven't explored that yet. I mean, if there is an interest within the guild, then, you know, there, there, you may already know that and are just leaving that out of the equation, but it could be possible. You know, hey, would anybody be interested in doing an off-night, you know, heroic, reprog, we get as far as we get, whatever. Um, another thing you could try doing is running your own pugs, you know, you and just kind of be upfront about what you're looking for and your expectations, because your expectations are going to be, we're going to figure this out, and, you know, we'll get as far as we get, and it's, it's a learning process. And, you know, if you go to uh, various uh, places where you can find other WoW players, you might be able to find some interest that way, too. If people in your guild aren't interested, people on your server aren't interested, um, you just take the reins and run it yourself. I, I used to do that a lot, and um, I mean, it was a different landscape. But uh, in Wrath of Lich King, I used to run pugs a lot for weekly stuff like Vault of Archivon and whatever. I wasn't in a raiding guild that was, you know, had any kind of consistent schedule. And uh, a buddy of mine would run weekly ICC pugs, so I would go with, with his ICC pug, and then I'd, I'd put pugs together on my server for Vault of Archivon. So sometimes running it yourself is a really good option. You get to, you know, you can make friends that way. You kind of have control over the schedule and the situation. I mean, the pug scene is a lot different these days, and it's a it, you know this is a particular low point I think for player interest in World of Warcraft. I don't suspect it's going to be like this forever, but right now you know your options are kind of limited, so it may it, it may be hard to just straight up pug into something or start a successful pug that you can fill to the point where you could kill a couple bosses. So yeah, you might have to look at you know bigger established communities that you know, run run groups and run kind of a more laid-back type of situation just to get your feet wet. Um, you know, timing's a little bit bad on, on this one, unfortunately, but, um, you know, it, it won't always be that way, but the pug scene is, is it's different than what you remember from Cataclysm. I'll put it that way. Like, it's it's not what it was 
10, 12, 13 years ago. It, the game doesn't work that way anymore because of LFR and because of all the difficulty stratification. You have a lot of ways to get rewards that are good enough. If your goal isn't raid progression, if your goal is just I want character power, it's no longer locked behind raids the way it was in Wrath and in Cataclysm. So also, if people want to see the raid content, there's way lower barriers with LFR and stuff. So, you know, it's a, very, it's, more, it's a more particular kind of player that you're looking for to get involved with, and it's tougher than it used to be. It's not, it's not the same thing that it was. Yeah, it's, it, and I would reiterate that with Jason's, what Jason said of, if what you're looking for is character power, if you're looking to power up, I would almost dive a little bit more into the Mythic Plus team, which is a bit easier to find people to group with, and you'll gear up very quickly. Um, through doing through earning valor and through upgrading those valor items uh, and getting those those M plus pieces and getting your weekly cash, yeah, it's much easier to gain raid like mythic raid level gear than it was back when you were playing the game before when you're only 100 years old. So it's it's one of those cases where you know in the past 12 years things have come pretty far and I uh, I would I would encourage you to to check out the M plus scene if if what you're going for is character power. There's discords dedicated to it that, you know, regularly run keys all the time. The, the pugging scene for M+, isn't terrible. It's something you can you can get into and start building with. You'll have to start on lower keys and work your way up to higher keys and get your rating up and that kind of stuff. But that can almost be kind of a fun journey to get into because you meet a lot of people. And if you meet people you like, you can then start building more of a regular team and try to organize a time that does work for you just to get those you know, that, that group of five people together to play with. Because that's easier to organize than an entire raid when it comes to heroic raiding. So, you'll, you know, I, I would encourage you to explore that scene if that's something you're looking for, for sure. All right, as far as this episode goes, we're going to wrap up episode 477 of The Starting Zone. If you want to check out notes for this episode, you can find them over at thestartingzone.com, the official website for The Starting Zone podcast. If you want to contact the show and leave us your feedback or ask a question, you can email us at thestartingzone at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter. And if you want to get your hands on some TSD gear, you can find that over at tpublic, that's teepublic.com, slash stores, slash the starting zone. And you can check out all the sweet designs. We have in mugs and shirts and stickers, and they often do sales, and there is a big sale coming up. So if you're someone who's thinking about buying some TSD swag, have a look at the store and, and check in about when sales are happening. I don't know when it's happening exactly, but uh, it uh, it is happening soon. Um, as far as our Discord goes, you can just go to thestartingzone.com slash Discord, and there's a link there that will take you to our Discord. If you want to jump in there and ask us more questions or participate more in the community, feel free to hop in there. All right, folks, with that, Jason, where can folks find you on the Internet? The best place to find me, as always, is over on Twitter. You can find me over there at Shieldwald, always talking whatever I'm doing in and around WoW and other stuff, so come say hi. And if you're trying to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Spencer underscore Downey or over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash SpencerHD. And with that, for Jason and myself, we want to say thanks for listening and jobs done.
listening to The Starting Zone. This is The Starting Zone's live call-in show, where we hear questions from you, our patrons. And now, here are your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to The Starting Zone, the podcast of the world of Warcraft and the people who play it. Today is September 24th. Oh my goodness. Just keeps time keeps rolling on. And my name is Spencer Downey. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host Jason Lucas. Jason, how are you doing on this fine Friday night? Oh, uh, Spencer, hello. Didn't we just do the August one of these? Where does this all go, it man? It goes fast. Uh, <laughs> here we are yeah. uh, already doing the September one. Um, and yeah, this is uh, our, our bonus up for the month. And thank you, patrons, for making that happen. Um, so we have a bunch of write-ins and stuff, and uh, we, we had an outgoing question this, this month, of course, uh, which is, uh, you know, we want to know people's thoughts on the return of the Mage Tower in 915. We know it's coming back in a time-walking feature, and you and I kind of spoke about this at length on uh, the last uh, regular episode, but maybe we should just kind of recap, just put our thoughts in a nutshell real quick before we uh, bring the patrons in. Yeah, sure. So how do we feel about the return of the Mage Tower in 915. Uh, I was hesitant in the sense that I, I love the idea that we're getting the Mage Tower back. I really enjoyed the Mage Tower. Um, and I guess hesitant is probably the word. I was split. I was split on this decision. Uh, because the Mage Tower is fantastic. It's, it's a wonderful challenge. It's a great piece of content. It's a huge piece of content for a lot of different classes. We're getting new transmogs, which is going to be really exciting to dive into and, and earn. We got that new bear form with the, the fell additions to it. Um, so that part of it's all very exciting. The part of it to me that doesn't land well is the fact that uh, we're not getting a new mage tower. We're getting the Legion one, and we were sort of promised slash told that they understood that the player base really liked the mage tower from Legion, and they wanted to do it again. And we didn't get one in BFA, and then we haven't gotten one in Shadowlands. We're just getting the Legion one again, which is a little disappointing because I, I want a new mage tower with new challenges um, and new lore dives and new storyline dives that they can do with that kind of content. So that part's a little disappointing to me. The other part that's disappointing to me is uh, as, as cool as the new fell bear form is, I, I wish that they had done a new bear form, not not just taken the wear bear form and added fell glyphs onto it. I wish that it had been a totally new and unique thing. Um, I, I really love the unique appearances uh, that came out of the Mage Tower, and I put a lot of time into earning them, and it feels a little cheapened to just go, here's the same bear that you earned previously, but we just drew on it a bit with some fell glyphs. And you're like, oh, well, that sort of makes my other bear feel a little bit less special. I'm going to earn this one, but, you know, that's that's less cool to me. I, I mean, it'll still be special. I still have, like... I still am proud of my original Amani uh, Warbear, you know, coloration versus the new coloration that came out. There's something special about that. So, like, that exists. It's just I wish they innovated a bit more on that that uh, particular facet of it. Yeah, and for me, um, you know, I think it's, it's a cool tribute to Legion. It's a cool uh, inclusion in the time-walking holiday for Legion. Um, uh, personally, I'm not really stoked to revisit the Mage Tower challenges, like, uh, they were cool because they were so uh, delicately tuned. Like, they were so hard when they came out. Yeah. And they were kind of soft-nerfed over the course of Legion. So, like, it was sort of a badge of honor. Like, the earlier in the expansion you got the various appearances, right? But by the end, they were pretty approachable if you were keeping up with other, you know, character power systems. 
uh, like, if I never do that tank challenge again, for as long as I live, I'll be happy. <laughs> Although, you, you know, know I do want to do it again. Yeah, I want to do it again to get the, the bear thing. I am glad that there are unique rewards that are not the artifact appearances for this. Um, I do think most of the recolors for the sets that they're doing are not very appealing compared to what's already available in the game. So, um, I don't know. I, I mean, it could be an opportunity, you know, to add other rewards at some other point in time. Like, maybe this is just the first round and they could add other stuff some other time. Um, I do think limiting it to whenever Legion time walking is available after the, you know, initial two-week kind of honeymoon is also, it's just not going to be good enough. I, I think, you know, it would enhance the game more to have it available more often. But... um it's one of those things where I'm I'm glad for people who are excited about it and either excited to have it back and have new reasons to approach it or people who missed out on it and want to see what people were talking about and see how the challenges worked and get something for their trouble. That's awesome. Um, it's I, I feel like it's a feature that's not really aimed squarely at me because I got my money's worth out of the Mage Tower in 2017 and 2018. And... Um, yeah, I'm just I'm not I'm not real eager to revisit it, but it's it's sort of like how could you how could you not if it's possible to do it how could you not do this for Legion time walking you know? Yeah, I mean I, I guess the the similar feeling I have this time around is when we jumped into Legion and we were doing our class order halls. Uh, one of the things I I figured out really quickly is that the class order hall armor for druids was a reskin of the challenge dungeon challenge mode armor from Pandaria and I was upset mm -hmm. to say the least that I was like oh this incredibly hard to get you know thing that was expansion specific etc is something that they're just giving away for just doing the legion campaign you can just buy this out now there's certain graphical effects that aren't tied to it and it's a different color but, yeah, it's you know, got remodeled. It was, it was less impressive looking. It was, you know, the same vein, basically. It was, it was the LFR version of the challenge, you know, of, of the <laughs> mythic armor, right? Like, if, if we want to take yeah. ancient examples, that's really I mean, for me, as somebody who didn't have those, because I really hated challenge mode and those expansions, yeah. I didn't want to do it. So, like, after I di dipped the toe, I was like, I'm not pursuing this. I, this reward is not worth it to me. Like, so I didn't have that armor. And then the the order hall version of it, I was like, oh, this is just a crappy looking version of the actual challenge mode armor. I don't want to wear this. <laughs> it's the, it's the, you know, it's the Spider Man pajamas of the yeah, yeah exactly yeah. That's that's what it's like, you know. <laughs> to me, it's like, nah, this isn't cool. This isn't what I really want. Like that, the the warrior set they did was amazing, but yeah. I I didn't the content didn't appeal to me, and it wasn't to me it wasn't worth pushing through stuff I didn't want to do to get a set of armor. Right. I get you. I get you. I just said that I've, I had a similar feeling going this time around, seeing the bear form uh, come out. I was just like, oh, oh, oh all right, fine. I'm going to go with another one. That's cool. Although this one to me debatably is more impressive because the glyphs are going to be really cool. But It does look really neat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think it's good. The bear is okay, I think, because, uh, well, I think it would have been a really big ask to do like a totally unique model and rig for some a reward like for this system. Um and yeah, I mean, you'll see a lot of people running around, you know, and in the uh, the fell bear thing. But you know, the, there'll be some cachet with the other the color schemes on on the wear bear because, I mean, hopefully they never come back, you know. And I'm, I'm I'd be okay with them doing recolors of the artifact appearances or whatever down the line. Just something to differentiate it. Like, okay, th these are the ones from this point in time, right? This is a snapshot. These are the people that did 
the legit Mage Tower the way it was intended. Yeah. As long as they keep those that separate, even if they bring back recolors or whatever, then I, I'm happy with that. I think it's cool. It's always good to have stuff for people to chase and aspire to earn in the game. But the other part of that, too, is to always have – you know, stuff that's tied to a moment in time that you want some urgency behind because you want people to participate, play together, you know, just do the thing that WoW is, right, to get that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. If they ever expanded the, the rewards or whatever and they brought back the flails or whatever and, and just, you know, give them a different look, give them a different color scheme to market as a particular point in time, then I, yeah, I wouldn't be too upset about that, but... Leave leave the original Legion rewards the way that they were and don't bring them back. Fair enough. So this question from Desemi says, a question for the Q&A in September. Let's say Blizzard could craft a good survey to capture player feedback. Do you think after a new patch is launched, a survey sent to, sent to the player base about what they did and didn't like it in the previous patch would help inform the dev team better than the current system they have? Raw data slash numbers can only provide so much feedback. I'm just curious if a well-crafted survey, one per Battle.net account, might be a better way. The only reason I ask this is how you've seen software release, release evaluations where I work and, oh, sorry, the only reason I ask this is this is how we've seen software release evaluations where I work, and granted, we don't have access to the usage data like Blizzard does for WoW, so maybe it's just a different way of getting the same input in the end. Um, so they do do surveys uh, with with betas for uh, Blizzard stuff. I've definitely received a, hey, do you have any feedback you want to send into a survey uh, after doing after participating in a Blizzard beta for a game. Um, but they also have the forums, I guess, is another free flow kind of place where people can go to. I think my biggest issue uh, with surveys in general is typically when I get them, I'm like, okay, I'll put that on my to-do list. And then it's whether or not I actually get around to ever doing that item on my to-do list. Uh, so I, I don't know whether or not surveys in general would be particularly the best way to receive feedback versus something like the forums that they have of people just going out and posting when they are motivated to go out and post when something goes wrong. I know that we are in a creator discord, and inside that creator discord there's feedback channels, and those ones are almost constantly flowing with feedback, so much so that I almost wonder whether or not the people who are responsible for monitoring these, those channels can actually keep up with the amount of feedback that they receive in them. Um, so I, I do feel like forums is an easier way because things tend to not get lost as easily and forced up the screen. You don't have, you know, 300 new messages inside of a channel that you're trying to work your way through while new messages are being posted. Um, so I, I feel like the forums are a pretty good tool for that. Uh, I, I do think that Blizzard needs to, in my opinion, have a faster way of enacting the feedback that they receive. Uh, even currently right, currently in game right now, there's changes coming up for 9.1.5 that I think they could push live fairly comfortably uh, without that being a major impact on the game or a large amount of workaround that has to happen. Something like what they did with uh, Conduit Energy, for example, just being a very easy workaround to sort of spoon-feed some of that uh, 9.1.5 content into the game right now to sort of make the game more um, pleasant to play for the people who are currently playing it. Uh, so I, I do feel like regardless of, of how they are receiving feedback, they need to actually find faster ways to get it out there. Um, I, I don't know if a, uh, a personalized survey that isn't like, 
choose, you know, A, B, or C as an option would be very useful simply because they get so many results back. They're trying to filter through handwritten, you know, one paragraph, 150 word, whatever it is, responses would be a lot of responses to get through, and you might not get as broad, of, as concise of a picture as, did you like this? Did you not like this? Would you like to see this system improved as an A, B, and C, right? Um, I think I think that to me would be a, a simpler way to do a survey like that. I just I I feel like the forums is their best tool, and they just need to find ways to get content to get uh, updates and newer content faster. Yeah, it's tricky because you know a survey is going to have a lot of really leading questions. I guess you know you you have to you you want like radio buttons that people can click through and answer, and you can have this kind of objective data that you can compare and. Um, you know, for one thing, it to some kind of alludes to it is that, like, you know, Blizzard has access to usage data, yeah. and where people spend their time is going to be illustrative to a degree, although there's also that, you know, that caveat in something like, wow, where you spend your time is not necessarily where you're having fun. It's where you think you're getting the most bang for your buck, right? You're getting the best return on investment on your time, like doing um, what was that dungeon in Legion Mob Souls? Just like like that whole thing, like people doing that dungeon over and over again for artifact power at one point in time early on because it was perceived to be the most efficient thing to be doing. Nobody thought that the dungeon was that much fun. And if you looked at the, you know, if you looked at the usage data, you'd be like, oh, well, obviously this is what people want to be doing. Um, you know, you need more context for that in when it comes to game design and MMORPG design. Um, and context can be difficult to, I think, express to respondents in a survey, right? The other thing, too, is, and I mean, Spencer, you just mentioned this, like, it is hard to turn the ship around, right? It's hard for them to flex on something. And design decisions seem to be not necessarily set in stone, but, like, they are in flight before we ever play anything. So, especially around, like, uh, like a patch, right? Like, like to some of question is specifically about a patch. A patch doesn't really live long enough, I think, for what he's sort of suggesting to really make a dent, right, in terms of direct player feedback. Because if he played, I don't know, Let's say if you played 9.1 on the PTR and they had a survey and you're like, what do you think of domination sockets and charge of domination? And people wrote back and said, I think they suck. I hate them. I don't want them. And that was the overwhelming feedback. They still would have launched because there wouldn't have been time to redesign the patch, right? So it, it, it's, it's kind of tough. I mean, I, I think we have seen Team 2 be a bit reticent to make necessary changes to the game. They, they, they've had... They've stuck to guns that don't make a lot of sense. I think sticking to your guns can be a good thing in many situations, in life in general, and certainly in game design. Uh, I, I think people with experience and skill in game design should be empowered to make cool stuff for WoW. Um, but I think they've chosen several very strange hills to die on in the last three or four years, and... Uh, you know, it seems like with 915, that trend is reversing to some degree, or at least, like, the biggest pain points in Shadowlands specifically. So, you know, baby steps. 
it, it's always tricky to poll the um, you know the audience for like what what they want because um, you, you know the, the the players don't really know what they want all they all they all they can filter that through is their experience playing the game so they don't really have a good grasp of what is possible from a tech standpoint um, what is possible from a design standpoint and what would actually be fun like they can ask for reversions of you know to older things that they thought were fun and sometimes you know blizzard has done stuff like that but they tend to try to you know incorporate new things into wow and include new ideas so it's yeah it's a bit tricky i i think sort of like an objective survey like a layout where you know they're trying to just get a volume of feedback about decisions that are more or less already made. I'm not sure if that would result in a better product. I mean, I, I think there's always opportunities for them to source player opinion and feedback. And I, I think surveys could be part of like a bigger picture, but I, yeah, I, I kind of see them being more valuable in like alpha and beta cycles where, where you're, you're testing a product that is going to live way longer than a WoW patch is going to. Like, you know, like an expansion is going to live about two years, right? A patch is going to live about seven months, call it. So it's, I don't know. I think everybody who has ever played or probably worked on or sold WoW all wishes that the timeline could be accelerated and that changes could happen faster. And for whatever reason, they just can't and they haven't and they never have. Um, I don't have any reason to feel confidence that that ever will change. Um, I I think that their release schedule is the way it is out of necessity for the most part. Um, and you know, I I guess my hope is that when it comes to Shadowlands specifically, that the delay in getting needed quality of life changes and what feel like really meaningful patch improvements, right, like changes to the way we approach the expansion, I'm hoping that that's largely, you know, a result of COVID-19 and, you know, all, all the, you know, making a video game is hard to begin with. Making video games over the last year and a half has been a completely different beast. So um, I'm hoping that maybe that had a bigger impact on the time frame than anything else. And, you know, under better circumstances, we would have seen some of these changes, you know, by now already they would have been live or, or something like that. Um, you know, there is some 915-specific stuff that is altering 9.1 stuff, and that just feels like kind of missing the mark. But then it, it all goes back to that, like, what kind of pressure were they under to just get 9.1 out? I mean, 9.0 was around for way too long. Like, yes, there are blemishes in 9.1.5 that are getting so much needed attention, or in 9.1 that are getting attention in 9.1.5. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 we don't really know what goes on, you know, behind closed doors. So uh, it seems to me like some of the stuff was just not – they didn't have the, the bandwidth, the resources, the ability to do it sooner, even though – the intention was for these changes to come in or the, the need for these changes was identified earlier. Um, hopefully we won't, we won't see these patterns uh, repeat, you know, going forward. And, we'll, you know, I, I would love to see a, a tighter timeline for stuff like this to come in. 
the type of surveys I'd like to see them experiment more around with is sort of like what we got for the tree mount, where, you know, it's just like, all right, we have these four choices of content. We want the players to vote on the choice of content that they want us to put our time into. That would be interesting to me to see if they did that just for one thing yep. in expansion, whether it's like, hey, you know what, we have this Warlock Green Fire quest, or we have another questing zone. Which one would you guys prefer? We have the Mage Tower, or Sorry, we have, Warlock. you know, or we have the other, like, which one would you prefer? Like, that kind of thing to me would be really interesting if they were sort of choosing between, like, just, just offering up the, hey, guys, this is what we're looking at timeline-wise. In development, well, could, we're yeah. making these decisions, and this is one decision that we want the player base to decide on, right? We've, we've made all the other decisions for the expansion that we're going to be making, and we want right. to get feedback on those things. But when it comes to how we dedicate towards this, th these, between these two particular or these three particular choices, we want the player base to sort of decide on that. So, we, so the player base gets ownership to a certain degree over that content. I think it would be kind of a neat concept to explore. That would be cool, and, you know, part of that, I, I think they they would have to maybe change up the patch, the traditional patch structure of WoW in order to do that kind of thing, but I think it'd be worth it. Like, if you had this sort of, like, literal, like, test realm, test environment that wasn't, like, tied to a particular release, but they could, like, push features to it, and you could try these different features and go, okay, like, which, you know, which one is seems to be more popular with players or whatever, like, what are people responding to better, um, and then you could invest resources in polishing that and getting it ready to release into the live game alongside, you know, what, some other bigger update, some, some patch that was going to get QA'd and localized and stuff. Um, I, I think there'd be a lot of opportunity there. WoW is so modular, right? There's so many different ways to play it. There's so much content that has nothing to do with anything else. It's just its own little box. It, yeah, it, having, like, sort of a weird menu of stuff you could test out, like, almost like a, a mini-game thing, like, type of, almost like a storefront in the game, and it's like, okay, listen, this stuff isn't QA'd, it's not going to be localized, but you can go mess around with it, and if you guys think something is particularly cool, then we'll see about turning it into an actual WoW feature. Like, man, I something like that would be super valuable, and it would be really fun to mess around with when live WoW was slow. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't think they have the infrastructure to be able to do something like that, but, uh, it would be really fun if they could. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I even just feel like on paper, if they just give us three descriptions of what it would be and you just make a decision, like you could even do the, do it so much as in the last, in, in 9.3, there is going to be a final space that we all travel to. Which architecture would you like to be highlighted inside of that space? Would you like this, this, or this? And you're like, oh, well, that's kind of neat. So when they're going to go work on designing it or whatever it is, they could actually have player feedback on, you know, what this particular zone might be influenced by. Like, I, I don't like it, whatever it is. I, I just feel like giving players that, and it could be expansion-based where it happens, we're talking about 10.0, and we're talking about the, whatever happens after Shadowlands, and that's where they're actually reaching out way in advance when they're in early design phases. Um, I just think it's neat to, to give players that little bit of ownership over content creation when it comes to those things and realize what they're choosing between, right? Like, because the devs make these decisions every day, and the player base has no idea the impact and level of stuff that gets sidebarred or put off or, you know, thrown away or whatever it is. And if they basically went, hey, you know what, this is one of the things we're struggling with, let's just, you know, make this our poll thing for this, this expansion or whatever it is, uh, that players get to vote on and go, all right, guys, would you want X or Y? You make up your mind. Let's see what people say. And, you know, 
it'd just be interesting to see. All right. Well, we have Mecca Jeff waiting, and we're going to see if we can get him in here this time. So I'm not hey, even Jeff, ready for up, this. Man? Hey, man. How's it going? Good to see you, but it's been way, way, way too long. It has been way too long, lads. Absolutely. Oh, and Frog's back there, too. Hi, Frog. Oh, there she is. Hello. All right. Well, Jeff, welcome. This is great. We got you back on. How are you doing? Yes. I'm actually doing pretty well. Pretty well, actually. Uh, it's all good here. So, uh, answer to the question of the week is, I think I'm not happy about Mage Tower coming back. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it's I think a lot of people are just concerned about it, just because it's um, it is one of those things that you know those 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 flags that you that you hoist all the time because you know I was there and that's okay. And I'm just wondering if if something like this doesn't spiral. Right. What if it doesn't spiral? It's like, oh, I gotta have that. I gotta have that uh, phoenix, you know, from Pandaria. Um, you know, oh, does this mean we're? I'm gonna be able to get the orange striped, you know, tiger from you know? So it's like it. It seems like it just might spiral. And I think I think Torghast has so many opportunities to give us the same thing because it's it, it certainly is as if not more challenging. Um, especially when you're trying to do, uh, you know, perfect runs, which the Mage Tower was basically a perfect run. It's like either you either got a one or a zero. So, yeah, it's interesting because uh, I, I have the same concerns of losing the the specialness that comes with expansion specific or time period specific gear. Uh, or appearances, or transmogs, or mounts, or I, as someone who owns the orange stri- striped tiger, I, I feel your uh, <laughs> your concern because it's one of my favorite mounts by far. Like it really is, uh, and so I, I very much um, have have a similar concern of the spiraling. The one thing that made me happy was that they they did do a, a recolor of that uh, tier twenty for all of the the gear that drop the uh, transmog that drops out of made, new mage tower. And they didn't do any of the weapons, right? So we don't have the flail back. We don't have things like that back. And so there's a certain amount of, like, trust and faith, I guess, we have to put into Blizzard that they will continue to make sure that there is um, time-limited rewards that make people feel special, uh, that they participated and they were there. And we see that with the heroic mounts. We see that with the mythic mounts from the the raids that are out there. We see that with the seasonal mounts for Mythic Plus and for PvP. Uh, and the seasonal armors for the the high-ranking PvP players, um, that those rewards are specific to that time frame, and if you didn't earn them during that time frame, frame, then you can't get them again. I think we're always going to see recolors and reskins, as much as I just dislike it, uh, because often, you know, as we sort of saw with the the Legion, we were talking about the Legion um, uh, Order Hall, uh, armor that it's sort of like the the Spider-Man's pajamas, the the lesser version, if you will, of uh, the armors that we were getting from the Pandaria challenges. I think we're always going to see those those recolors and reskins because they're just easy for them to do. And I think to a certain degree, when you have four different raid difficulties and you have uh, you know PvP at a bunch of different skill levels and rankings, and you want to create some sort of reward for each of those difficulties, doing a unique armor set for each of them is a large amount of work versus just doing one armor set that just recolors differently or and recolors differently and gets spikes or gets fire or gets energy or something attached to it is a much easier thing to do that lets them just sort of pump out a whole bunch of these sets. Um, and I, I, I do um, 
I, I was kind of kind of interested when they were starting to do uh, not necessarily just tier sets for this expansion, but trying to do armor for this expansion. They started doing things where it's like, you know what? Every leatherware is going to have the exact same appearance of armor, and we're actually going to roll some other classes into that, and we're going to uh, make a unique armor set for each difficulty. To me, it would be much more interesting than being like, here's the monk tier set, here's the druid tier set, here's the demon hunter tier set, and they all look different. As much as it's neat to have that class fantasy gear set, I almost wish a little bit that the, the gear set for heroic was different from the gear set for mythic, that it was different from the gear set for normal and versus LFR, and they're just drastically different, like very different. Um, but we didn't get one for each of my individual classes. So there wasn't a warrior one. There was a plate one and a leather one. And so you basically, by not having to make one for each individual class, you made one for each individual armor type, you could cut back on uh, how ununique these things are. Uh, so I, I do hope that they find ways to, to do that because I, I dislike recolors. I, I think it's just kind of lame to me when I see it happen. That said, I do like that the bear form from that I got from Legion Time Walking, you know, from uh, from Legion Mage Tower, had four different colors. <laughs> I really dug that. That was really cool. I guess it's just armor for me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they have to make so much more stuff for those types of rewards than they used to, right? Like, 15 years ago, the armor just was what it was. There was one difficulty uh, a content, right? Uh, or setting, so you only had the one reward, and then you know I guess it was really in wrath that that's when we started to see okay there's here's the set and it comes in a couple different colors depending on you know what uh, raid size you're doing right that's yeah. how it kind of started then it was raid size plus difficulty there was some you know maybe there wasn't yeah there was some uniqueness there but um, you know that that's kind of where layering on these difficulties started ramping that up and it's like it must take a really long time to make you know 10 classes worth of gear sets and now they're up to 12 and you know four difficulties on top of it yeah i mean recolors and and kind of releasing old rewards in a different context but kind of earmarking them as like okay this is actually from this thing like trial of style for example you know those are old dungeon sets and stuff that they've recolored and reworked and if you know you know where they're from when you see them um you know they haven't really there's never really been anything quite like the mage tower rewards were right um and they made it very clear that these rewards would not be offered again and so if you wanted them you better do them before bfa comes out that was the messaging for a very long time around legion and mage tower so I don't know. I, I I trust them to not make those exact same rewards available again. And um, I yeah I, I like I said at the top if they if they did weapon recolors and stuff I mean it wouldn't bother me that much because I I got what I wanted or what I thought was important to have on my account to kind of signify my time and and investment in Legion and my skill at Legion. I did that at the time, right? And so if they come out with, like, a neon green uh, <laughs> prop warrior flail and shield, like, okay. I, I, anytime I see somebody rocking that, I'll know that they got it from something that wasn't the, you know, the Legion Mage Tower. So um, it, it is tough because you want to you want to offer stuff for people to chase, and stuff for people to chase is hard to make. And then 
it's cool to have stuff that you can only get for a while, but then it's not cool if you missed out on that and then you have no alternative, right? Like, so I, I think it's a decent compromise from the way I am looking at it. You know, I, it, I, I mean, I remember at the time when this stuff was going away, you know, we, we're, we're talking late 2018, basically mid 2018, late 2018, you know, I, I repeatedly publicly said, like, good. I don't want it to come back. I want them to shut it off. I want I want this to be a thing that is tied to Legion and that you had to have spent time in Legion to play. And people got mad at me about that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. It's I mean, it is what it is. Everybody's entitled to their opinion about the way these systems work. But, um, you know, I always felt like the expectation around the Mage Tower rewards in Legion was fair. It was a fair ask because it was accessible by the end of the expansion. And they never made any – there was no ambiguity, right? Like, we knew before we ever got – before anybody unlocked any of these rewards, we knew that this was going to be tied to Legion specifically. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I trust them to not re-release those exact same rewards ever, and um, I think they'll – you know, they're going to continue over the years to find these types of situations where it's like you want to make something cool – but you don't want to make something it's, – it's hard to make something that's super cool and that you could take away the ability to earn forever and then nobody's disappointed about, right? <laughs> that's a really tough tightrope to walk. So I think doing, like, toned-down versions and recolors is fine because, it you know, it makes, the, it makes the game interesting to play for people that are in that moment. Well, I, I think the other concern, and we've seen this in other time walkings, is uh, uh, modern gear being used. I mean, imagine just having, like, you know, all these corrupted pieces going into the Mage Tower. I mean, how easy would it be to just, you know, take care of it? Yeah, the uh, the interesting thing is going to be going back to Mage Tower with an AoE cap for the DPS classes. Um, obviously, the AoE cap is minor because now it's just reduced damage with the more things that you fight. Um, so that's going to be something that people notice big time. Uh, we don't know yet what the restrictions are going to be on legendaries, because if, if you can wear your current gear, then you can wear your current legendaries, and if you can wear Legion legendaries, then you can wear even more legendaries, and if there's no limitation in that, then, you know, there'll be certainly be a very different power scale. I think the important thing to factor into this is, you know, is the Mage Tower going to be as challenging as it was during Legion? I, I severely doubt it. Uh, as with most time-walking content, I think their goal is to make things more accessible, for players inside time walking, allow them to actually go in and experience it and have fun with it. I don't think it's supposed to be as much of a challenge. So I, I, I very much feel like this is tourist mode is sort of the goal, right? The goal is this comes back for two weeks. This gives players a chance to go back and tour what they might have missed or remember what they, you know, it's like going to a, an amusement park for Legion. It's like the concept, right? I think is what, what their goal is with time walking. And so I, I think um, we probably won't see as much worry about balancing and trying to make it really hard and make it really difficult. I think for people especially who, you know, in the first run when this thing's out for two weeks, want to actually get all the appearances they want to get, it's a lot of runs inside Mage Towers. It's going to be a lot of time. And, you know, it, for me, first time Mage Tower came out on my Resto Druid, it took me 16 hours to do the healing challenge, right? And the first week it was out. That's not what we're going to be experiencing, and I don't want anyone to experience that, right? Like, I, I don't. This isn't this isn't classic Legion, right? This isn't like what you know. This is supposed to be everyone needs to experience the hardships that I experienced the first time around. This is 
you know, this is the, hey, everyone needs to go back and check this thing out because it was really cool back then. And, you know, if you can stumble your way through it, I think that's okay. I don't, that doesn't bother me. No, and, and I, I agree. Genuinely, it, it should be accessible. Um, so, and, and I think if you're going to do that, then the rewards should be recolored. Um, because I think we need that, we need that kind of separation. We need, you know, in terms of. Yeah, versus them being yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that. But it's cool that they did the, um, you know, they're doing the spell tome now for, for doing, you know, one of each of the different challenges. Like, that, that is cool. Like, adding some different rewards that weren't around at the time and that are, you know, kind of unique, I think that's a cool twist on it, too. Like, you can have you can put these reasons to revisit the content in there that aren't just, you know, basically revisionist history, right? We can have some reason for players who were there to re- to revisit it and go grab that new bear form and, and try to do them all and grab that mound if you want it. Like, that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting angle, I think, too. Um but yeah, I don't. I don't expect the difficulty will be anywhere comparable to, you know, seven dot two Mage Tower or even seven three five Mage Tower. For one thing, you know, you don't have the artifact abilities, and the, they were such a big part of how your class played in that expansion, like the active ability, um, and the uh, a, a lot of the Mage Tower challenges were kind of built around using your artifact weapon at the right time, using that ability at the right time. Or using it, you know, when a particular part of the fight happened, or against a particular ability or something. So, yeah, I, I, I do. I have the expectation that it is not going to really feel like the Mage Tower felt. It'll just let you see that kind of scenario play out and be more accessible for sure. Even class changes, like even talent changes between now and then, are, are dramatic. It's been so long. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. you know, it, it's that it's a thing of like. There, it's a it's a series of minor changes that your your spec might not feel that much different to you on a moment to moment basis from five years ago, but a lot of stuff is changed. A lot of stuff is different under the hood, and you know that that stuff was tuned so specifically. You got to figure that also like if hopefully they're future proofing this feature a bit, so it's not going to have to be like drastically retuned every expansion or every patch, right? So you, you want it to be the kind of thing that people can step into and check out and, and play through without having to, you know, super min-max and do everything right in order to win like you used to be able to, you used to have to do. All right. Do you have another um, question for us, or are you, uh, you good? No, that that was sort of it. You know, just sort of, um, you know, just a major concern about how they're going to do this. I mean, because I think, as Jason said, this was just this was so so much a legion challenge, so you know let's 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 see how they do it. Yeah, it, it's again. I think just that goes down to the point of you just need to have a certain amount of trust in the devs that they love the game as much as we do, and they're only going to want what's best for the game. So hopefully they you know nail it when it comes to this kind of stuff. All right, well, sir, if you're if there's not something else. No, that was it. Just just chiming in on the question, and um, it was a good question, by the way. Right. And um, thank you, guys. Uh, you know, hope you guys are are you checking out the, the new Diablo two? Yeah, I am. I, I played it a bunch with Slew yesterday. Although he went for fifteen hours, which I just don't know how he does it. He's a machine, that guy. 
when he gets into something, he's into it. He's back at it now. He's actually playing the game right now. Dude is special. Yeah, he is. He is a special individual. Um, I you know I played for a couple hours last night, and then I raided with my new raid team, which I'll talk about on Tuesday, um, and what what's up with them. And uh, and then I played a little bit more, and then I played a little bit today. So I, I think I'm I just hit Act Three is where I'm at now. So I'm like level 22. I hit Act Three, and uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. The one thing that uh, that stood out for me was, and everyone's been raving about it, is the console support for this game is apparently phenomenal for using a controller. Um, if you're someone... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was, just, I was going to chime in and say, um, we've been playing it on the Switch, of all yeah. things, and it's, and it's throwing it up on telly with a controller is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It's very fluid. It looks so good. plays really well. Yeah, the, uh, the interesting thing on PC is if you're playing with keyboard and mouse and you've connected a controller and you just pick up the controller and start using it, it will change your UI to the controller UI automatically, um, which means that your bottom bar changes based off of the controller UI or not. And it actually puts health bars above the individual mobs as opposed to at the top of the screen where it sort of defaults originally. Um, and when you go into inventory 